This is Gav Thorpe, and you're listening to Radio Free Istvan. Heresy and betrayal. These are the words being used to describe the treachery of the war master Horus and his three brothers, Mortarian, Fulgrim, and Angron, against the innocent hive world of Istvan III. Once a flourishing planet, now a wasteland, desolate and lifeless, after the Emperor's favoured son unleashed the Imperium's greatest weapon, the deadly Life Eater Virus. However, all is not lost. Some valiant legionaries survived the onslaught thanks to some quick thinking and a timely warning. Hidden deep within a bunker, under the Coral City, these legionnaires broadcast the truth across the galaxy. Forever hunted, they have vowed to broadcast as long as possible and remain free. Radio Free Istvan. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners, and welcome to... Episode 28 of Radio Free Istvan, a Horus Heresy 30K podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and I got my co-host over here, Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's going on, everybody? And uh, we have a pretty nice little episode for you guys. It's actually a a two-part episode. Pretty proud to say that we uh, actually got to record in person, face-to-face, in uh, Ryan's beautiful house in Indiana. In beautiful state of Indiana. Uh, If you didn't know, if you're a first-time listener, me and Ryan are both from different states in the United States. Uh, And uh, I took a little trip up to an event, the Circle City Heresy, to go see Ryan and uh, go taste that Indiana meta, which I really, I feel like I didn't get to taste too much of it. Like, I feel like I'd, like, dip my toes in. But uh, I was watching some games, and it was I could see some some shit was happening around me, so. But uh, so I guess just just out the gate, guys, we have a, a few lists we're gonna go over for you later on in the podcast. Uh, we have a Mechanicum list, a Solar Auxilla list, a Sons of Horus list, and an Alpha Legion list. Is that yep. right? Yeah, that's right. That's and then we're gonna break off and we're gonna go into probably my favorite segment of this podcast that we've already recorded. I already know the future of what this episode is going to have in store for you. And you're going to get to hear about, uh, for one, my trip to Indiana, but for two, uh, some sweet-ass games I played over at the Circle City Heresy with Ryan. And uh, I guess my list composition and all that and how how I ran it and how it did. So y'all have been hearing about my... Uh, Fury of the Ancients list. Well, I changed it up a little bit. It's not Fury of the Ancients. I ran over a little salt. But uh, we did throw a bunch of dreadnoughts at uh, at some people, and it, it seemed to work out just fine. <laughs> so if you've been wondering how that's going to happen, that's going to be at the end of the podcast. But uh, I guess we're actually just going to have some, some normal podcastage for you guys. I guess uh, let's start so, it off like we always do, man. Okay. Well, real real quick before we start. So what was your overall impressions of Indiana? It was badass, dude. I had a great time. Like it was like a uh, uh, beautiful uh uh nature and y'all had like beautiful weather for now and y'all had tigers and shit. Tigers and shit. We <laughs> talked about that on the show. Like I there was no I had nothing to complain about about Indiana. Well, I just wondered nice. if anything like jumped out at you that you were like, "Wow, this is really the service, the service industry, man." Like, I knew you were a nice guy, right? Well, like, I'm like, yeah, dude, that Ryan dude is like fucking nice. He's like a gem. He's the gem of Indiana. And then I find <laughs> out that like, oh no, Ryan's just another nice guy in Indiana. Maybe <laughs> there's nicer guys in Indiana. 
(laughs) Maybe there's probably several nicer guys, but yeah, I mean, that's why I said, man, it's, that's we call it. Who's your hospitality. Everybody here is pretty cool. That's why we're so good at running events. Like when I say we like actual Indiana, like whenever we have the Super Bowl or the NCAA tournament or Gen Con or whatever, it seems like everybody that visits here, that's the first thing they have to say is, man, everybody's so nice. Like, I can't believe how nice, like everybody treated us so awesome. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like hands down, like we got Southern hospitality down here. We got Southern hospitality. That's what we're (laughs) known for. But shit, dude, like you, you, you beat us, dude, like straight up, (laughs) you win, you win the hospitality contest. You can have it. We ain't shit. Like we're assholes down here. Frankly, we're assholes. Like <laughs> I don't. When the chef of the restaurant we were at, he said, "Do you need napkins?" And you said, "Nah, I'll get it." He goes, "Nah, man, take a load off. I got it. You're on my time." And he went and got nap. Like what the sh- like? Nobody does that down here. They say, "Hey, get your napkin, boy. You got shit on your face." Like, what? <laughs> it ain't. Oh. Well, yeah, man. I'm hoping. Because Pretty, like I said, we've talked about this. You know, Pretty keeps saying that he wants to come up here for Gen Con at some point. I'm hoping you guys can come back uh, and stay a little longer where, you know, we can do do a few more things, maybe see some other shit and um, get some of you other Texas guys up here. I'm coming down for uh, Stiff next year, obviously, and I may even... Next year's gonna be tight on vacation days. I'm definitely coming for that, but because my, you know, we're going to Iceland and all this other stuff that my wife wants to do, maybe the year after when I come down for uh, Stiff Four, yeah, I could take a little more time and stay a little longer, or, you know, whatever. If I end up next year having a little extra days at the end of the year, maybe I'll just come down for the fun of it for like three or four days, you know, encompassing a weekend, and we can do some shit down there. We'll go do some stupid shit. We'll go take it up to Houston and stuff like that can do that go get bug wild you could do some tubing like you said and i can get my own uh dude bro face on and you could put me next to zach on the wall of dude bro pictures yeah dude that'd be great we'll get you we'll get you in the in the water we'll get you some uh some rio beer from from pretty that'll be nuts <laughs> get you your dude bro face on can we also uh, inform everyone that tonight is election night but yes. instead of paying any attention to that we're doing the vastly more important thing of talking about little plastic soldiers. Yeah, of course, you know, because really who cares who runs our country? Well, I, w- I want to state also for the record, and only NFL fans are going to get this joke. I talked about it a little bit on our little uh, Facebook chat. I hope that whoever wins between the two candidates we got realizes that they're the Trent Dilfer of presidents. <laughs> 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 Let that sink in a little bit, NFL fans. <laughs> Dude, Jake Busey is gonna crack up by that. <laughs> we were already laughing about it because I told him about that the other day. Jake's a good dude. Coming to the fire podcast, people. Yeah, check him out. He's got the. Uh, we were laughing because I listened to his podcast uh, on the way to Chicago for the first time. I listened to the episode with you on it. Oh, sweet. And um. Did He's got him? like that. No. Did I say, did I say anything no. embarrassing? I haven't finished it yet because I actually made it to <laughs> Chicago listening to it. Like, and you were like in the middle of the section. So I've listened to the whole thing. So, but what I heard of you, you didn't embarrass me yet. Okay. Um, so we're good to go. But he's got this like smooth, like country radio DJ voice. Oh, yeah. 
So I was like, man, I'm like, your voice is so nice. I'm like, they could record you. You could like read children's books to put my kids to like sleep at night. I don't have kids. If I had kids, you could do that. Like they only like record my voice to scare away unwanted birds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tim like that. I've horse Tim. He was cracking up. So you want to hear something crazy and like, let's hear it. So let's, let's just stay as far away from 30k as we can for a little bit. Just for, <laughs> so, a, minute. Just for a bit. Well, we got because we'll jump into hobby progress here in a second. But yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll we'll come back, boys. We'll come back. Anyway, so um, I used to sell electronics. I used to work at Sears in the electronic department when I was like 18, 19, and uh, I realized that for some reason or another, when when you're selling electronics to people in texas uh they tend to trust you more if you have a southern draw like if you have a southern accent and i, I don't know why i don't know well, if that's the joe the... rogan special we watched uh-huh the joe rogan special we watched that's what he says you have to blend in well yeah I, yeah so so anyway so when i would sell electronics um I would talk with this southern draw, and it was very weird because I had a I had a like a faux hawk at the time, like a mohawk, and uh, like I had it for like one day, and because like my my barber gave it to me, and she's like, oh yeah, try this style out, and I was like, okay, and then this like this this girl I worked with like really liked it, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I got to keep it because like it's getting attention from from girls, like all right, cool, and then like customers started coming in, they're like, hey, where's that guy with the southern accent that had the faux hawk or with the mohawk? And then it's like, oh wow! It's like so, like people remembered me, and like that's a big deal. Like when you're selling things, like they got to come right. back to you. Well, then like, so I would sell everything in a southern accent, and other employees started asking me like, why do you change your voice when you talk to customers? <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know, but they like they, it's like easier to sell when I when I like when I talk in a southern draw like that. Well, anyway, so. I would talk with this, like, basically faux Southern draw, but I've lived in Texas my whole life, so, like, I know how to, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, right. very, it's like another language. Uh, so whenever I talked to Jake on the podcast, he was talking in his Southern draw, and, and the, the problem is is when somebody else is talking in a Southern draw, it's you really easy it. for you, you to slip in. Like, you just, oh, like, yeah. you fall in. And, you, and at one point in the podcast, I know... I, I I talked in it and I was like, oh shit! Like I gotta I gotta get back to my normal because he's gonna think I'm making fun of him. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to make fun of you. It's just so easy for me to talk like that. Oh my god, dude! It was, it was like it was <laughs> just so rough. So now I know I can never like like I'm surprised like David Samson doesn't talk with like any draw or anything like that. Like, well, he's from Ohio, so he's yeah originally from Ohio. So I I, I man, it's rough. Yeah. I don't know. That was, that was weird. People, weird. I see people like accents. Uh, perpetual painting. Dave, when he works his day job, when he's when he's not doing commission painting, he works his day job. All these little old ladies come in there, and they always ask for David because they want to buy their yarn from him because he's got a British accent. All the I, all the older ladies like him. I don't know why I would trust buying yarn from a British person over an American person, but I would. I don't know yeah. what what makes me think that. Like it's like this is the same thing for tea, yarn, <laughs> uh, probably he, surgical needles for some reason. I don't he know hates why tea. That. If I remember right, he hates tea. I'm thinking he hates tea, 
which is That's pretty okay. funny. It's, I mean, I'm... his favorite thing is barbecue. Now that he lives here, he loves barbecue. He's a I barbecue. Wouldn't, I wouldn't trust a, a British accent to tell me about barbecue, no matter how. Well, I'm not saying he makes it. He just loves eating it. Like, no, I'm just like, saying, like, 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 accent wise, like we're talking about accents. Like, would you trust yeah. like an accent? Like, if somebody, if a British guy was telling me in, like a barbecue recipe, I probably would just be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, if a British accent <laughs> was telling me a barbecue recipe, I'd probably dismiss it. Like, okay. But if Jake Busey was telling me a barbecue recipe, I would. Oh, you're probably- I'd write it down. Like, I would. <laughs> <laughs> We if need he's to get telling some... me which which Vince Gill album to buy, I'm listening. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you won't get some Indiana honey. Okay, <laughs> you know what? You're you're onto something. Put some uh, Garth Brooks on there for me, Jake. None of that Clark Gaines shit. <laughs> some Garth Brooks. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, that's so funny. Nah. So anyway, all right. Back to some 30k for you for you listeners out there. Uh. I guess, okay, well, first off, let's touch base on episode 27. For those of you that don't, for those of you that listen to the podcast but don't have us on Facebook, or you, don't, you haven't, you know, checked out our page on Facebook, or maybe you just don't have a Facebook or anything like that, um, episode 27, my mic fucked up. Actually, it could be fucking up now. I have to go back and check it. Hold on. Everybody just hang out for a second. Okay, yeah, we're good. So anyway, so in the last episode of Radio First Van, my mic did this weird um, fuck-up thing where it does like the weird, this weird static and all this jazz. And so what we ended up doing is I, I announced on our Facebook page that we weren't going to release the episode to the RSS feed because we're getting a lot of newer listeners, and I don't want them to associate our podcast with that like terrible sound. I don't want them to like come in for the first time and be like, the fuck is this shit? This is what people listen to? Fuck no. I'm not going to hear this crap the entire time. So I, I, I listed the actual link on SoundCloud as private, posted it on the Facebook. And, uh, it's, you'll see like the, the game of Thrones shame girl there, uh, on, on our Facebook page. And, uh, that's where the actual, uh, the actual podcast is it's there to download and listen to and all that stuff uh actually you know what i didn't even look to see like how many people actually listen to it but i think our like normal listenership listened to it anyway even though it was like much harder for them to get to i feel like i don't think it was bad because like i i sent it to uh i have horace tim i was like hey check this out like michael's freaking out over this which is good i'm glad that because like me well, you know how I am. I don't really give a fuck. I'd have been like, eh, whatever, release it. Michael's like, no, quality control, new lit. Like, you actually thought about it, which is good. So yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that we have this balanced relationship, but it's just not all like, you know, me running around acting like a moron and putting stuff out there that we shouldn't put out. <laughs> so anyway, though, I really didn't think it was that bad. Like, because I went back, because you, when you told me about it, I just listened, I put it on. And what's weird, you would think I wouldn't want to listen to the whole thing. Right. Because, like, we recorded it and it was staticky, but I put it on and I found my, like, I was doing some other shit. I was working on some models and doing some other crap, and I ended up listening to, like, three quarters of 
the episode that we recorded to listen to ourselves. So it really <laughs> wasn't that bad. And I told Tim that, and he listened to it, and he said it wasn't that bad either. Well, I'm glad y'all feel. I'm glad you feel that way. So if you're listening to this episode now, going guys, where the fuck is episode 27? Go to the Facebook page, or if you don't have a Facebook, send us an email. I'll send you a link to episode 27 and get a Facebook. And uh, that, that way you can, you know, listen to, listen to it on SoundCloud and get it out there and all that jazz. Um, but, yeah, so that's what happened with episode 27. I apologize. I'm sorry. That's my job to make sure that, like, that doesn't fuck up like that. And we usually do it. We're so good about either checking for that or like sometimes it echoes, or there's all these different things that weird things that happen that we've gotten like so in tune that we know that it's doing it, and like for some somehow that that sca- scraped by. So yeah, we figured most of the things out. Like when it gets echoey, we know what causes that. We know there's certain little things that we figured out. We just don't know what causes the staticky. Yeah, not I, sure on that. But anyway, so that's that, man. So, I guess, okay. dude, let's let's talk about some hobby progress. Okay. Well, you want to go first? Uh, I can. Uh, I didn't get fuck all done, to be honest with you. I'm well, we had that th- event. You were traveling on a train. Yeah, I was traveling on a train. I mean, right now I have three Blood Angels assembled, so that's kind of cool. Well, they don't have arms, but they're Mark IV Marines. Oh, dude, on my way back. Oh, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. Anyway. So, so on my, my flight to, okay, my flight back to Texas. Yep. I, there was no Wi-Fi on the plane. So I was like, well, fuck, this is going to be really boring now. There's no Wi-Fi. Like I can't like, you know, chat with you guys or do anything. And like I was, we were just cruising altitude enough to where we couldn't reach cell towers and I wasn't supposed to have my cell phone on anyway. But anyway, so I was building lists. I was like list hammering. Like, what can I do? And I was like trying to plan for Adepticon, like twenty one fifty. You know, do I really want to take my dreadnought list and all this stuff? And I made an all infantry like drop pod blood angel list with mm-hmm. like four. Like I, I don't. Know. I was kind of thinking like how hard would it be to like batch paint? How many dudes was it? Like seventy dudes, I think, is what it came out to. It's something like ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number of guys. And uh, let me see if I'll pull it up. So, because uh, when you came to the event, you borrowed Perpetual Painting Dave's, like, dudes. troops. Cause, yeah. Dudes. Because all you had was your uh, um, dreadnoughts. So is that what you're doing right now is painting, the, like, the base 20 guys so you can still run that same list? Uh, yes and no. Well, see, the thing is I have 20 dudes that, I picked up in trade. Okay. And they're Mark III armor. And then there's another like 15 dudes who are like just unpainted in Mark IV. And then I have uh, like 10 dudes right there. And I, I think I have like 20 dudes just unpainted. But then since I got the heads and torsos from you, like I, th- I can actually use like Mark IV resin legs and all that stuff. So it. I want them to look good with my army, so like these guys are actually just going to look like. So, so yes, those are the t- those can be twenty guys for my tax squads for my Fury of the Ancients list. Cool. But if I instead chain decide to take a this list, which is, uh, 
let's see, 10, 20, 28. It's almost 60 guys. Well, if you need, just real quick, if you need more heads or torsos, just let me know and I'll mail you some. I got plenty. Yeah, yeah, I probably will. If I make this list, which this list will be very difficult to make by Adepticon, but it will basically not take any of the dreadnoughts that I currently am using. Right. And well, so, I'm not like encourage you to change your. I'm just saying that uh, if you, if that's something you do want to build in the future and you want more torsos and heads, just let me know and I'll mail you some. Yeah. Do you want to spec? Do you want to talk about this list? Do you? We can yeah. if you want. I mean, we, we don't. Let's have finish a whole hobby lot. progress and then we'll talk about it. So three guys. I've put together three blood angels. That's, okay, that's where I'm at. Uh, here's you want to see one. Let's see like. one. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the Black Knight from Monty Python, ready to kick someone in the ass. No yep. arms. No arms. No arms. So, yeah. How about it's merely a flesh wound. It's merely a flesh wound. So Your arm is missing. No, it isn't. <laughs> so for my hobby progress, I uh, I had a little like that big building I built with the Zomortalis shit on the inside of it. Um, obviously, I've wanted to finish that for the event, so I'm painted up some uh some hatches to go on the roof for people to use to get down in the middle in the inside from the roof. Um, I had some other objective markers to paint for the rust board, um, which never got used, but I, they were painted. I did paint them. Uh, I had to go around and set up all the tables, do some measuring. Uh, I touched up all the tables where just they see like general use through gaming, you know, where, like certain parts of them get kind of wore out or whatever. I went through and touched all those up. Um, and then I went and picked you up from Chicago. And then when you got back with me, we kind of, you know, I guess you kind of stood around and watched while I did some more stuff. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but that was pretty much it. And then uh, today, I, on the fly, built another Black Shields unit that's not in... So what it is, I wrote a Zone Mortalis list for my Black Shields. Um, I don't know if Zone is going to be at um, Adepticon. I'm sure it will be. Um, but I, I'll have to look at the schedule again. But I I wrote a Zone Mortalis list for my Black Shields, and it uses a unit that's not in my standard 2,500-point uh, all-comers list that I'm going to try to bring to Stiff. So I put those guys together. And I primed all my black shields. So they're all primed now and ready to go. And then uh, I wrote my two Blood Angel lists for the narrative for Adepticon. I'm hoping I can get signed up for it because I've already wrote the list and I've already started working on the models. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, if not, no big deal. I mean, it's something I wanted to get done anyway. But I wrote these lists and I started painting on some javelins. I'm going to... The, the lists have a uh, squadron of three javelins in it, and I already have one painted, so I'm painting two more javelins right now. So the plan is to do the Blood Angels first because I feel like, well, Stiff isn't near as restrictive as far as points. Like, I can run pretty much any of my other armies that I have as far as points and what I can take because you guys are, you know, allowing a lot of stuff that other events don't allow. So I need to get these Blood Angels done for Adepticon, so I'm going to try to do it first. Plus, they're already... My Black Shields, I haven't airbrushed them or anything like that yet, and I'm still waiting on heads. So 
um, I went ahead and just started working on the Blood Angels in the meantime, and I got three javelins to, or two javelins to paint, which I've started on already. Um, what is it? Six six jet bikes and twenty dudes in power armor. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and finish that, and then by the time that's finished, I'll have my black shields airbrushed, and I'll immediately jump into my black shields. Badass. And then if I can uh, find some time, I plan on doing all this. Why? Uh, if people don't know, I I have uh, some free time to paint at work, so I plan on doing all this to paint at work. And then if I can start a home project at the same time, I might work on my militia from home and try to finish three armies before Adepticon. What a champ. Because Josh, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but old uh, Mr. Uh, Josh De La Rosa there, him and Zach have called us out. Did they call us out? Called us out. What'd they say? Josh wants to play me and you in a team game. They think they're going to take us out in a team game. What a load of shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what I told him. (laughs) So I don't know if they're going to challenge us to a grudge match in the team event at Adepticon, maybe. Or maybe we'll just, uh, just when we have some free time at Adepticon, just throw down in a little pickup game. I don't know what's going to happen, but what list, what list do they want? Like, what, I don't know. Josh want wants to, Josh wants to play against my militia with his solar ox. He's been wanting to do that for a while. So okay. if I can finish my militia for him, we'll we'll be able to do that. Um, so I don't know. We'll get it figured out though. Huh. Wonder if I need to finish my black shields before that, or I could run this new list. It's we could run a blood angel list. I don't care. We could do that. Do you know be badass? You know be really tight? You want know to be really funny to run that 1,500-point Blood Angel list I wrote for the uh, Eye of Horus? Uh, beat face list? Beat face list. <laughs> <laughs> They'd love that. Dude, check this out. Here's an idea I want you to ponder on, and I want everybody out there to also ponder Osa on this. What if, like... What what are your what are your plans for display board for your blood angels? For me, I already have it done. Oh, never mind. You're doing that whole like it's like a destroyed uh, city thing. Yeah. Where they're like cruising through this destroyed city. Okay. Never mind. Why? I was gonna what say do you, I could do something else. Well, you already know what I'm doing. Like you already know I have like the drop the hanger, bay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole bay. Yeah. We can make like cuz I'm doing a what is it 4x4? Four Dude, we can like make a like four by eight. No, mine's two by two. Sorry. Yeah. So, so it'd be a two by four? Like so a, it'd be a two, two by four. Two. Yeah. So like it could basically be a giant blood angel hanger. And for your ha- part of the hanger, it would be a lot easier because all it would require is the forge world the actual one by one tiles they make that are flat and then all you need is like blind angel like storage but we need and like because i my army's armored breakthrough so we'd need something to signify tanks and bikes and shit getting to the surface i've got a blood angels thunderhawk right there yeah we could have shit driving up into the thunderhawk i guess 
I don't know. It's something to think about. It's okay. We also may need to... If we're going to team up in the team tournament, we need to talk about whether we want to do Blood Angels and Black Shields and what you're wanting to run in your half. Because if... You think we kind of both do the same thing? No, it's not that. It's I don't know if you've ever tried to play a team game where one guy runs Orbital Assault and the other guy doesn't, but it usually fucks the other guy pretty bad. Dude, that's... Okay, heads up. That's exactly what I told uh, Samson. I said, look, I said, Samson, I said, you're lucky because I'm running drop pods i said but keep most of your stuff in reserve because you're gonna be facing four thousand points by yourself for one turn if we don't seize the initiative like i was like just right like you gotta so no i know exactly i've fucked josh big time well what's bad is because what ends up happening is so they go first right and it's 4,000 points on 2,000 points or whatever, to, you know, if you're doing 2,000-point armies. Yep. Then on top of that, the other guy, when his shit finally does come in, he's only getting half his stuff, plus they've already killed some of the other stuff, so then it's usually still about the same ratio. That's how it works. So it's bad. It's bad. You don't want to do that. You either want to both go drop pods or not both go, you know, or do more traditional stuff so it's just something we need to talk about on what we're going to take whatever you're going drop pod right what no you're going like charybdis and stuff right it depends on what army we're talking about uh i'm I'm talking about black shields it's kind of drop potty okay oh yeah i forgot okay we'll talk about it offline yeah we'll talk about it offline boys because because i can I can I can be their turn too, and not on the table. I yeah, can, I can get in. Yeah, but so. even then, we'll just have to talk about it. All right. So stop talking your riddles for all you people that are listening right now. Going, what the fuck? I want to hear about yeah. this secret drop pod list and this secret riddle list. We get it. They can know all about my blood angels. I mean, it's the Adepticon narrative. I'll give my list right now. I don't care if you want a meta game for me at the Adepticon narrative. More power to you. But for the team tournament, oh. well, that's just, it's not even the team tournament. I don't even care about that. It's just for Josh and Zach. I don't want them knowing what I'm running. I gotcha. I okay. can't. I can't. Uh, I can show no weakness for callouts. Like I'll play as friendly as you want, but when the when the challenge comes out, when you're directly challenging me. It's on. There's no mercy. <laughs> when it's TFL Live versus Oh, this, this shit's getting cranked to 11. There's just, just no, like, there's, <laughs> there's this is no holds bar. I mean, they're going to get, they're getting full intensity, full intensity Kimmel. When did it's they call of, us out? Like, did I miss this? When did this happen? No, I, I, he didn't do it publicly. I'm probably throwing him under the bus here. He did it over, We, me and him were, we bullshitted for like an hour just, messaging each other back and forth he was asking me some militia questions and we were just talking shit about lists and stuff oh my he said i haven't even told monty yet well monty's been informed sir (laughs) all right cool i'll play you and your brother no problem yeah they know all about my my drop pod list so about all about my dreadnought list so they know how to counter that guy. But anyway, that's cool. 
so that's hobby progress. I, that was all my hobby progress I talked about before. So that's that's hobby progress. So let's go back to this list of men in the plane. Okay. Let's just touch let's base it. on it. Let's just let's just throw it in. I'm gonna throw it out there. You haven't had any time to think on this on the list, but uh Oh before you get started. Oh. We gotta remember this. Since you guys make t shirts and all. Oh, we need yeah. for stiff three, right? Because Freddie, the Swedish you know, the Swedish guys are coming over, Freddie's one of them. We have to make Freddie some type of shirt that says, what have I missed? Because in the Wolf Slayer's chat, he pops in like three times a day, and all he ever says is, what have I missed? And then we have to give him the rundown every fucking day. <laughs> Can do. And he does. And, and every, every time. Somebody so we need always manages we need to, to like cool sum it up for idea. him, too. Yeah. We need a cool shirt idea for the Freddie, what have I missed shirt. We'll figure something out. Like he's walking into like a room. It's got like a bunch of like dead donkeys in it and shit smeared on the wall or something. It's like, what have I missed? Like something weird. Or, or it could say, uh, um, like it could be like a control room, right? Yeah. And like inside the control room, there's like all these dudes around like controls and all this stuff. And like, it's a it's a guy and he's like the the door's opening and he's got all these like coffees in his hand and stuff like that and uh <laughs> like I'm trying to I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to talk through it I'm trying to talk through this idea <laughs> like I'm trying to like make like how would it be funny it would be oh, I'm trying to remember the flagship name the, okay so it'll say at the bottom it'll say the flight deck of the vengeful spirit. That's Horus's ship. Yeah, You're, you want Fulgrim's ship because he's an important no, no, children player. No, no, vengeful okay. spirit. Okay, and it'll it'll say uh, uh, above Istvan three, and like you just have everybody in the flight deck just like sweating bullets. Like, oh my god, what the fuck have we done? Oh, because like, they killed like, all their own legionnaires. Yeah, and it's the yeah. guy like, what have I missed? Like, what have I missed? <laughs> That's pretty. Damn straight. <laughs> oh, we just you know committed genocide against our own fucking legion oh <laughs> i was getting coffee <laughs> yeah he would probably like it better if it was emperor's children you could use the same idea with emperor's children yeah you could be funny um jake needs a shirt that says it's slip and slide time he'll get that joke i'll show you later okay <laughs> so we're making shirts now people through Josh through Mr. Delarosa himself so anyway back to this list I made on the plane so basically this list is like I, I've been playing with nothing but dreadnoughts right and yep. I wanted to see if I could take what those dreadnoughts could do and condense it into peoples that are scoring I didn't really okay. have any issues with scoring, but I thought it'd be a cool idea. And since Adepticon's what twenty one fifty seventeen fifty, yep, very weird numbers. Like, uh, I can I can make it an okay. Like, I wasn't very happy with my two thousand point team game list that I played over at your event. Okay, like I could tell that there's like there's, there's a second Leviathan missing, and you kind of you feel it. You know, you, you feel yeah. like a lot of firepower. Because really, I don't 
ever imagine there's going to be more than one two-plus armor save unit, but I have two Leviathans that can deal with two beat-face units like that. Like, they can, like, Phosphex discharge them. And so, like, when I played against your list, uh, well, your army, not really your list or whatever, it was right. a... It was Terminators and Galvor back that, like, those were the two things that my Leviathans were, like, that was their job to take care of that. And once I get down to the 2,000-point list, it's like, okay, well, if I'm losing a Leviathan, then I lose a shitload of firepower and, like, I lose, like, a lot of... Uh... So I feel like at the 2150 mark, it's probably going to be, like, also pretty rough versus, like, 2500 where my list gets, like... It really gets in its own at that point. 2500 right. to 3000, I've had, like, great luck with my list. Anything less than 2500, I'm trying to balance tax squads... And the whole uh, Blood Angels, not more vehicles than people bullshit. And it just, it really right. fucks me up at that point. Uh, so I built a list, Orbital Assault, uh, because that's kind of the, the theme we're going for here. And I went with uh, kind of a dick move, I guess you could say. Because I ran two Centurions, both Librarians. And it let me take a Blade of Perdition, but I didn't really look and see if I could take a Blade of Perdition. All you have library. to do is have access to a Power Fist. Okay, yeah, so they're good there. Yep. So Now, they come with free Force weapons, though. So it sort of sucks you're not using the free Force weapon and, and then paying another 20 points. I mean, I know the Blade of Perdition's badass, but you get what I'm saying, right? But you see why I took a Blade of Perdition, right? Well, yeah, it's a Blade of Perdition. Like... <laughs> Like, I could insta-kill somebody, or I could uh, deal, like, six wounds to a unit. Like Right, right. No, I get it. I get it. I could, yeah. So, so anyway, it. I went with a librarian, uh, two librarians, just for the whole... It felt very Blood Angel, and I feel like it could really benefit the uh, other units that I'm going to be taking. Uh, they're they're both artificer armored out. They, uh, I don't know why my iPhone just crashed, just because all these probably all these messages about the the. <laughs> good it sounds, lord! It sounds like we have a new redheaded overlord. <laughs> that's that's I think that's what's happening right now. Like people are shooting me messages like crazy right now. Okay. Anyway, back to it. Anyway, so both of the Centurions are Artificer Armor, Blade of Perdition. They're both Librarians, level two. Uh, they'll both be taking uh, uh, Divination. And I have a Legion Praetor, Digital Lasers, Blade of Perdition, Artificer Armor. And I'm taking a uh, Legion Command Squad with him. And have you ever ran a Legion Command Squad? Like, have you ever had any luck with mm -hmm. just like. I had one, I had one on bike. Okay, so this is going to be on foot. Uh, this is going to be on foot in a drop pod. Uh, all five have combat shields. All five have lightning claws. And they are just... They're, 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 just, they're just there to protect... They're basically there to just give me more wounds for the Praetor. Is all I'm hoping that they're going to do. And so the reason why I took lightning claws is because I kind of feel like with Blood Angels... Uh, you're going to be hitting on threes, wounding on threes. Lightning Claw seems like a good way to go. So, 
definitely, definitely fun, fun unit there. And they'll just drop bot in. And I'm hoping that, like, I really don't expect them to do a whole lot against, like, real units like uh, Terminators and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll hold their own again. Like, I can hunt hunt down uh, tactical squads or, you know, anything like that with that unit, which it seems like a really waste of points for tactical squad units. It's like a 400-point unit. Uh, so I might have to lighten that up a little bit. Um, I have two tactical squads. I replaced their bolters with uh, chainsaws. So they're taking bolt pistols. And those are pretty much just my objective, objective grabbers. And the only reason I loaded them out with bolt pistols and close combat weapons is because I really want to capitalize on their... The plus one to wound. The plus one to wound. So Mm -hmm. that's all I'm going to do with those. And then I took uh, four veteran tactical squads. Uh, They are an eight-man tactical combi weapon. It's an eight-man veteran tactical squad. Uh, They all have combi weapons. uh, Nuncio Vox. And they are which, in... Which weapons are they going with? Are they machine killer or sniper? And then I'll machine tell you what killers. So yeah. those have Meltas. Yeah. The second unit is a seven-man, uh, just for points. And they, they have one Melta gun in the unit, and they're machine killers, and the rest are commie, commie weapons. Okay. So he's running around, continuing to machine right. kill. Plus, if I don't... Did you... Even if you don't put melt bombs on them, their uh, crack grenades essentially go up to strength seven. Yeah, which I didn't is put, bad. I didn't put melt bombs on them. Okay, just because I wasn't sure how Abdetikon was going to roll that. So yeah, so I just kind of we'll see. Uh, then the other two are the, um, the veteran tactical squads with marksmen in drop okay. bots. and so then, they probably have flamers. Uh, they, yeah, combi flamers. So it's kind of wondering like. So basically, that's it. Like, that's the whole list. Like, Right. So what's your... So here's what... Because I play Salamanders this way all the time. Uh-huh. So what you're going to want to do is put those Flamers in a second wave, because you're going to want to come in with those Meltas to open vehicles up. Exactly. And then come in in the second wave with the Flamers to kill what comes out. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's basically the same list I ran for Raven Guard, except blood angels and now they like instead of badass mordathan it's just like somehow even better more uh <laughs> veterans well, like, i don't know if they're better they're just different i mean over like they're more well-rounded we'll put it that way okay yeah mordathan are better at that specific task of just shooting people with flamer templates and kill it because it's rending on a five or a six well i, I was it's, I, I i i get what you're saying on the uh, for some i was thinking about killing open up tanks is like where my mind was at oh okay yeah, yeah like because i did use them to open up spartans and With then the and then scorch everything inside of the spartan so right. yeah no you're, you're absolutely right they're much they're more well-rounded at killing infantry so anyway but yeah so so yeah, man, that that's kind of the list I'm thinking about running. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drop pods. My only my only problem with you doing this is it's like you're taking it the full step of building this whole army that's very strongly themed with all these infantry. Yeah, I, I'm too scared to do that because I know for a fact that obviously they're going to get specialty units. Yeah, and to me, the way that Day of Revelation is worded. 
I have a strong feeling that they're going to get some badass jump troops that I can take as troops. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm just throwing that out there. Because I have have, uh, 20 guys painted right now. I have 10 of them with bolt pistol chainsword that have magnetized jump packs. And then I have 10 more with just bolt guns. So what I can do is I can mix them and run five and five and just and I say that they're uh, veteran tacticals because you got like a mix of chainsword, bolt pistols, bolters in the unit. Um, or I can just run them both as do the same thing and run them both as basic tactical squads with um, extra close combat weapon. Right. Or I can divide them where they're all bolters, all chainswords and do two tactical squads with one with trading the bolter in and one with bolters. Or put the jump packs on them and run one as a assault squad. Gotcha. That's and then cool. I'm painting. I'm painting two more squads, which I showed you a picture of the base guy airbrushed with the helmet and the chest. And those are going to be a uh, veteran tact, like actual veteran tacticals that are modeled up to be veteran tacticals. So when I'm all done with that, I'm going to have forty guys, I guess. But then I'm stopping there as far as infantry. That's it. That's why I'm really into um, the Armored Breakthrough list right now because I already had a bunch of bikes and shit, and I bought tanks, and I feel safe like doing all that because it's not... I, I just have... I don't want to go crazy with the infantry because I have a feeling that when they get their specialty units, I'm going to run a, want to run a lot of those, and I don't want to be stuck with a bunch of infantry I never use again. Gotcha. No, That's I just see, me. No, I, I definitely see where you're coming through on that one. Uh, for me, like I'm not really capitalizing on the Blood Angels special rule anyway. Like I'm just using Blood Angels like right now for the red scheme. Like there's nothing yeah. really benefit. I get like in my, uh, in my like dreadnought list. The only thing I was really benefiting from that was the assault, assault cannons. cannons. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I could do it with any legion. I, I, guess, I think yeah. I'm going to really be, I'm, I'm like 99% sure. Well, I mean, if, if they come out and whether taking Sanguinius unlocks some badass guys as troops that are jump Marines, or they just get a, get a special character that does it or whatever. If we can get something like that's the equivalent of 40 K sanguinary guard as troops, I'm going to probably switch my the way I think about Blood Angels over to Day of Revelation. Gotcha. You know what? I should probably just, instead of running a Blood Angels list like that, I should probably take all of the Raven Guard in this case right here and just, like, start refurbishing them, repolishing them, getting them back. Yeah. To Cause that was kind of my thought when you were saying that I'm like, you've just rebuilt your Raven guard list in red. Why not just <laughs> like you're building the same army. That's why like my salamanders are like my drop army. Uh huh. And my blood angels are very like vehicle heavy with lots of bikes and stuff right now, like the armor breakthrough list. And then my word bearers are kind of like, I focus a lot on psychic powers, but they're very different. Like I have a, like a Spartan and then a Charybdis, so almost like two Death Stars with like some psychic support, and then some guys in rhinos. Right. Um, and then my militia is obviously very different. 
My black shields are kind of weird. We'll talk about that when I get there. Um, so, and I kind of want to do, if I do another Legion, like a whole nother Legion, it, it's going to be Death Guard. And I want that to be like actually mix in some artillery. Like I want some type of like artillery and then like have some stuff that goes forward. Like under the cover of artillery, I guess. But so I kind of tried to theme my list different where it doesn't feel like I'm playing the same stuff in different colors. I gotcha. I don't know why. I just don't like. I'm really all about the drop pot assault. Like, like I feel awesome. Like, but like, to me, it's the fluffiest way. It's the fluffiest way to run Marines. Like, it, I don't think there's a fluffier army in the 40k universe than a drop pod Marine army. Like, that's what it's about. It's just poof. Hey, bitches, we're here. Guess yeah. what? Dude, like that. Y'all are going to hear about it later on, but like, I'm going to talk about it more fluff wise now. Just me drop potting onto the roof. Like, that was so fucking Space Marine. Just boosh. Yep. Like, the fact that we didn't crash to the walls just shows how nicely well built that building was, Ryan. But it'll hold 100 pounds, at least 100 pounds. I think I told you, I think I can stand on it. No, I'm saying, I'm just, like, I was totally like, Joe, like, I, I don't. The fact that that drop pod did not just smash through the building is just like a testament to your prison building skills, but or complex building skills. Whatever, yeah, you can call but, it whatever. But yeah, dude, uh, it's just it's so fluffy. Get in there. Well, it's it's fun to play. Um, like I said, I don't. I like it a lot. It's always been like when I played 40k. That's how I played my salamanders and stuff. But I really like the way I run my Blood Angels now with all the bikes and tanks. It's a lot of fun. It, it feels like when I used to play Eldar, before Eldar became the rape train with no brakes, it's not fun to play because it's so cheesy. Um, but it's it's very mobile, very shooty, and the it's kind of soft. Like It's not that hard to kill a Predator, but I have a bunch of Predators, and I'm fast you know, with them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really, really like my the way I'm running my current Blood Angels a lot. It's a lot of fun. I like the way I'm running my dreadnoughts. I just feel like 2150 is just slightly under the points that I would like to run them. I I feel you. I I'm ha- I'm very happy with my 2150 Blood Angel list for Adepticon. I'm pretty pumped about it actually. Or maybe I'll just drop Leviathans and take more Cortices. No, I don't know, because then I'd have to like start working in other tech marines to offset the the additional yeah you don't end up really saving any points and you're downgrading to way less firepower yeah i don't know we'll figure something out i will figure something out so so yeah that's hobby progress and we talked about some adepticon thoughts and some train thoughts and all that jazz I mean, really, we, we got a pretty big segment at the end. Uh, I guess we'll go into lists now. I yeah. I think we have to. So, all right, let me pull up one of these lists. I guess the Weekender happened, too, didn't it? Or was that last episode? Uh, no, the Weekender totally happened this weekend while yeah. I was at your house. We don't have to talk about it. If uh, The Eye of Horse guys covered everything pretty well. They went through everything that came out and all that. So, 
go listen to go, that episode. What is that? Listen. Like 79, I think. It's whatever their brand newest one is. Yeah, I listened to it on the way home, man. I was cracking up. I haven't got all the way uh, through it yet. It's pretty long. I'm about halfway through. So Not that I'm bad at it being long. It entertains me all week. I love it. <laughs> so, so yeah, go check them out. Go listen to that Weekender coverage. We we didn't pay close enough attention. I know the, uh, the what do you call it, tank came out. The Macrid Arid Explorer. Macrid Explorer and the Custodes tanks. Yeah. So... That's about it. That's Hey, that's let's it. let's raise the cost on the Sakaran when it didn't need it, but then make a tank that's like twice as good for only like twenty points more than what the Sakaran costs now. I'm kinda Makes interested total- in the Littler tank, the like I guess skimmer bike thing. How many people does that hold? Three? There, uh, were the rules released for that thing? I didn't I didn't, I didn't see any rules. Like I said, I just find it funny, like I don't understand the thought process sometimes on where they come up with points or rules. It's like they do one thing and then immediately, like they have the shortest fucking memory. Oh, dude, I said this. I I, I totally forgot. So they were taking pictures of like at the, uh, they were taking pictures at the weekender of like this diorama they had set up of Prospero. Yeah. And did you see that picture? Did you see those pictures? So there was one picture where it's three custodes and they're marching forward and there's a fucking land raider right there. And all, all I can think of is they are fucked. Like, I don't know what their plan is, Yeah, but they did not plan this out. <laughs> they're going to like, knock on it and hope that they're polite enough to open the door. It was definitely a thousand suns land raider. And they had definitely just shot a thousand sun in front of the land raider. Like he's leaning over dying. And so like, <laughs> all I can think of is like, well, they did not think this whole process through very well. Yeah, because they don't get melted bombs or anything like that. So I don't know what their plan was. So anyway, I, I saved that picture. I was gonna send it to you, but uh, we started recording. So anyway, back to lists. Okay, we'll go into some lists. Let's go to this first one. List for RFI from this guy named Tim. So Tim says, "Good day, guys. Big fan of the show. I've been listening since the start." And it provides not only premium 30K infotainment, but also interesting geographical and cultural information about Texas and Indiana. Thank you. This is I of Horus Tim, by the way. Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah. So he says, I've noticed, however, you don't get many Mechanicum lists sent into your show. So I've included mine below for review. It's an army I'm intending to take up to Townsville for the HeroCon event in early December. Oh, man. I hope nobody's listening. Like, I don't know if he wants his list given out. Uh, he don't give con. a fuck. Tim, Kim, Tim gives no fucks. You know Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn on the hater filter so if you're listening and you're going to use this list against him, you won't be able to hear what we're about to say. So Meta anyway. are bitches. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Anyway, so as you know, the Red Planet was the real power behind the Great Crusade and the... And the nascent imperium and if the emperor had stayed in his labs developing something other than physiologically unstable and biologically horrific man children and left the persecution of the wars tomorrow let me magnify this real quick the prosecution of the wars of mars and their superior cyber mortal armies things would have worked (laughs) out a lot better for humanity the list represents a panzer thrall strike force a rich and remorseless flesh smiths of Lacermata. Lacermata, driving forward 
with his thralls and secure to secure objectives, supported by lurking killbots, swift ready reaction airbots, and restricted weapons platforms such as the Atropos. On with the list. A brief treaties treaties on intended use is added at the end. All right, so he took a Magos Prime, which is a in, with a cyber familiar, melted bombs, a grab imploder. He mastercrafted it. He's riding on an Abeant, and he's taking a Lacrimalis yep. with a Cyber Ocularis. So the Lacrimalis and the Fluff is like the Flesh Smith guys. Like they're the ones that have all the little thrall dudes. Okay, and I believe they have uh, they have a lot of rules that enhance like thralls, like makes them better. Okay, so he's got a lot of playboys. Yeah. 10-4. All right. So then he's taking 20 tech thralls, all in carapace armor, with a ride of pure thought. Induction That's fearless. And they're going to be riding in the Triaros armored conveyor, so the pain train. He took two units of those, so two, two Triaros, 40 thralls. Uh, and then he took a third unit of 17 tech thralls, they have Mitra locks instead of the, I guess, do they come with induction chargers? They, or? No, the induction charger makes them ass, makes their weapons assault too instead of assault last one. locks, right? Not the yeah, they're last locks. They're yeah. the longer range. Yeah. Okay, and they're taking the Ride of Pure Thought with induction chargers and the Revenant Alchemistry. Which I believe is Hatred. Okay, and they are also in a Triara's Armored Conveyor. Then they t- took a... Fourth unit of 20 tech thralls, carapace armor, heavy chain blades, the ride of pure thought. They're just on foot. They're just running around. So, so far we're looking at, what, 77? Fearless thralls. Fearless thralls. Three, (laughs) like, what, 60, no, 57 of those are coming to you in a pain train? Yes, and I'm guessing the Magos Prime is probably going to go in the one that's only 17. That's why he's only 17. To fit in there with the abeyant. Okay, that makes sense because he's probably bulky or. Yep. Okay, he's very his... bulky on the abeyant, I think. In his fast attack choice, he took one Volturax class Stratos Automata, a second Volturax class Stratos Automata, and six Vorax class Battle Automata with two rotor cannons with biocorrosive ammunition. So, okay. It's a lot of. Uh poison shots yeah a lot <laughs> at least he's not taking cybernetica yeah okay in the heavy support swat he took a creos battle tank squadron with a one single venator tank destroyer and in his lord of war slot he took a serestus knight atropos which that must be uh Oh my god, I usually so good at remembering that knight's name. Tudorberg. Tudorberg, that's right. Tudorberg. So this is a 2500 point list. I know I should have said that at the beginning. Sorry about that. Probably going to get yelled at in email about that. <laughs> but uh so he says So the three Triaros tanks and the Creo start on the board with the Cyberocularis close to provide interceptor to hopefully all of them. Three times twin good lord. One Cyberocularis to provide interceptor to all three tanks. That's pretty Anything brutal. within three inches of a Cyberocularis gains interceptor. That's what I was telling you about using it. The other thing that he needs to consider, like we talked about, was 
with the Vulture X, it'll work with them too. So you could put the two Vulture X close and they would have intercept with that silly haywire gun. So brutal. So if a plane flew on like a some sort of uh, poor lightning squadron trying to come take out all your Vulture X, you just intercept the fuck out of them. Yeah. One at a time. I guess you could only kill two of them. But only? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Three times twin link Mahler bolt cannons on three sixty swivels can hopefully deal with the inevitable inevitable melt a drop team in an orbital assault force. The Arc Magos will ride in with the Mitchellocks and he give them move through cover due to his abant, which has worked pretty well in for me in the past. He and his unit all have five plus feel no pain, which makes them pretty durable too. His Lacrimala's Techno Arcana allows any Thrall unit to go through ongoing reserves if it is destroyed, if you pass a 5-plus roll. This hasn't really ever paid off for me. However, the Fleshsmith theme is the bomb. Depending on what I'm facing, the Atropos, Tudorberg, will either start on the table and move forward towards any Super Heavies or vehicle concentrations ASAP, or start in reserve and counter assault. The 20-man unit of a heavy chain blade thralls will try and keep near Tudorberg. I found that having any infantry unit, you can interpose a between a knight and some infantry to keep them and their grubby hands and their greasy hair and their acid spit and their melted bombs the fuck away is really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of different things to keep an eye out for. The big unit of Vorax, which are my likely my new favorite thing, will pretty much always outflank and try and go for assassinating attacks on enemy HQs as that's fluffy as fuck. Or they might go after some asshole unit, such as a whirlwind scorpi, lurking in the enemy back lines. Vulturax, I pretty much always keep in reserve and bring them on from any edge as a response fire, response fire fighting force wherever they might be needed. They should provide some good anti-tank, oh yeah, along with the <laughs> Krios and Atropos. They really shine against enemy air units, I suspect. <laughs> I really want to use them just to blast enemy troop concentrations as the idea of them harrying units with missile swarm is super attractive to me. I've put two in a single unit. Hopefully that won't hardcore trigger my opponents. Nah, dude, you're running Vorax. Against Primarchs, I'll probably send Tudor Bird to go and try and slice them in twain. <laughs> However, there's one Primarch who already always utterly fucks my plans up, and that's Angron. Yeah, Angron will fuck your plans up if you're running a knight. Uh, do you guys have any strats I can employ with an army against him? He's so fucking furious and so fucking armor bane and so fucking surrounded by murderous and unkillable red butchers. I seriously don't think I've ever won a game against him. Uh, just stay the fuck away from him. Anyway, guys, keep up the good work. I love listening to your show. It's a great change of pace from listening to harrowing Squatch Encounters. And your gun talk makes me wish I was a goddamn American. Stay hard for heresy, boys. So that's from Tim at the I Force podcast. If you don't listen to him, go check him out. So Ryan, dude, what do you think? Okay, so uh, we'll talk about what I would change in the list. I wouldn't change much. I really like his list. It's very themey. Um, I know Tim loves all these units. I listen to the show all the time. He's pretty, sounds like he's very good at using them and knows what he's doing. So I have one thing that I would... Um, if he wants to stick with it, this theme, because he's got these two Volturax in this uh, Vorax unit, but he's only has uh, the one Magos Prime, it's going to be pretty hard for him to stay, because he's not running cybernetic, it's going to be fairly hard to stay in uh, 
cortex range, cybernetic cortex range. Yep. So what I would like to see him do is just drop a single Vorax, which is 75 points. And with that 75 points, you can buy a Magos Dominus, which the Magos Dominus has that uh, cybernetica Patrico rule or whatever where he can join a unit. So he can then join the Vorax. And it's so that means the Vorax are always going to be in uh, cortex range. And then what's really cool is because they have scout. If even a single model in a unit has scout, then it gives it to the whole unit. So even with the uh, the guy attached to him, they're going to still have scout. So he'll be able to scout them on from further up the field on like turn two or whatever. And then the Vorax or the uh, Vulturax can then have like connecting bubbles of um, control cortex like, controller range. Yeah. yeah, if that makes sense. Because you have one far up the board and then one kind of in your battle line. Um, And then it also, you don't have to worry about always trying to keep your Vorax and Vulturax all really close together, all really close to your one guy. And then it also gives them two Magoses to try to have to kill to get rid of all your Cortex controller stuff to make your robots not work as well. Makes sense. I mean, it's a solid advice, dude. So the only thing that he really loses, which it sort of sucks, is Vorax have fleet, um, which is cool. But it, but the way fleet works, if you have even a single model without the fleet special rule in a unit, then no, nobody gets to use it. So by attaching the uh, Magos Dominus to them, they do lose fleet, um, but they still keep everything else they have. That's all you really lose out on. So he's going to have to kind of weigh that. The other thing that I was looking at, and this would just be something if he wanted to, he'd have to buy the, the, this. I know he probably, he's probably got a ton of Magoses. So this uh, wouldn't, he wouldn't have to buy any models. He would just take one Vorax out and put the Dominus in. Um, the other thing I was looking that he could do is take off. Um, what did I have here? He could drop the one unit of thralls. How would I say? So drop a single Vorax, uh, drop Induction Charger, um, drop two Thralls to make the 17-man squad only a 15-man squad, and drop the extra armor for the Triaro. So going over that again, one Vorax, the Induction Chargers on all the units, uh, just two, two Thrall models out of the smaller squad, and extra armor, and that gives you points to take a fourth Triaros. And then the whole army is mounted. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. Because I I don't know. I mean, Tim probably knows more than me about the induction chargers. Those guys being BS2 and induction chargers kind of being shit. Or, or Laszlo's kind of being shit anyway. Yeah, there's not much point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's no point. I'm just like, if all I'm giving up is some induction chargers two thralls um extra armor and one vorax i feel like to me that's worth a triaros but if he goes that route then he's not going to be able he would have to drop even another vorax and go down to four to also put the magos dominus in if he wanted to so i don't know that he because he really sounds like he likes the vorax he may not want to drop that many but i was just giving him the two options there just two things to think about and he may not even, you know, he may not want to do either and just have the one Magos. But I personally, at, at a minimum, I would just drop one Vorax and go 
with, you know, that second Magos just to give you more Cortex controller range and make my units a little more independent. I'm kind of interested in, like, what the... Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, different armies that he would, like... I don't, I don't really know what the meta is going to look like in this event he's going to. But I'm thinking about the armies that I saw at your event. And I'm kind of wondering, yeah. like, what he would do against an Iron Fire list. Like. Well, that's the, that's one of the reasons, like, I was looking, I don't know. I mean, it would be hard to say. I can't really speak to it. I don't play against Mechanicum that much. We only have the one Mechanicum player that plays here. And you saw his list. He doesn't run, like, any throw. Like, uh, Tim's list here is vastly different from anything I'm used to um, playing against. So everything I'm talking about is just well, essentially on paper. Yeah. yeah, theoretical. Because um, the list I play against is Cybernetica, and it's basically all monstrous creatures. Right. You know what? Actually, I just remember Triaras are Flare Shielded, right? Yes, but if you drop Barrage on them, you always hit on the side, which is armor 12 on those things, and you get around the Flare Shield. Never mind. Don't play against Iron Fire, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Just just refuse. Because I could see... Well, but here's the thing. like, The only thing I have a problem with in his strategy is p putting the Vulturex in reserve. I don't know why you would pass on, unless he's just trying to be nice, to maybe, like he said, not trigger his opponent. But from a competitive standpoint, if you can start flyers on the table, why would you not always start them on the table? Especially when he can try to get them within three inches of that cyber ocularry and give them intercept. I think he's thinking about moving them up on the board faster using outflank. Can they outflank? They no, they can't out outflank. No. Because oh, he's saying they come on from his board edge. I thought he said any side of the board edge. No, he says uh, Vulturex would pretty much always keep in reserve and bring them on from my board edge, from my edge, as a response fighting force. But I don't know why you wouldn't just start them on the table, because you're immediately getting all that firepower and not having to worry about it being stuck in reserve. Yeah, and they move so far, so fucking fast. Well, What's they can move between 12 and 14 inches in flyer mode, which you're always going to keep them in flyer mode. Yeah. And you shouldn't outrun. I mean, you're, you're probably not going to outrun your uh, um, Cortex controller range because you can kind of zigzag them like we talked about. Like the Magos can move forward six and it can like, they can fly at like an angle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because all you got to do is stay within twelve, and then especially if he puts in that second Magos, he should be pretty easy to stay in Cortex controller range, unless they kill his. Uh... See, that's why I like having the second guy in there because it kind of forces them to try to have to kill off that whole Vorax unit plus an, a, an armored conveyor and a whole other unit of thralls to get rid of his Cortex controller range. Yeah, and that's so that's one of the strategies that I always thought would be the way to get rid of Voltrax would be to cut off the head. Well, you're not going to get rid of them, but like you said, they're going to have to shoot at the closest target, right? Well, yeah. if they're not in controller range. Yeah. So that's a lot easier because you can dictate, um, him, you know, where, pods. yeah. Or, you know, whatever you can throw, 
throw infantry like fairly like here's my terminators and you're not getting to shoot that haywire gun at vehicles you're having to shoot it at these guys that just get a two-up save against it yeah that type of shit um so yeah i mean that's that's pretty much like i love his list i i would love to see this on the table that's a lot of thralls um it's very cool i like the army a lot um I would just rethink the strategy on putting the Voltrex in reserve, unless he's, like I said, trying to be nice. Like, I would always start those things on the table. Always. I don't see why you wouldn't. Um, and then uh, I personally, like I said, would just drop one Vorax for the Magos or find points somewhere else. Um, you could drop, if he doesn't want to drop any Vorax, you could get rid of the uh, induction chargers on the three units is 45 points and then you'd need another 30. So you could get rid of the, uh, revenant alchemist, alchem, revenant alchemistry and the extra armor. And that would buy it. And you wouldn't really lose any models, just some war gear, um, or whatever. I mean, Tim knows his list probably better than I do. He could search for those points, but I would definitely try to find a second, you know, 75 points to get that Magos Dominus in. I dig it. Or maybe I'm an idiot. He might be going. You can't do that, or this or that. I don't know. Like I said, I don't. I don't play that much Mechanicum. This is just all theoretical. <laughs> I think these are all sound advice from a person who doesn't play Mechanicum. <laughs> I'm just looking at things that, to me, would make it harder to counter. Does that make sense? Like I look at the list and think, how would I pick it apart? And my very first thought is, we'll kill that one guy. I'm going to get slay the warlord off of it. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm by killing that one guy, I'm, I'm getting rid of a lot of, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm killing lots of birds with one stone. I'm getting oh, yeah. rid of controller range, getting slay the warlord, you know, all that stuff. So oh, yeah, no, especially if I know that he's not starting on the table, I'm absolutely sending two Cortis at Tudorberg. I'm deep striking onto whatever side Triaros I see first. And then I'm basically running my Leviathan into the tech thralls and just giving them a big old hug and just letting him finish out the game like that. So how do you kill Angron? He's wanting to know how to kill Angron. Uh, every game I've ever played Angron and Red Butchers, I've never fought Angron. Every game. I fought him in four games and every game I've ever played him I've never actually fought him in combat only because every game I've destroyed his transport and then fought the rest of the army that's how I've always done it so I don't know that's that's like that's well I'm kind of in the same boat because I play salamanders so this is what I do I take fire drakes and Vulcan and they're better than Angron and red butchers and they win <laughs> just beat the fuck out of them. That's how I Red win. Butchers come in with their their uh axes that have that can't double me out, so they have to do two wounds to every guy, but I have a three up I have a better invol saved in them. So they struggle to put wounds on me, and I only have to do one wound to them with their worst invol save to double them out with my fire drakes. And then Vulcan is um tough seven, so Angron only runes him on uh threes because he's only strength eight where Vulcan always wounds Angron on twos and then Vulcan's concussive. So after he does a wound, Angron drops down and Angron only has five wounds to Vulcan's 
six, and Vulcan has re-rollable, it will not die. And it's three up invul. I tell you, my my biggest nightmare is Angron into Charybdis. That's my biggest nightmare. Yeah. I mean, my buddy Nate uh, does that. He did it to my Blood Angels, and I... Well, he's not done it to me. He, he put Angron in a Spartan against me, and I just drove away from him with my Blood Angels and just shot. Like, exactly. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like, I was kind of in the same boat you did. I didn't really fight him. I just kind of moved away from him. Um, and then once you get him out of his transport, it's, I mean, all of your Mauler bolt cannons at that point will just, you're, you have Triaros, you drive away from him. Well, the problem is killing his butcher bodyguard. That's, that's the only yeah. problem I see with Tim's list is he doesn't have a lot of ranged AP2. He's got the uh, the tank destroyer. He can wing those four shots in there, which is pretty decent because it'll ignore their armor and double them out. But it's still only the four shots. So if they go like really heavy and have tons of butchers, like they do like a full unit in a Spartan, I feel like he's going to struggle against that. I'd You're just going to have to try to peel peel the red butchers off around him, and then if you get him on his own, list Tim's list when he's running around on his own should be able to murder him because you can shoot him with all those poison shots from the Vorax. Um, you can shoot him with all those Mauler bull cannons. Uh, you can just uh, drown him in fearless thralls. But <laughs> the problem is getting that bodyguard. Well, the thing is, every time I've ever seen Angron have his transport st- stripped from him, uh, whatever player is playing him usually gets frustrated at the uh, slow as Red Butchers and right. detaches Angron so that Angron can get his run and all well, that. Well, if, if he does that, he's in trouble because they can. He, Tim could just shoot him to death with yeah. the uh, the poison shots and the bolt cannons. So that's so, the thing. Like Tim's going to struggle if they put him put him in a Charybdis. If he's in a bug. Spartan, yeah. who gives a shit? You're going to fly your Vulturex over there, blow the fucking Spartan up, and he's going to be walking. And then whatever That's side he's on the table, don't be on that side of the table. Right, just move around. And if you, because most of your army's mounted in the Triaros, and then he's like, he's got those 20, he said he's going to run the 20 on foot around Tudorburg. Just keep all that shit away from him because he's going to be starting on foot. And then like Tim's idea, I like it where you screen um, the knight with the 20-man fearless thrall unit. You send the 20-man Fearless Thrall unit. Like, let's say Angron is in the uh, Charybdis, right? Charybdis comes in right next to Tudorburg. So, okay, you've got one turn to plan this out. You basically go into flying V formation to where Angron's got to charge. You cannot do a multi-charge versus Tudorburg and this unit of tech thralls and then that following turn you during your turn when when angron does come out and charge everybody you move 12 inches use your serestis chastity to move to run to run 3d6 the whole ass and then just try to kill the rest of the earth and then use your voltrex to kill that charybdis and trap angron wherever the fuck he is if they if he they do come in with a uh they do come in with the Charybdis and they uh, get too close. You can always hope that they're an idiot and park it really close and you just surround it with your Triaros and disembark all your thralls one inch away from it and make a big ring around it 
and then shoot it with the Vulture X and kill it, and then they can't place all their models because they don't have enough room, and it kills half of them without you having to do anything. But then those four red butchers that are left will probably kill all those thralls. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, also, you that. have to like hope and pray that they're an idiot and do that, and then you have to not be a dick and point it out to them. And pretend like you feel bad. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, I thought I, you knew. I, I pointed out. I don't know. I don't think I've ever. I've had it done to me. Like I said, I've had that done to me once, and then I, I vowed never again. And if somebody does that, like drop something in like that, where they have a bunch of guys in it that they don't get out, I always point it out to them. Hey, you may not want to put that there. <laughs> Try and like bully them away from there. Hey, bro. Well, not really. I just say, well, if you put it here, this is what's going to happen. So you could choose to do that. But I've warned you, so if you ignore my warning and it works this way, I don't. There's no reason for me to feel bad. That's brutal. So, I like how the the advice we gave against Angron is just stay the fuck away from Angron and his beefcase unit. His play salamanders. <laughs> oh yeah, and play salamanders. What a nice. I wonder if that's a. I wonder if that's a. There's just so many counter like because the other thing you can do is drop pod in cast and dracos over there and charge in and because he's a character he can challenge and he needs sixes to hurt him because he ignores armor bane i'm not even so, sure if i'd be more afraid of i guess he's afraid of angron because of the armor bane who against tudorberg oh yeah 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 well and he fights first he's really high initiative he's like seven yeah i'd, I'd still be more afraid of horus like against this list, a Horus with a unit of, um, just staring. Like, actually, just a drop pod force in general. From yo, that's why he's banking on the uh, interceptor. By you know, he's taking a little bit of it to try to help it a little. Yeah, it is what it is, man. You can't be like. He's built a strong theme. It still looks like a fun list. He runs into drop pods. He runs into drop pods. It is what it is. Tim, don't give a fuck. Nah, Tim, don't give a fuck. Tell us how it does, Tim. Let us know. I'd like to. And you're going to take some sweet pictures, I'm sure. Plus, I mean, I don't. He's probably not going to some type of crazy tournament. If he's that worried about drop assault, he could always just ask his general not to pair him against a drop pod army. Well, what if he doesn't know? Why wouldn't he know? What if he doesn't know? What if it's like uh, random? What if it's rando? It could be rando. Then just but I mean, then, then you're just like trusting trusting to the hands of fate. Pray to Odin or whatever that you don't get stuck against drop pod army. Then you got to do the old school like uh, the where you, where you do the wagon circle with your triaros and put all your thralls in the middle. To <laughs> and so you just got to have like the... The coach and wagons like surrounding away from the the Marines that are trying to kill you. So sounds good. Let I guess he could, shoot, he could try to shoot the red, but I think he should be able to. So this is what I would do: I'd start the Vulture X on the board. This is if he's in a Spartan, or even if he's in a Charybdis. So you use the Vulture X to kill whatever transport he's in, right? Then you shoot the large blast off the. The strength eight AP two large blast off the Atropos, which will double guys out and ignore their armor, so they're just getting four ups. 
then okay. shoot the um, graviton imploder to try to peel because it's also AP two to try to peel off some more guys, and then whatever's left just try to drown and wait a fire from your thralls, the poison shit from the vorax, and all the Mueller bolt cannons. But try to save the Mueller bolt cannons for last because they're going to ignore Angron's armor save and be pretty high strength. And he's only got five wounds. That's solid. And then, if, and then if you can, try to only feed him one unit at a time. Like, try to just screen with, like, a unit of thralls so that he can only charge that one unit and then kill it. And then he kills it, and then on your next turn, rinse, repeat, and just grind him down. Which is easy when he's by himself, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. Just remember, he has a three-up save, and only five, and, and only five wounds. Yeah. So that's it. That works. That's, that's it. I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more off off the the show. <laughs> we're probably gonna message you right after this and have a conversation about this. There you go. <laughs> more immediate <laughs> feedback. It's like, what the fuck were you? What? <laughs> anyway. All right. So next thing, next on the list here, we have a list from Mr. Scott. It's a Solar Auxist review called Kentucky Hell on Wheels. I love that show. Did you ever watch that, Hell on Wheels? No. It's a great show. Check it out. Anyway, Scott sent us an email. He says, hey, dudes, hope all is well. Look forward to seeing you two at the Reaping of Martinicus on the 5th. I've been kicking around list ideas for my next loyalist army and thought I'd shoot it over to you for the solar solar ox list. I'm a pretty big fan of shooting things with cannons and blazing down traitors with giant chemical flame guns. I know what he's referring to in that case, and I hate that. (laughs) That's pretty much the thought behind this list. Also, I like making tank noises when I push my models around, so this list should give me plenty of opportunity to do all the above. I'm probably going to paint these dudes up like Catholics are fighting across the rad waste. That sounds badass, dude. Hang on. But, hang on. I got a picture. He sent me a picture. I'm going to forward it to you right now. Continue reading, but watch watch for this message. He's painted his first tank already. Go ahead. I like your, like, I, I could hear your excited talk. It looks good. It looks really good. That's why I'm excited. So keep talking and I'll find it here. He says, the Dracosin and the he- Horus Heresy Masterclass book from Forge Roll will serve as inspiration. Thanks for your help and your hard work. It's greatly appreciated. All right. So his list has a Lord Marshal, an artificer armor, power weapon, last pistol, frag, and crack grenades, displacement matrix with a grav wave generator. Really? So we're going some uh, relics in this one, huh? No, it's not. It's a normal piece of war gear. Grav wave it, generator? Yeah. The grav wave generator is the thing that... Uh, when you assault someone... Oh, that's right. It slows them down. Okay. Yeah, mind. and the Displacer Matrix is a 3-plus invul that on a roll of a 1, it sends you into ongoing reserves, and then you have to deep strike next turn. That's right. I was thinking of the one where you, like, look... Like, if you have line of sight to the area, you get sent to that area. We'll talk about it later. Anyway, <laughs> the... Uh, Next thing is troop section. He's got an auxiliary infantry tertio, one of three sections, and he's taking a Velitaris storm section. Uh, they're taking the Volkite chargers. That's it. With the prime, 
who's taking just a close combat weapon. So just a good old-fashioned Veltar Storm section. And a Dracozin, he has the whole-mounted whole Demolisher Cannon on that bad boy, and he took Armored Ceramite. He's afraid of all those melted guns coming at him. <laughs> then for his second troop choice, he took another Veltar Storm section, uh, armed exactly the same way it looks like. No power fist anywhere or anything like that. Fragging crack grenades. Armored Ceramite, Flare Shield, Demolisher Cannon, yeah. So, two troops, two Demolisher Cannons, shitload of Volkite shot. Uh, the third troop choice is going to be another Auxilera Infantry Tertio, and this one has a Last Rifle section in it, and it is going to have a Sergeant with the Collimator, and that's going to be it. Oh, the last rifle section all has collimators. Uh, he has a Vexilla Bearer, a Vox Operator, a Sergeant, and they will be behind an Aegis Defense Line. And there's no upgrades on the Aegis Defense Line. Uh, he'll be taking a Primaris Lightning Strike Fighter in his fast attack slot with Kraken Penetrator Heavy Missiles. So, And he'll take two of those. And Wing Mounted Phosphex Bomb Cluster. With battle servitor control and ground tracking auguries. Uh, he's also going to be taking a Lehman Rust Strike Squadron with two Lehman Rust battle tanks, both with armored ceramite, both with turret mounted battle cannon, hull mounted heavy bolter, searchlight, smoke launchers, and auxiliary drive. The heavy support choice of his will be a Malkador Infernus special weapons tank, of course. Oh, he's taking two of those. Two Malkador Infernus. Good lord. Well, I think he's changed that. Yeah, he's changed his list slightly. He's only he's gonna drop it down to one. Oh, he's dropping down to one? Yeah, but we'll get to that. Okay. And a third Malkador heavy tank. All have armored ceramite, flare shield, and the Malkador heavy tank has siege armor. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad. That, that's Pretty brutal. So the, he switched it up to where he's got two Malkadors, just normal ones, with a hull-mounted uh, demolisher cannons, flare shield, armored ceramite, and siege armor. So he's got two of those. And then the third heavy support is the Malkador Infernus with chemical ammo and armored ceramite. So, but oh, everything else. got the pictures, man. These look super dope. Yeah, the white ones. Yeah. I love white armies, man. He painted Pretty, these? Yep. Scott, you dog, you got some paint skills, man. Yep. Wow. So, so anyway, here's what I would change. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take things out and then give him a pool of points, and then he can add things back in. <laughs> so, some of this stuff I'm taking out, he can just add right back in. So stuff you may consider is maybe swapping the Primaris Lightning for a Thunderbolt, which if he does that, it'll save him 25 points. And also keep in mind that the current Solar Auxilla, basically everybody's Lightning other than the Space Marine one is still flying around with the 25-point Kraken Penetrators. But I have a strong feeling that when they eventually update the books, they're going to jump to 35 just like the Space Marine ones. Yeah. 
So that is going to significantly increase the points cost of his lightning. So if he goes to a Thunderbolt, I don't think he'd have to worry about that for future. It is kind of future proofing. Um, I personally would also get rid of the armored ceramite on the two Lehman rust tanks. Um, I'm not a giant fan of armored ceramite on anything. That's not a super heavy and has like, cause a, a Lehman Russell is only 10 on the rear. So if somebody can drop pot in and get behind you with a melt, cause typically when people use melt guns against you, they have some type of deployment method where they're deploying right on top of you anyway, and have the option of coming in from the side or the rear and having armored ceramite on an armor 10 or whatever. It's really not going to help you that much. Or if somebody has machine killer vets, even shooting you in the side at armor 13 with like a mass quantity of them, they're still only going to need fives or sixes, even without the extra die. It's not that hard to get. Nope. So I, I personally wouldn't worry about, that's going to save you 40 points, which is a bunch. Um, the one last rifle team, uh, they have blast chargers on them. I think, I, I mean, I'm not, it's okay. It's just like strength single, you know, strength six shots on the one unit. Um, I would maybe consider dropping that just to free up some points. And then the other thing is get rid of the uh, agent's line. So I guess my thought is if you get rid of the armored ceramite, that's 40 points. And then if you drop the agent's defense line, that's 50 points. That gives you 90. And then if you just get rid of the blast chargers, you have 115 points, which at that point you could take an entire second last rifle section to give you 40 more bodies. Or sorry, 20 more bodies, which will give you 40 troops on the ground instead of just the 20. Which is much more sturdier. Right. So, I mean, you're really just dropping some war gear. You know, you're not really losing any firepower to do that, really, I don't feel like. No. Um, and you're getting a whole other unit of guys and a whole other scoring unit. And if he likes the blast chargers, you could, if he downgrades to the Thunderbolt, that saves him 25 points. And then the Aegis wall would be 50 points, so that's 75. And then you could get rid of the Armored Ceramite for 40, which is, what, 115? I I lost track. I lost track of what the numbers were. But anyway, it's over 100 points, which you only need 100 points to buy a Laz Rifle section. Yeah. So that's what I'm... I've just moved some points around and get that second Laz Rifle section. You could even see, spend some of those other points and sneak in a Navigator. Uh, Yeah, maybe. If he... Um, but other than that, I like the list. I mean, that's really... the Really, my only concern is it's a... 2500 point list and just has the uh it doesn't have a lot of scoring it's just got the two 10 man squads in the dracosians and then the 120 man las rifle section so i feel like another you know scoring unit would be good yeah for sure so that's what i would do scott is just drop uh i like the defense line but it's one of those things you like you're already ha- like taking a defense line for the one squad to hide behind is already half the points just getting a whole second squad. And then right. you can just find some already, you know, terrain that's already going to be on the table and hide them in as opposed to bringing your own. Exactly. So yeah. the other thing I was thinking, what would you think about 
you get for so he's already got the Malkadors and the Infernus. So he's got two Malkadors that each have um, battle cannons and demolisher cannons. So that's four large blasts there. And he's got the Infernus with that giant template. Like I kind of feel like you may want to switch the Lehman Russes over to Vanquishers instead of just the standard battle cannon. That's that's exactly what I would because the Lehman Russ the 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 fast attack versions can outflank, correct? Yeah, they can outflank. Right. And, I know they're only PS three, but what he could do because the uh, the fucking Vanquisher cannon is only it's heavy, it's not ordnance. Right. You could you could buy LAS cannons on the whole for ten points apiece with those extra points that we were just talking about after dropping that other stuff. And so you're getting four individual shots to hit. So you're getting two last cannon shots and two vanquisher shots to shoot the shit out of uh, armor at range. Because I feel like he's got anti-troop locked I down. Because I don't. Can you take the vanquisher in the fast attack version of Lehman Rush? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Either that or. And what's cool about it? Um. You could honestly, because it's literally just the Vanquisher and the normal battle cannon, it's just a difference in the barrel length. Yeah. So you could really technically just put the longer barrel on and use it for either or and try both out. Or if he really wanted to get clever, you could make some type of spacer to actually change it. But either way, it's an easy like conversion slash magnetizing whatever where he can try both out. But I personally... Would probably swatch to, swap to vanquishers with las cannons. Um, there, get rid of the armored ceramite, get rid of the aegis wall, maybe do a thunderbolt instead of a lightning. Get rid of the blast chargers, and then take that second uh, las rifle squad. I ran uh, the outflanking Lehman Russes with multi laser uh, uh, hole mount, like not hole mounted uh, panel panel mounted multi lasers and exterminators. Yep. And they were fucking solid, dude. Only for back armor. Like, that's all I would use them for is outflank and rear armor, unload on rear armor. And they just like, they're just like assholes you had to deal with. And right. I'd always face them forward. And like, especially with your armor, they're facing these demolisher cannons in front of them. And then now you're behind them. I don't really see a benefit of having two blast templates coming at them from both ends where you could just like straight up have a shot that's dedicated to right well plus i forgot he's got the uh demolisher cannons on the fucking dracosians too and then he's also got the um the guys inside with the volkite so i just feel like he's got anti-infantry for days he'd be it'd be more well well well-rounded army to throw the vanquisher cannon on those things to give him a little more anti-tank yeah, from range, and then I, I could definitely see the value in the Vanquisher cannon to pop fourteen if he needed to, right? Because the only other thing he has to do that is the the lightning, and with the Vanquishers you could you know you don't have to outflank them; you can start them on the board because they shoot seventy two inches. And then you also run the risk you're going to face a because you're only running uh, the two sets of the Kraken there is the possibility you're going to run into a Typhon or other sort of super heavy that's 14 all around like that, a, a big guy. Yeah. And you're cracking turbo penetrators. I know from experience 
don't always take out all they need to. Well, like, and the other thing is, say they have a flare-shielded Spartan, because he's got all these blast weapons, it takes minus two. It's yep. not just minus one, it's minus two. And then, say, his thunder, his lightning gets stuck in reserve for a couple turns. I mean, that Spartan's just going to drive up and deliver whatever it wants to deliver. He's not going to be able to stop it. Yeah, exactly. Or at least the Vanquishers, he's got a chance of getting kind of lucky and blowing a hole through it with a Vanquisher. And then you get, like, the straight-up, like, chub when two Vanquishers show up behind the enemy. Like, but then, but that's what I said. In that situation, you probably just want to start him on the table. You, yeah. you get the chub of shooting the Spartan on turn one from 72 inches away and rolling your armor bane. It's blowing a giant fucking hole through it like a Sabo round from a M1 tank. It'd be hilarious. Just boom. So, oops. So, so yeah. That's what, I would, that's what I would do. Drop the Infernus so people can have fun. No. Nah. <laughs> He's fine. One's good. When I seen two, I was like, ugh. <laughs> Don't run too, Scott. I'm just salty because an inferno has wrecked my world. Well, they're fucking brutal. I kind of get running too because, especially in our meta, because he plays here, people are going to see that fucking thing and just drop like drop pot in on it. Um, probably what I would do if I were him, and I hate giving him advice on this fucking thing because I'm about to play against it, but put that thing in reserve a lot of the time. Wait for the drop pods to come in. Yeah, and then drive in and immediately murder all those fucking Meltavets. Hello, they... boys. Boom. Yeah. Yep. There's no hiding from the burn. Nope. Feel the burn. So, anyway, that's pretty much that. So if he's got... got any more questions, I'll see him. I see him all the time. We talk every night, so... Is this a is this a is this a picture we can post on the interwebs for him? Yeah, he put it on Facebook. He put it on Indie Thirty K. He's got it on the Indie Thirty K page, but I don't think he would care if we reposted it. All right, it's going on the RFI dump, but solid list. Very scary. If he's mad about it, he can kick me in the balls in person. Oh, there you go. So you have Ryan's permission to kick him in the balls. Yeah. So next thing on the list is some Sons of Horse advice, right? Yes. Okay. And this is from Jonathan. He is asking how to get started originally. He was the guy that we wrote. His wife bought him the night, yes. but he also wanted to run Horus, and I had to jump through all the hoops of building him a uh, Onslaught Army. Right. So this is kind of a follow-up to that. I wouldn't read through the entire because he has like 20 million army lists here attached, and he really just wants to know one question. So I would just read his email and then read the 3,000-point version of his list, which I can read the read the email, and then I'll read the list off. We'll just okay. do it. Uh, so it says, Hey, Ryan, hope all is well, man. I am sending you too many emails and taking up too much of your time. Just tell me to bugger off. But if you don't mind, attach to my scheme for building up my similar army to do 3K Sons of Horrors army you built for me. I have worked up in 500-point increments in order to get a working army at each stage. I will then build a counterpart army in the same steps in order to have an army play against each other. So That's a cool idea, by the way. Yeah. So what he's saying is he'll build like a 500-point Sons of Horus army and then another 500 points of whatever other army that he's going to do for Loyalists right. so that a friend can play 
and then he'll jump them both up to a thousand and then jump them both up. That's what he's saying. And then eventually one will get quad mortars and the other won't. And then it'll be like uneven. And then there, then there will be butt hurt. <laughs> so 500 points suns and 500 points of something else, then 1K of each, etc. So the army needs to be built itself on using the same units. I have tried to make it as clear as possible what goes in where and using the test model as a delegatus for the 500 points in the 1K army. The only change from the three-click K list Roe wrote, you took out the knight as it didn't fit with the strike force idea with the scouting javelins and replaced it with either Xiphon and Fire Raptor, air support and dealing with fires, or Leviathan Dread, extra punch, which to pick I hope you can help with as I am unsure. So basically what he's saying is in his 3,000-point list, he right now he has a Xiphon and Fire Raptor in there. Right. He's wanting to know whether he should take those out and put in a Leviathan or leave them in in his 3,000-point army. Well, you know my answer. What's your answer? <laughs> the opposite of your answer. Go ahead and finish reading his email and we'll discuss it. <laughs> also, I thought about having Space Wolf as as many other army as the other army, but I am not sure if I could paint the whole the whole great army. I was thinking maybe an Imperial Fist army as that would play differently to the Suns as well. What do you think would be a good loyalist army to fight against the Suns fluff-wise? Ultras or Blood Angels? Ultras slash Blood Angels? Or possibly going crazy with some solar ox. Something with some color to the paint scheme. As always, keep up the great work, John. Blood Angels. Yeah. That's what I'd say. I'd say Blood Angels too. I think they're, it'd be a fluffy opponent. And uh, in all the fluff, it's always supposed to be like Sanguinius is like the, the one that everybody always worries about horse having to face as far as other Primarchs go. Yeah. And then, at, you know, in the, and then obviously in, when they do meet up, Horus is uh, all jacked up on some demonic PEDs. You know, he's piss, <laughs> pissing hot. So he uh, ends up taking out Sanguinius because he's got a TRT and some HGH and some other uh, sub- Mexican supplements going on. Yep. Uh, <laughs> That's how it works. But uh, what anyway. What energy drink that the military issues out? Rip it. Rip it. He's all hopped up on Rip it. Comes in and kills his brother. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I think that would be fluffy. Plus, Blood Angels are fun to paint. Me and you like painting that red a lot. And I feel like Blood Angels have some pretty cool rules, and it'll give you something to um, look forward to. I think Sanguinis is going to be a badass, and I think he's going to have a cool model. So, I think you'd like it. Plus, you're going to have, like, the one, it's, like, blue and black army, and then, like, the sea green, blue, black, and then you'll have a bright red army. So it'll contrast well. It'll be a different change of pace for painting. Yeah. Ultras are fun to paint too, though. But it'd just yeah. be less fluffy. It's a little less fluffy because uh, he's trapped, like, uh, Gilliman, to my knowledge, in the heresy pretty much stays trapped in yeah. the Ultra. Unremembered Empire. Yeah. So, anyway... So basically, he he did what he said, and he's got several lists here at the different points values. And I did read all the uh, lists, Jonathan, and they all look good. Um, I see what you're doing. Um, so when you get to three thousand points, so the one the list that he's talking about, you know, w- which he should go with, he's got Maligers the Twisted as his HQ, and he's using the uh, Long March Right of War. 
which he switched to because when I wrote the original list, we had to go Onslaught because he had the two Lords of War. So now he can go back to Age of Darkness and take a Rite of War, and he's chosen Long March, which is pretty cool. So for troops, he's got two 10-man vet squads. The sergeant has power weapon and melta bombs on it. I'm guessing since they're just vet squads with bolters, he's probably going the uh, um, marksman route, so the outflank. Yep. Um, then he's got 15 reavers. 12 of them have chain axes. Uh, three of them have power weapons. Could be axes, swords, whatever he wants to give them. Uh, 12 of them have Volkite chargers, and three of them have melta guns. The chieftain is in artificer armor with melta bombs. That's his third troop choice. And then his fourth troop choice is 10 Justeran. Um, they all 10 have combi weapons. I think we did Meltas in his original list, but he could magnetize them if he wanted and go different guns. Um, five of them have Chain Fist and five of them have Lightning Claws, which was what I put in the original list. Uh, for elites, he's got an Apothecary with Augury Scanner and Artificer Armor. That goes with the Reavers. Uh, then for fast attack, he's got a squad of three javelin speeders with cyclone missiles and heavy bolters. Then he also has a Xiphon with ground attack auguries. For heavy support, he has the Charybdis, which is where Malagurst joins the Reavers and the Apothecary, and they all go in the Charybdis. And then he has a Legion Fire Raptor with Reaper Autocannon Battery and four Hell Strikes. And then for Lord of War, he has Horus, which goes with the Just Aaron, and they all deep strike in together. So his question is, with that list, he could take out the Xiphon and the Fire Raptor and put in a Leviathan. And if he does that, the Leviathan will have a Dreadnought Drop Pod, a Grav Flux Bombard, a Siege Drill, two Twin Link Volkite Calivers, Armored Ceramite, and Phosphex Discharger. So pretty decked out. So you you say you you would rather see the Leviathan? Mm, not for the same. It would definitely not play a role that you're looking. It would not play the same role that you're looking for. Well, here's here's why I don't like it in this particular list. If you put the Leviathan in with the Dreadnought Drop Pod, it gives him two Drop Pods. So then he's going to have to choose between the Charybdis with all the Reavers or the Leviathan, turn one, which sucks. Yeah. Then on top of that. If you go that route, you have you've went from having really solid anti-air to having no anti-air other yeah. than basically the Cryptus, which isn't bad. Like if the Cryptus lives and can go into flight mode, you know, all those missiles swivel to be forward facing, so it shoots ten strength six twin link shots at other flyers. It's pretty fucking awesome for anti-air if it lives. But the problem is a lot of times it it doesn't because people try to focus in on it kill it right so i personally i'm not a xiphon guy i definitely like the fire raptor i would consider keeping either both flyers and maybe because he's got an extra heavy support slot maybe finding just a few more points and putting in a second fire raptor which would be pretty brutal or um taking a lightning i mean i guess the xiphon's not Terrible to I don't know I'm just not a Zyphon guy. Two Fire Raptors be badass, but he may already have these models. I don't know what he owns. If he doesn't already own the models, I think I would skip on the Zyphon and try to go two Fire Raptors. I think yeah. it's only like a fifteen because I think the Zyphon's two hundred five and ground tracking 
It's 10 points, so it's 215. And the fire after he's got 235, so if he can find 20 points, um, which you could literally just drop two combi weapons off the Justaren, or drop two power weapons or a power weapon and a melt-a-gun out of the Reavers and run two fire rafters. Sounds good. Sounds so, good. I would, I mean, yeah. In this particular list, I like the flyers. Yeah. Dual flyer, raptor, basically would own the sky versus anything that came on. And uh, you would except, definitely get except, vengeance. Except Vulturex. Huh? <laughs> except Vulturex. Oh, yeah, Vulturex, fuck you up. But... I mean, you still have a good chance against Voltrax. Not a great chance. I mean, well, you're shooting not even a good four, chance. 14, 14 strength six twin link shots um, that will ignore their armor. So, I mean, the nice thing about that is, yeah, you're only wounding on a six because they're tough seven with a fucking flare shield. Yep. Come on, Forge World, really? Um, <laughs> but even at that, you figure you're going to hit with most of shots, and then you're going to be fishing for sixes with somewhere between likely what's likely going to be 10 to 14 dice to try to wound to get sixes. So you might get a couple wounds off. Well, I mean, you're more than likely going to get some, and you know, it's not unheard of to roll, you know, 14 dice and get three or four sixes and just kill it. So my thing is the mechanic and player at that point is really going to have to strongly consider jinking at least. Just talk really big shit. Like, like just, you know, they're twin late. Do you want to go ahead and jink? Like before you roll, do you want to jink? No, you don't. Well, I'm going to fire you out with you with both of them. Right. Well, plus that doesn't ones. even consider. I mean, they still between the two would also have the the four uh, hell strikes, which are strength eight AP two. So that's eight more missile shots as well, on top of all the other things. So you should actually be able to smoke a Vulture X at least one coming in if you alpha strike it with both. Yeah. Just talk big, like talk real big. Like, like blow your chest up like you're supposed to do when you see bears or whatever. <laughs> just, just make yourself look bigger. Like, it's like, well, I'm going to hit you with all this. Are you sure you don't want to jink? Okay, you're going to, okay. Okay, you're jinking. And then roll real quick when he says, yeah, sure. Well, dual, dual fire raptors with the new, the way uh, hell strikes work now. And then just me playing Avengers a couple times now with the, the same gun, only a non twin like version with shittier ballistic skill. I could tell you that Avenger bolt kit is baller. I fucking love it. So good. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking dual fire raptor. If you face okay, let Voltrax out the let's say Voltrax out the gate. You know, let's not even talk about that. Any other flyer that comes on the table is fucked. Like if you fought a lightning, if a lightning came on, that might kill one of your fire raptors, but your other fire raptor is gonna get like immediate vengeance on that right fucking right. little lightning. Well, that and if you say they like you go second. Because you're going to actually probably, we've talked about how this list works before. So, anyway, the the dual the dual fire raptor is going to be brutal. Like you said, it's going to own the sky. Like it's going to kill flyers of galore, and then it's like all those like interlocking fire arcs of both like flying around with all the strafing run, killing all the shit on the ground and stuff. It'll be it'll be cool. Plus, they're awesome. Like, I think they're one of the, if not the coolest looking flyer model for Marines. Yeah, they're very cool. And then them being four hole points, if you do fight Vulturex, look at it this way. You could come in and alpha strike one of them, right? And then when the one that's alive shoots at you, don't even fucking bother jinking because you have four hole points. 
Let him strip three. Who gives a fuck? And then the next turn, shoot both of them again at the other one. <laughs> yes. I love it. Just hope you don't get immobilized. Well, that's fine. You only you only crash on a flyer on a roll of a one or a two. You could possibly get unlucky, but just don't jink regardless. Right. Well, then on top of that, with the Charybdis in there, think about that. If the Charybdis lives and goes into flight mode and you got the two fire raptors, look at all that air power. You it's pretty scary. Yeah. Be pretty scary to think about. So anyway, that's what I would do. Dual fire raptor. If, unless you already own the Xiphon, Xiphon, you know, then use it. It's kind of a cool model. Looks like Battlestar Galactica. So, anyway, I hope that helps you out, Jonathan. And by the way, you don't bother me. We love getting emails. So, send as many emails as you want. Keep them coming, Jonathan. Uh, yeah. So, send some pictures, man. He did. He sent us that one. It looked really cool. It was just a single model. More Test pictures, model. Jonathan. More pictures. So, we got one list left. Alpha Legion with a bit of difference. So this comes from Matthew. And Matthew says, Hi guys, typical long-term listener here. First time emailer comment. Good morning from Kev, capital of Ukraine. Originally from England, but living over there through work and falling in love. There's a slight... Oh, well, I read that all fucked up. Let me... Let me okay. Originally from England, but living over there through work and falling in love. There's a slight 30k scene here, and I'm looking at bringing something different against the normal Imperial Fist shield walls and Sons of Horse drop pod list. You can run a Blood Angels drop pod list. So anyway, <laughs> so I've recently... Also, congratulations on falling in love. It's fucking cool, man. Yeah, dude. Let's take a minute. Aw. Aw. Yeah. Good job, Matthew. She's a keeper, isn't she? Or he. Or he. We don't judge on this podcast. We don't judge. It's all good. <laughs> so anyway... So I've recently managed to get my hands on a large number of jet bikes. So this is what I have worked out from my Alpha Legion. I have a large number of everything else, and I hope this is legal for a couple of games I have coming up soon. So this is his Alpha Lulz Army. <laughs> I don't know if you didn't think to take that name out of there, but I love it. And so it sounds like a good time. He took a... It's 2,000 points. Did you say that? No, I didn't. Thank you. Okay. 2,000 point list. So he took a Legion Delegatus. He has Artificer Armor. He's on a Legion jet bike with Heavy Bolter and Power Weapon. Mastercrafted with a Refractor Field. He's taking the Master, the Sky Hunter Phalanx as his Rite of War. So that lets you take basically jet, jet bikes, bikes as troops. He took a Master of the Signals. And this goes with the Sky Slayer for using the Cognus Signum. Okay, fair enough. He's got Artificer Armor. He's on a Legion Schmittar jet bike. I thought that take a two plus save anyway. It does. Also, you can't take a Master Signal on a jet bike, but we'll get there when I redo the list. <laughs> okay. Well, good. So news it's already is. it's already yeah. illegal. It's already illegal. And also, like Michael said, a jet bike auto gives you a two plus save. So there's no reason to buy artificer armor for the guy. You can leave him in power armor and save yourself 10 points because you're going to get a two-up anyway. Dude, I hope he's just now getting this news that it auto gives him a two-plus save and he didn't know they all had two-plus saves because that would be like the best information anybody could give me. Yeah, he may have the original red – because remember the original book, I guess the black books, the skinny black books? 
and also the big bike books. Jet bikes originally had a three up save. Dude, could you imagine? Could you imagine being in his shoes right now, basically getting Christmas to his ears? Like, what? Y'all have two up armor. Oh my God, my army's invincible. I don't know if that's a real real thing, but I'm pretending it's a real thing. Yeah. Anyway. And he's in love. So yeah. He's like, man, I'm in love. And my freaking, (laughs) all my armor is now, all my army's two up saved. This is the best day ever. I love this podcast. All he eats now is tenderloin sandwich and some chocolate milk. He's golden. (laughs) So anyway, in his troop section, he has a Legion Jet Bike Hunter Squadron. Uh, which is six Space Marines strong, or I guess it's seven. No, six. Oh, it's six. With the Sky Hunter Sergeant in there, he has melt bombs and there's two multi-melts in this squad. Uh, he has a, he has this times, what, two? Two, yep. And then he's got two smaller. <sighs> Sorry, it's uh, one in the morning over here. Uh, excuse me. He has two smaller Legion Jet Bike Hunter squadrons with three Space Marine each with a Sergeant with Melta Bombs and one Multi Melta in each unit. In his elite section, he has some veteran tactical squads. They have Marksmen. They're going to go in an Anvilus. There's seven, eight, eight of them, it looks like. Two have Power Weapons, five have Combi Flamers. And there's a Nuncio Vox and a Vexilla in there as well. So it helps with the Master of the Signals call in his uh, orbital strike, I'm guessing. So what he, he wrote helps with Master of Signals, I guess that's yeah, what it means. Yeah, but like we talked about, he can't take a Master of Signal in the army, so. Yeah. So may go with Kami Flamers as a sniper rule of Flamers after they jump out of the Anvilus is nasty. We agree with that. Yep. So he's got the Anvilus, which is for his vets. He took a Legion Javelin Attack Speeder Squadron with Twin Link Glass Cannon. Another Legion Javelin Attack Speeder Squadron with Twin Link Glass Cannon. Should these be in a squadron? No. No, not Uh, if they don't have to be. If you have enough slots to run them separate, run them separate. Yeah, they will get smoked if they're together. Think about that with everything you ever run. If you have the spot and the space for it, don't run them together. Because when you start treating them as units... Wounds carry over, and so yep. the whole points. Yep. Okay, so next is the heavy support, which is Legion Jetbike Sky Slayer Support Squad. I love this unit, and that's the unit he wanted to put his Master Signal in, but unfortunately, that doesn't work. And that's a five times Space Marine Sky Slayers with Volkite Colvern and a Sky Slayer Sergeant. Keep up the great work, guys. You and the other podcasts really helped my 12-hour shift for six weeks straight. It says I'm an engineer on a ship. That sounds badass, dude. Send us pictures of that if you can. That sounds way cool. I'd love to see some pictures of that, like some ocean stuff some at ocean night stuff. with all the stars. Anyway, many thanks, Matt. Forgot to ask, which tactic should I run? I'm thinking scout as the turn one alpha strike with six multi-meltos and the vets coming in would be better than infiltrate. Thanks again, Matt. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Okay. So, well, first off, like we talked about, you don't need artificer armor on any characters that you put in your army with jet bikes because the jet bike will auto includes a two up armor save. So you can save points there. You also cannot put a master of signal on a jet bike into the master signal uh, entry. It specifically states you can't be on a bike or jet bike or have a jump pack. 
So you're going to have to drop that guy or run him on foot and put him in the Anvilus, but then he has to come in, get out of the Anvilus. I don't really think it's worth it at that point. So I would personally just drop him. Um, some other things that I would consider doing, if you look at the, especially on the three-man jet bike squads, by upgrading to a sergeant, that's 15 points, and then giving that sergeant Meltabomb, that's 20 points. If you just don't upgrade them to a sergeant, you can just give the entire squad Meltabombs for only 15 points. So you can have three Meltabombs in the unit instead of a single one and save five points. Now, you do miss out on the plus one leadership the sergeant gives you. So that's kind of up to you. You can also do the same thing with the six-man squads. Just get rid of the sergeant with the Meltabombs and instead just give the whole unit Meltabombs. And it's only going to cost 10 more points to have six Meltabombs as opposed to a single Meltabomb. So that's something to consider. Like I said, you may really want that extra um, leadership, I guess. I don't think I'd worry about it too much, personally. I think I'd rather have all the melt bombs. Um, as far as the vet squad, the way you have it loaded out, I'm fine with the vet squad and the anvilus, but I would strongly consider just the way you're running this list and what's already in it um, to swap them over from marksman vets to machine killer vets. And instead of doing the combi weapons and the flamer and the power weapons, instead do... Um, Meltas because you'll you'll want the extra armor punch and you also don't need the Nuncio Vox anymore because um, like I said you, you can't run that Master Signal anyway uh, the Javelins are uh, fine I personally prefer the Cyclone over the last cannon I just feel like it's more versatile and it saves you points but if you already own these models and you don't have the extra bits or don't want to convert them or whatever. The last cannons are fine. Like they still work well. Um, so also the other thing to look at, so you've taken the troop guys and you've upgraded them to multi multis. So you've kind of mixed the unit. So you got all these guys with heavy bolters with just a few multi multis thrown in. So that means when you want to shoot these guys at vehicles, you're wasting the heavy bolters kind of. And then when you want to shoot them at infantry, you have to get closer to bring the multi melted to bear. And I'm, you know, you still basically I'm saying, and then, but then on the flip side is your heavy support squad. They comes the, the sky slayer heavy support squad. It comes with multi melters for essentially free. The multi melted points cost is already included. And unfortunately forge world didn't consider that when they did the points for the upgrades, because on a normal jet bike, you have to pay 10 points for a multi-melta or 10 points for a Volkite Colvarian. On the heavy support squad, they already come with that 10 points added into their base cost and come with a multi-melta, but then it's a further 10 points to give them the Colvarians. So it's actually more expensive to run It's more expensive, right. Culverins. So what, what I would do is take the multi-melta bikes and put them in the heavy support squad and then take the Volkite bikes on the heavy support squad and put them with the heavy bolters. So your squads are more focused on their role. Right. And that's generally a good idea across the board. Like in any army you play, just have squads that are uh, tasked with a certain job. 
Right. Well, then, right off, the, it's going to save him 50 points. He's not going to lose any firepower, and it's going to make his units more focused in on their role. Yeah. So it's, it's a win-win-win. So the list I came up with is this. Um, so I have a Delegatus just keeping his power armor. Um, he's taken the uh, jet bike right of war. Uh, you put him on a jet bike with the heavy bolter. And he has melt bombs and a power weapon, which then becomes Mastercrafted. Um, I did not give him an invul save, but we'll get to that at the end of the list. Uh, so for troops, I have a six-man Skyhunter Jetbike Squadron with two Volkite Colverins, and everybody has melt bombs And then I have a second squad that's exactly the same way. So another six jet bikes, two Volkite Colverins, six melt bombs then I have a three-man jet bike squad with a single Volkite Colvarian. They all have melt bombs. And then another duplicate squad of three jet bikes with one with a Colvarian, all three with melt bombs. Then I have a Legion veteran tactical squad. It's a full 10-man squad. They all have melt bombs. This, uh, the sergeant and seven other guys all have combi weapons, combi meltas. And then two guys have melt guns, so every everybody in the squad has melt guns basically, um, and they have machine killers. And all of the that ten man squad with meltas and melt bombs are going to go in the anvilist just like he had. Um, then I have a javelin attack speeder uh, with twin linked las cannon and multi melta instead of the heavy bolter, and then I have a second javelin, just a single javelin. Uh, with multi-melta and twin-link glass cannon, so two of those. So basically the same ones that he ran, but instead of the heavy bolters, we gave them multi-meltas. And then uh, for heavy support, I have the uh, five-man Legion Sky Slayer support squadron, but I just left them stock with the heavy bolters, so, or with the multi-meltas, so it's five multi-meltas all in one unit. So if you total all that up, it's essentially everything he has in this the list before but his veteran squad is larger and his units are more focused. Plus he's gotten the extra multi meltas on the, uh, javelins and every single, uh, Marine in the army has a melt bomb <laughs> and it's only 1,845 points out of the 2000. So that leaves him with 155 points to spend. Mm -hmm. Um, so go back to his email, Michael. I wrote him a reply and I don't have it with me. It's attached to the bottom of the list that I wrote and read that. I told him what to do with the extra 155 points. You said with the extra 155 points, you can do a couple things. You could take a divination librarian on a jet bike to replace the character you lost. That'd be badass. He auto comes with prescience, and instead of the plus one blister skill, you get to re-rolls to hit. It also is a ranged ability, so you don't necessarily have to be attached to the unit you want to use it on. He also comes with a free force weapon, which he can, which can be nice. Also, pretty much every divination power will benefit your army. I can't think of one power from this discipline that wouldn't be a good one. Precog would be a little bit weak, but still handy for tanking and assaulting. The other route would be to take two more javelins and have two units of two. If you do, you could run the Cyclone Squad and one last Santa Squad, though I said I like the Cyclone one better. Lastly, you could drop the Melta Bombs and one Kami Melta on the Vets or the Melta Bombs on the Delegatas and one Kami Melta if, if you went Cyclone Jabs and take an Avenger Strike Fighter as a Lord of War with two Kraken and a Battle Servitor. 
If you don't like the Avenger or don't want to use it, take it as a Lord of War. You could cut some more Melted Bombs or a more expensive fire like a Fire Raptor or a Lightning. Lastly, you okay, that's it. Yeah, hope yep. that helps. Yep. So basically, like I said, you can... If you like that other character idea, if you really want to enhance the firepower of one of these units, you can essentially, for a basically the same points that your Master Signal was, just take a Librarian on Jet Bike and just do it with Psychic Powers. That's it's, just going to be, it's just going to be Twin Linked instead. Or you could just add two more Javelins to the list to make up the firepower of making a unit Twin Linked or whatever by just adding more models in that also have more shots. No, yeah, I take the librarian just because it's pretty cool. Yeah, but so but it gave it had... it gave him some options there. If you want to forward him that list, Michael, you can. I didn't send it yet. Forward it right now. Okay. So that's it. I actually I like that list though. I think it's pretty cool. Oh, as far as your legion trait, I personally would go tank hunter because. If you look at this list, so he's got... If he ran the list that I'm talking about, let's say you put the extra javelins in. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't benefit those. But it, it doesn't matter. So you got the... You'll have the, the five-man heavy support jet bike squad with all multi-meltas, and then you're going to give those tank hunter. And then you have the uh, melta vets in the dread claw, and all those dudes will have tank hunter and machine killer. And then... So... And then you'll have the Javelins with the Laz Cannons and the Multimultas. They don't get Tank Hunter, but it's still pretty good anti-tank. All the rest of the army is already good anti-infantry with all the heavy boulder shots and all the Volkite Culverin shots. But also giving those Tank Hunter against light armor stuff like Predators, Rhinos, um, side or rear armor and anything, giving those guys Tank Hunter makes them way more versatile. Plus, in the list that I wrote, every single guy in the army has melta bombs, and if you have just the tank hunter special rule, it works on in assault and shooting. So I feel like it just you get maximum benefit. I don't really feel like you need infiltrator scout with all these jet bikes and all this stuff. Like all this stuff shoots so far and is so mobile. I don't think you need any of that. No, not at all. And then with the uh, Sky Hunter Right of War, you have that rule where at any time you can leave the table and go back into ongoing reserve and then arrive. And just come back. Just come back. So I don't think you need, like I said, Outflanker Scout. The other one that might be an interesting choice, but with a jet bike having a two-up armor, I don't think you really need it, is you could go move through cover just so you don't have to take any dangerous terrain checks with any of your bikes because you're just auto-passing them. But you have to roll a one to fail it, then you have to roll another one to lose a bike to it. Right. So I think Tank Hunter is the way to go. Then it would be extra fucking brutal, even though your list is already pretty damn good at killing tanks. Well, it just makes it so well-rounded. Like, it's going to make it towards extremely good at killing infantry and also extremely good at killing tanks. It's going to make it super well-rounded. Once he gets to you, it's ruined. It's over. And I kind of like the idea. The only thing, like you said, you like the librarian. The only reason I like the idea of putting a flyer in it is the one thing this is missing is anti-air. So if he threw in that Avenger or, you know, cut some more melt bombs or and came up with a fire after or whatever, it makes it really, really, really well-rounded. What, what, uh, what flyer would you worry about, though? With this list? Yeah. Um... I guess you're right, because everything's a two-up. You don't really have anything that's like a Kraken target, like if yeah. they took a lightning. 
you, who really gives a shit. Um, if they took a Fire Raptor or an Avenger of their own, it's only AP3 and you have a bunch of two-up armor save guys. And just laugh it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess they could kill your javelins with it, but, you know, yeah. it Unless is what Unless for is. some reason, like, somebody took the uh, Kraken Phosphex combo, that would kind of Yeah, that could be mean, or um, a... Uh, a Xiphon, just because it's four high strength, low AP, like the, all its shots are AP2 and pretty high strength. Yeah. And even or, then, I mean. Or or a, an, a even the Cestus Assault Ram, even though it's got the large blast, you know, strength eight AP1 melt a shot, you're talking jet bikes are on monstrous creature bases. Yeah. So you can space those fucking things out where he's only going to get two bikes and you can always jink for four up. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You probably don't really need it. It'd just be more if they had one just to, you know, and you needed to kill it or wanted to kill it, I guess. But, yeah, you're probably right. You don't really need it. So, Sounds anyway, good, dude. Gives you some different ideas to think about. Shoot us some pictures, man. Yep. And you said you did forward this to him? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Done. So that's All that's in the trash. <laughs> Wipe your hands clean, buddy. So that's all we got. That's going to be it for list, dude. We got a whole nother segment waiting for you recorded. All we got to do is just pull the trigger and it'll happen. Well, quick, we got another. I don't want him to think we forgot about him. We're not going to go over it. We got another email from Mitchell Cat. And we got something special planned for this email, Mitchell. So you're going to get the extra special super attention treatment. So don't feel bad that we didn't go over it this episode. This isn't this isn't just a question he asked. Like this isn't just a list he sent us and was like, "Hey, here's my list. How do I make this work?" This was a question he asked. And when somebody asks a question, it like it gets like you know we got all these other sources we can go to. It's got so. create gets the creative juices flowing. So we're gonna get balls deep into this question and and really, really, really answer it and turn it into a whole segment on the show. So we didn't forget about you, buddy. So before we switch over to the good old fashioned talk about Circle City Heresy, uh just wanna let you guys just wanna remind you guys there's a Sweet, sweet uh, uh, charity going on right now. Yep. One's about to end. It may even end. I don't know when you're going to get this episode out, but I think it only has two days left. Yeah, should be before that. But if you you want to you want to help out, Ryan, you want to go ahead and explain what that is? So the Free Buddhist Forum every year does a Toys for Tots auction. So Toys for Tots, if you don't know, is a charity run by the U.S. Marine Corps that they take money – and use that money to buy toys for needy children for Christmas. So it makes sure that children that wouldn't normally, you know, get or be able to have a good Christmas uh, to have one and get the toys that, you know, all these little kids, you know, want for Christmas, which is a cool uh, thing. So basically what they do is they take donations of models and all the models donated are then painted by volunteers. So it's all donations and volunteer work uh, from people that are on the forums. And once the armies are donated and painted, we then put them up on eBay. 
and then they sell on eBay, and 100% of the proceeds from the eBay sales just get donated to Toys for Tots. So that's what's going on. So there's five auctions this year. They have the first two are already up. The first auction that's up that's about to end is a basically 3,000 points of Alpha Legion. Um, it's a Coils of the Hydra ready to go, Coils of the Hydra list. And then some extras to swap some things out. It's pretty cool. So definitely look at that. And the second one that's up is a, a I think it's like a 1,000 or 1,200 point a Zone Mortalis list. It's basically all the contents of a Kalf box plus some extra bits uh, to make it playable in Zone. And it's a Black Shields army. And it was fully painted and donated by uh, Dave over at Perpetual Painting, who's also a free Buddha. And a super nice guy. And a super nice guy. So with a with a really sweet British accent that makes him sound way smarter. Well, he is way smarter than me. But even if you didn't know that, it makes he, him sound it anyway. He could definitely talk you into buying yarn. He could definitely do that. <laughs> so that's out. And then later on, they're not out yet, but when they do come out, we'll make sure that you guys know about it and we'll post uh, the links everywhere. Um, they're going to – there's also an Imperial Fist Army, a World Eater Army, and a Dark Angel Army that have all also been donated that are still being painted and worked on but will be up soon. So you can come to our Radio Free Isfahan page, and there's links there. I put links on the Eye of Horus page. Um, if you just go to eBay and just search eBay for um, uh, 30K charity auction, it comes right up. Like, you can do that. Um, there's But there's links everywhere. You can find it if you look. But definitely check out our Facebook page, Radio Frist Vaughn, and you will see the eBay link there for sure. So, so that's it, man. Just had to make sure we got that shouted out. Right. For sure. I'll play some music and then we'll get into some Circle City Heresy. Catch you guys in a little bit. Yep. See you in a minute.
going on, guys? Welcome to the Circle City Heresy Talk section of the podcast, I suppose. Uh, so, me and Ryan are sitting here. It's the first time we've ever actually recorded in person with each other. Yep. Come and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, guys? So, I guess, man, we're gonna we're gonna kind of touch base on on how this all went down. I guess first off, it's like. For our international listeners, it's not really a big deal because they ride trains all the time. Right. But for our American listeners, we don't get trains unless we live in New York and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I rode a train down here. I rode a train up here to Indiana. I'm sitting in Indiana right now, actually, with Ryan. Uh, what's, his, what's his town called? It, this is uh, Martinsville. Martinsville, Indiana. So, I hopped on a train up here, 28 hours of train ride. And microwavable food. And next thing you know, here I am sitting sitting with my buddy here. And he was supposed to take me on all the fun fun adventures that we talked about in the last few episodes here, like uh, eating pork tenderloin and, and all that jazz. But some things happened along the way that we'll discuss in a little bit. <laughs> so I guess let's just get started, man. Let's just jump in to what we've been doing. So... Ryan picked me up from the train station in Chicago, which is like where the hub is to for Union Station, right? Right. And it's about three, three and a half hours from here. Yeah. So, so Ryan picked me up there and something odd happened that it happens only once every hundred years or so. 108 years. 108 years. The Cubs won the World Series. So you can't really predict that. So <laughs> whenever I decided to roll into Union Station and just have Ryan pick me up from the from the the hub there, it wasn't exactly planned out that there would be thousands of Cubs fans inside Union Station trying to catch these like I guess they have like a local tram that like carries them around. Or the like L train. The L train. So basically the entire Union Station was like I don't know, a stadium. There's so many people. The Cubs had won a couple days back, but they have a, a like a victory parade. So it's almost like a, it's the World Series parade, just like yeah. they have the Super Bowl parade or whatever. So Michael just wanted to, happened to be wanted wanted <laughs> to be picked up. Like his train just happened to arrive basically right before the parade the, the parade. So everybody is trying to get on the train, get off the train, get to the parade. <laughs> and I'm trying to drive into Chicago and I'm thinking like, traffic's normally bad here, but this is a little out of control. Like, it's taking me 40 minutes to go, like, two blocks. So what's going on? And then I finally figured it out. I'm like, why is everybody on the south side wearing Cubs jerseys? Everybody hates the Cubs here. This is White Sox territory. Like, <laughs> Dude, I was coming in, and, like, I was I was thinking to myself, like, because I was looking out my train window, and all I could see was, like, five helicopters just hovering above the city. And I was like, did, like... Some terrorist shit happened? Like, what did I miss? Like, what's happening right now? Why are there so many helicopters just hovering above the city, like, not moving? And then once I started seeing all those Cubs fans, I was like, son of a bitch. Like, this is going to be a pain in the ass. So, we had to deal with that first off. I got a video of that for you guys. A little little throw in the, the picture dump, but it was insane, man. There was cops everywhere, like, just straight up, like, hurting people, which is worse than hurting cats, man. It was just terrible. There's people that were, like, so desperate to get onto the train that they were, like, busting these police lines. It was, it was ridiculous inside there. Well, like I said, when you have uh, that many Cubs fans in White Sox territory, something's definitely going on. <laughs> Somebody's definitely 
got to uh, got to get moving. So anyway, so Ryan like finally saved me from that, and uh, we ended up driving to uh, Fair Oaks Farms. You might remember in the previous podcast where we talked about uh, this miraculous chocolate milk that comes straight from the cow's teeth. And I can attest that, yes, it is the best chocolate milk I've ever drank in my life. It was like drinking melted ice cream. It's like Yeah, that's pretty chocolate. much. Like if you take a like a frosty or like a chocolate malt, like a good chocolate malt from a like a high-end restaurant, like a high-end ice cream place like Cold Stone Creamery took like their chocolate ice cream and just like stirred it or melted it down and rendered it in where you could drink it, that's what it's like. It's so good. And, like, that wasn't even the, like, the chocolate milk is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I love that chocolate milk. But they sold, like, grilled cheese sandwiches. And all I could think of was, like, okay, I'll grab a grilled cheese. Man, that sounds good. Like, Dairy Farm, they make their own cheese. They make their own everything. So they make this, like, I ordered a mozzarella, uh, there's a pesto something. Mozzarella, pesto, tomato, something. Yeah. It's basically just a grilled cheese sandwich with some tomatoes on it. It was fucking great. Like, I could not... Like, I had to step back. Like, you know when, like, you really like something, you just wolf it down real quick. But when you love something, (laughs) you eat, like, a little bit of it. Like, take it back, enjoy that bit, and then, like, go at it. That's exactly what happened with the sandwich. It was, like... It had, like... Its bread was, like, crunchy on the outside, but super soft on the inside. But not super crunchy. Just crunchy enough to have, like, a a little bite to it. And then... They put garlic butter on it. They put garlic butter and Parmesan on top of it. And so, like, you had these two, like, delicious flavors on top of it. Oh, my God. It was so good. Like, I can't. I wish everybody who goes to Adepticon next year just goes to Fair Oaks Farm. It's about an hour away from Chicago is the only problem. Because it's it's right on, I think that's 65. It's either 65 or 69, I can't remember. There's a road that, uh, interstate that runs directly, basically from Chicago to Indianapolis. And um, it's right there. It has its own exit. It's exit 220 off that road. It's either, like I said, it's either 69 or 65, I don't remember. I think it's 65. If I knew that that sandwich would stay, like, as delicious as the one I ate it an hour later, I would go pick up sandwiches for everybody at Adepticon. But I feel like it wouldn't be the same because when they pull it straight out of that oven, man, it's like super warm and like super good. I feel like it'd be cold and uninviting at that point. So it's kind of so we got to find some way to get people from Adepticon to this Fair Oaks farm to go get these sandwiches because they're so fucking good. And some chocolate milk too. It's sixty-five Interstate sixty-five exit two twenty. So if you if you go to Adepticon and you have questions about these sandwiches or this little farm, or if you're driving like from uh, Indiana or south of Indiana and you got to drive through Indiana or drive along that route anyway, or you can jump over to 65 and it's not that far out of the way, and you can hit it up. It's definitely worth checking out. It's just a giant ass dairy farm. They have a big restaurant that they serve like. You know, like gourmet, you know, burger. Like it's like a family. They serve it like family style. It's like a. It's a pretty high end restaurant. It's really nice. And then they have just a shop that sells nothing but like cheese and ice cream. We didn't even go into that. <laughs> and then they have a little deli called the Cow Fay because it's a you know dairy cow farm. <laughs> and it's just uh, got like a deli counter where you can just get like uh, a quick lunch, like 
you know, deli sandwiches. They have their chocolate milk there. They have cheese. And then they have like a little gift shop attached to that. And they have an ice cream parlor in there. And we just ate at the little cafe. I cannot compare that sandwich to anything I've ever eaten. Like I can't. I can't imagine if like like that's their like that's like that's their babies are us and they're yeah that's like, not even the restaurant that's just like a the little toys cafe. Are us. yeah like I can't imagine because they like it's insane like I can't I can't imagine like what their gourmet food tastes like like I had like a little like taste of their <laughs> their sandwich I was like oh yeah I eat something quick oh my god this is heaven this is heaven on bread. And then, like, well, I, it's a dairy farm that has like a parking lot the size of like a Walmart, and when you go there, most of the time the parking lot's pretty full, so they they're doing something right. Yeah, when we pulled up, guys, it was kind of like pulling up to a theme park. Like that's all you think. I was like, what the fuck? We're like, do we got to get tickets? Like, how are we here? So yeah, it's a massive parking lot for a dairy farm. Yeah, like you get out of the car and you immediately smell cow shit, and you think to yourself, what? Clearly, there's nothing edible here with all this cow shit hanging in the air. <laughs> nope. Boy, are you wrong. So, anyway. And then, to- then Michael got some cheese there. They had, like, a cheese counter. So, he got to sample. They have, like, a bunch of aged cheeses. Yeah. So, he went for the uh, the high-dollar uh, eight-year cheese, aged eight years. Yeah. So, if y'all have kids out there that's, like, under eight years old, I have cheese that's older than them. That's how I think about it, you know? I'll find some kids like, I got cheese older than you, kid. <laughs> Get out of here. It's very good, though. Actually, that, that six-year cheese that I'm eating right now tastes like uh, uh, cheese whiz. I mean, I guess cheese whiz tastes like that. Like, I guess they manipulate the flavor to yeah. taste like that. But it's exactly what it tastes like. So, anyway. So, yeah, that was Fair Oaks Farms. And then... We dropped off all my shit, right? Yeah, we yep. dropped off all my stuff here. Yep. Oh, by the way, my pack fifteen twenty made it through the train. Uh, I I just had a few things that were broken, which I th- I'm positive was my fault that I didn't have like uh, actual battle foam for my specific stuff. So I had like my dreadnought drop pod sitting in Avenger foam. And so my drop pods did collapse in on themselves. I pretty much had to assemble like uh, five out of my seven drop pods, reassemble them. But other than that, man, everything held up pretty good. I guess the train people take better care of your battle foam than your than the airplane people. So Amtrak, take care of you. So we listened to uh, Joe Rogan stand up on the way back. There was a. He's got a new stand-up special where he's got a bit about Texas, and I had to make Michael listen to it because we've had some talks, and it was funny because part of Joe Rogan's comedy bit is something that me and Michael have talked about in the past, so I had to show Michael, so it was pretty funny, too. So we've been laughing about that all weekend. Tigers in Texas, man, which is real. So after we dropped off all my stuff here at the house, we had uh, some tomato pie. Some pizza, like, it's actually pretty amazing that, like, y'all have pizza places everywhere where we don't have pizza places, like, anywhere. Like, we have, like, chain pizza. Like, they run, like, a, just, like, a a stranglehold on Texas. Like We have just as many, like, one-off pizza places as we do chain places. Like, every, like, if you have a Pizza Hut, we have Pizza Hut, Papa John's, and I think Little Caesars in town. 
And then we have like uh, a, a Gaddy's Pizza, which is a chain, but there's only like three. So it started as one. You know what I mean? It's still, it's a very local chain. And then we have tomatoes. Mr. Yeti's? Gaddy's. Oh, never mind. Okay. Then um, we have that uh, tomato pie, which is actually in the town just south of here, but it's not, you know, it's like within 10 minutes drive. And then there's another one here called Artesian Pizza. So we have just as many, like, pretty much like one-off, like, very small local chains or just one-off restaurants as we do, um, you know, actual chain pizza. And if you go, like, to Bloomington, you know, they have, like, one of each of the chain, but they have, there's a ton of just one-off pizza restaurants. So pizza's bigger around here. I mean, man, pizza's, like, everybody loves pizza, but we don't have pizza restaurants that are, like, legit pizza places, like pizzerias. We just have, like, Pizza Hut and all that stuff. So it's, like, crazy to me to see all these pizza places, and then we go to, like, a village of 800 people. Yeah, Paragon has literally, like, a 1,000 or less people. <laughs> they have one stop sign in the whole town. They have an IGA, which if people, if you've never heard of that, it's, like, an extremely small grocery store, like, really small. Um, and they have an IGA, a post office... A gas station and the pizza restaurant <laughs> and <laughs> a school. For and, that, real. and that's pretty much it. And they have one stop sign. And that's it. But they have a, like, this pizza place is pretty legendary. There's people that drive from, you know, different towns and down there just to get pizza there. And um, it's this little bitty hole-in-the-wall place. And they have to have, like, 20 employees working in there just slinging pizza uh, all night long because it's so popular. Yeah, for real, man. Like, I cannot believe the amount of uh, just, like, we, we walk into this pizza place in this, like, one one sign town, one stoplight town, and I'm like, what the hell? There's a lot of people standing outside. We go in, they got 10 employees all working, like, their ass off, like, not sitting around. Like, these, <laughs> they're all making pizzas. I was like, who's buying all these pizzas? Like, are they just, like, making moves to look like they're make doing stuff, but we end up getting pizza there, and it was like the the carnivore pizza. Yep, it's all meat. It was so good. It was great. It was all meat, multiple layers of meat. It was like sauce, meat, cheese, meat. Like it was. Yeah. There was meat underneath the cheese. They put the sauce down, then they put ground sausage in the sauce, and then they put like I think two cheeses on top and melt that, and then put all the toppings on top. And they put like pepperoni, bacon, and meatballs on top of that. And then, that was great. That was a great pizza. Head breadsticks, yeah. They make everything there. The dough's handmade. They make the sauce there. Uh, they try to locally source as many ingredients as they can. See, that doesn't even compare to, like, any chain pizza. Like, I don't know how we don't have not a chain pizza place in our area. So, but yeah, man, we did that. Came back home. Like, we were home. We waited for Samson to come from Black Label Painting, and he's bringing Joe with him. And uh, we, we saved that pizza for them. We yep. just waited waited for them to come in. While we were waiting on them, we uh, I had just a few little things uh, to do on the tables. Like, I had most of the things painted, just some little last-minute stuff. The uh, Zone Mortalis board with that big fortress, I had to glue some stuff. It was already painted. I was just waiting for the paint to dry. And uh, had uh, once everything was dry and set, I had to glue a few things together on it. But... That was pretty much it. Michael helped me a little bit with that. I watched. Yeah. I watched so hard. Support. <laughs> I was like, you got it, Ryan. There you go. <laughs> then then Samson got here and 
uh, got that pizza ready, and we didn't go to bed. I stayed up pretty late. I don't know about you. I think I was up till three in the morning, three or four in the morning, and I had to be up at uh, eight to uh, get everything ready because the doors opened at nine. Yeah. I didn't stay up as late as you. I was watching Africa downstairs, and then went upstairs and called it a night. Woke up early for the next morning for Circle City Heresy, which was badass, Ryan. I think I don't know how you want to open this up. I got games to talk about, but I feel like you probably know the numbers of the people that showed up. There was exactly 26 people. We actually ended up having 27, and it worked out because uh, one of the guys that came had to uh, leave early. Mm-hmm. And when he left, we had another guy running around that was another warm body that could jump in and play, so nobody else had to drop or anything like that. So, because what was what happened was I had a ringer set up, my buddy Kenneth, and I said, you know, I told him I was like, I will, you just show up, you don't have to pay because he basically volunteered to be the ringer. So it's like if we have an even number, you're not going to get to play. You can just be my assistant or whatever, but. The 50-50 chance that we have the odd number, you know, you can basically play in the event and I'll cover your entry fee, you know, just for showing up. So we had an odd number to start with, so he jumped in. So I've already used my ringer. Yeah. And then we had somebody drop halfway through and I was like, well, damn it. Like, now do I have to just like pull pull him out? Like, (laughs) he's already been playing. Like, I would have felt kind of bad, but we we lucked out and somebody else uh, showed up. So we just let him jump in so that that worked out um no it was good i mean that was it's uh pretty crazy i mean to have this little small town and i'm just you know kind of running out of my basement just started with this you know little local game club and i mean it still is but just meeting people at adepticon um doing this podcast doing different things you know word of mouth we had guys from texas tennessee Kentucky, Michigan, and Indiana here um, playing games in my basement. It sounds pretty, uh, I mean, like for just like a, a, I guess like a local event, like, you know, just kind of throwing the word out there. It, it's pretty, pretty big turnout. Like right. That. Well, and it works. I mean, the nice thing about doing it here is... Well, for one, I have the full. I have two kitchens. I have one upstairs and one downstairs, and so I was able to make all the food and everything for everybody. Yeah, and because we didn't have to like hire catering or hire food, because my wife, you know, is a, she is a owns a bakery, professional chef, uh, has a culinary degree. Uh, she basically, me and her, mostly her, the last couple of days have been preparing food, like stuff that we could basically make. And put in like lasagna dishes, or we made like these uh, handmade uh, dough, like pizza roll breadstick things. They're basically like a stuffed breadstick, but they're pretty large. Yeah, um, almost like a like a mini calzone. That's that's better better way to put it. Yeah. So, so stuff that we could pre make and then wrap and you know put in the uh, refrigerator or freezer, and then I could just basically throw it in the oven and follow her baking instructions and then pull it out. So I was able to do that, and then also because it's here, we obviously don't have to rent a venue. Right. So for the food, I basically only had to you know pay for the ingredients to make the food, and then all the rest of the money could go into product support. So I felt for like a $25 entry fee, what the attendees got out of that 
you know, or, or you know, was pretty good. Yeah, man. Hands down. I mean, it, everything about the event was a good time. And for 25 bucks to come and like, just have that good of a time, there's no way anybody would spend any and, less. And, I mean, everybody that came, almost everybody that came brought some type of snack or pizza or extra drinks to throw in. Um, Kurt, the local artist guy, he made posters for everybody. We had a, a Loyalist-specific poster and a Trader-specific poster that everybody got to take one of those home with them that were really cool. I had a but- bunch of, uh, like, button just swag stuff I had sitting out people could take with them if they wanted. We had I thought we had a pretty good... I think more than half the attendees got a prize Yeah. at the end of the day. Um, everybody liked the food. Oh, my wife made three different desserts since she uh, owns a bakery, so we had a bunch of desserts. Like I said, everybody brought some type of beer or whiskey or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of people enjoying that. Uh, only had uh, two beer spills, which was good, so it didn't get too <laughs> out of control. I was wondering what that smell was. Like, I'm thinking that last Isvan table. Yep, like, somebody spilled it all, all like, over the Isvan table and a little bit on the carpet there, and then... Uh, <laughs> My buddy, my buddy uh, Jacob's uh, uh, Alpha Legion Army now smells like beer. <laughs> he had a, a a box lid, like a uh, I think it was a calf box lid, some type of box lid for a game about that size, right. and his army was in it, and the beer spilled like literally into the box, into the box all over his models. <laughs> so he was outside uh, wiping beer off of his Alpha Legion. So they're not they're not going to be sneaking around anytime soon because <laughs> somebody's going to smell them coming. People smell them coming. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, I was wondering what that smell was. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you think as an attendee? Like, I had a blast, man. Like, there was nobody I didn't like. Like, you know, it was, it was just a good time meeting all the people here. Like, it was, it was really like I was really excited putting a whole bunch of like faces to names and stuff like that. Like meeting some of these people in person that I only know from like Facebook or online. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of people like from your area that are in like the South Texas 30K mm-hmm. or are like they talk to us on the uh, the podcast or, you know, send us stuff in. And like there's a lot of people that I guess we mutually know, but I just know them through Facebook that I met at this event. And like they were just as nice of a guy over right. in person as they are on Facebook. And so it was real nice to actually like kind of, you know, shake hands and meet people in person Super cool guys, dude. Like, the whole event was a blast. Like, so, I don't know. I got games to talk about. I don't know if, like... Yeah, I'm just staring at your laptop. I don't get to see... I'm behind the scenes on the uh, production right now. <laughs> so, why did we start off with two blue bars and now we're down to one red? What's that all about? Uh, it Once we... Like, if I record and I hit, like, stop record it breaks it up into stereo right now it's recording stereo but it won't break it up till i stop uh, recording. see see that you guys probably didn't understand any of that like <laughs> i just didn't but i'm gonna nod my head and go cool <laughs> but this is this is why me and michael are the perfect team because he can do all this and i don't have to <laughs> do you see like you see like when you talk like here's my voice like, yeah that's your that's my wave and now you say something hey what's up like well i guess you'll, you'll see here in a minute like where it goes way up because yeah. I talk too damn loud like yeah, that. Like, see, like you blast it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, look at you. Yep. That makes sense. You could go through that and go, oh, here's the digital footprint of Ryan being really loud. That makes a ton of sense. That voice can move earth. So, 
Anyway, so your event, your event was three rounds, twenty five hundred points for the normal game, or two thousand points for team games. And we was, we had ten tables, mm-hmm. and three of them were team tables. Right. So you you had seven, and and the the three team tables were the like I had the missions written so that those tables, like those were the same team tables every round, basically. Right. And the way it worked was, is if you had a table that you were playing on at the beginning of the the event, all the tables started neutral, and your warlords would bank points on tables. I gave both warlords five control points to begin the event. Right. And in secret, they had a sheet that had all the names, and they placed, they could divide it any way they wanted. They could put all five on one table. They could put you know, one point on five different tables or they could put two on one and whatever. And then after they did that and were okay, I basically brought them together. And then they, the sheet I had, um, had one column for loyalists and one column for traders. So they basically just swapped info. Right. Where they, you know, they could go, okay, well you put two here, that. So, So potentially if, if they were, didn't, not unknowingly, you know, they each only put one point on each table, and they one guy picked five, the other guy didn't pick, which the odds were not. You right. could potentially have no tables neutral at the beginning, but I knew there would be... I basically did it this way, so you would have some that were loyals controlled, some that were trader controlled, and some neutral to start the uh, event, but it would all be even. Plus, there was a little bit of strategy involved, like each table gave your team a certain bonus. Right. And so... A little bit of the general's like personality, like my buddy Nick, he stacked heavily on this one. He put three of his points on one table and two on another table, and I think David spread all his around. So the loyalists started in control of, I think, three more tables than the traders did on the on the, turn one. The conversation we had was we should shotgun affect it. Like the odds of them picking the same tables as us are going to be pretty. Limited, and if they also shotgun affected, then then they would we would just neutralize each other. Right. So like the idea was we were just gonna like poof out to multiple tables, five different tables, and that way we're guaranteed the most tables that we could possibly get. And and th- I mean that's pretty much like if we would get the most tables that we could possibly get, and if they did the exact same t- thing, then we would have the exact same number of tables. Because the way the event was going to end is the the team that controls the most tables at the end of round three um, would be you know would be the overall winner of the event. So I guess like the strategy of loading like putting a ton of points on one table. Say you put all five on one table, you can only earn a maximum of three per round. So you're like. It would take you two two full rounds of uh, scoring max points on that table just to be one point ahead on it. Right. So by putting, you could basically almost, if you wanted to go that route, I get you know you could almost like lock down a table from the beginning of the event in a way, I guess. But you also your opponent, like you said, would control more to dictate the game. Unless like the benefits from that, because like each table had benefit. If you control the table. There were certain benefits you gained from that table for your entire, for like your entire uh, uh, loyalist or traitor faction. faction. Yeah, and uh, so like unless the like we were basically going through 
every benefit from each table, and we were seeing how that worked with the majority of the faction. Right. So that would be the other thing. If they only got one table and you had four, you're going to have four abilities compared to their one. The fact that we had, like, three armored breakthrough armies in there, my <laughs> Dreadnought army, a yeah. knight army, like the one that said... Uh, six plus it will not die for, for vehicles. We're like, get that motherfucker. We need that table. Like, you hold that bitch. And I think the traders felt the same way. There was, uh, they had a lot of uh, monsters, creatures, and or things that already had feel no pain. And I had a table that uh, one unit, like the faction who controlled it, uh, all the teams on that faction, or all the players on that faction could pick one unit in their army and give it a 6+, plus, feel no pain. And if they already had it, it increased by 1 to a maximum of 3+. Plus. And wow. that, that's the table that they dictated the majority of their points to to start. Which table is that? The jungle table. Okay, jungle table. The supply table. So, yeah. So, we, we were real hard up for that it will not die table. And then they they really wanted to give out the the deep strike benefit one for one unit gets a better deep strike, but I was I kept telling them, I was like don't do that for me like I know I, I know I have like a pretty large deep striking force but don't don't do that for yeah. me. Uh, but yeah, man, it was it was real cool to like see like how people would like designate that table those points. Right, and then as the event went on. The idea was each table has missions specific to the table based on the terrain. Right. And then depending on whether or not it was loyalist trader, loyalist controlled, trader controlled, or neutral, the mission changes, like totally changes. So I had 10 tables, and I certain ones, like uh, we had one table. It's kind of hard to explain, but the way it works is you take the we use the Maelstrom cards that we got from Adepticon. We use the Adepticon Maelstrom deck, which is heresy-specific, but you could do this with a normal Maelstrom deck. Um, we picked out, I think, 13 cards that we that are the ones that we liked out of the deck. Right. And then the way it works is you take that 13-card deck and you place all the cards on the table face-up, and then you put... Uh, so then you ha- have those out, and then you take in turns. Like, if me and Michael were playing each other, he picks one, and then I pick one, and then he picks one, and then I pick one, and that's your hand for the game. So there's a little bit of strategy. But because of the way that works out, you don't really need to write multiple missions for that table because it's going to be different right? every time you play it. So, but all that said, I had, like, 10 tables, but I think I had to write, like, 24 missions or something like that. Um, and some of them didn't even get played. And I even painted... a. Uh, like the relic, the multiple relic mission where you had to rescue the, uh, the different like the, the political, looking guys, the navigators, stuff the like navigator that. and yeah. all that. Like I had Dave, Dave paint all those guys. We didn't even get to use them because the traders never or the it, that table was never neutral because somebody started the game with points on it and then the side that took it just kept it. just kept it the whole event. So like we never so there were certain missions that never even got played. So I feel like I could host this same event again and not change anything, and people are still going to have a totally different experience because we have 10 tables, so people only got to play on three of those, and then also each table has roughly three missions, and you only got to play one of the three missions on the table that you played. Yeah, 
I mean, I every mission I played was different from the last one. Like they, all of them were different, right? And like they all completely changed the way you played the game based on the mission. Like it wasn't like kill points, go kill. Like I played a relic mission, I played a maelstrom mission, and then I played like an assassinate the warlord mission. And the assassinate the warlord mission was by far like the craziest because, like, that was insane. Like to just know that like I had to keep my warlord alive and go find and murder another warlord. It was great. Right. So it was a good time. I mean, I'll go. I'll go in depth to. Well, go ahead. I was just telling people how the overall event worked. So. All right. So my first game that I got to play. I'm actually kind of disappointed that you didn't get to play. But, I had to run the event. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I was made. There's no way. I mean, I was busy. <laughs> I was busy all day. I I was a I was the one man team. I had to make dinner or lunch for everybody. I mean, my wife, like I said, we pre did everything, but I still had to bake it. And I was running two kitchens. I was running because I got a. I had to put some stuff in the oven upstairs, some stuff in the oven downstairs. Had some stuff in the microwave downstairs, some stuff. I had like three timers set on two different phones. <laughs> I was running. I was and I didn't. I was lucky. I didn't because I'm terrible at that shit. But I didn't burn anything, and I, I'll burn a bag of Doritos. So, uh, <laughs> but I I feel like uh, everything worked out on that end of it. But yeah, man, you're like one of the easiest tos to like ask questions. Like if like you know quick questions popped up, you were like one of the easiest. Like hey, this or this, and like immediately you're like bam. It's like okay, good to know. Yeah. So my first game, I actually played. Uh, against your word bearers except the daniel was playing them it was my blood angel drop pot army versus your word bearers and we were playing on the table that you've all seen it was it's called hephaestus four or yep and uh that was a table name but if, if y'all recognize it from the interwebs on our facebook page that was like the giant bastion that ryan made the two-layer bastion with a zone mortalis Four by four in the middle of it. Two by two. Oh, two by two in the middle of it. So I ended up playing that game, and that was like insane because basically the way it ran was in the very middle of the um in the bat in the very middle of the bastion there was a relic, and so you had to capture the relic. And so I thought to myself, okay, that's easy enough. Uh, I'll see. There's like because the way Ryan had it set up on the front and the back of the bastion were doors, and on the top of the roof. There was roof access to get into the Zone Mortalis. And so I thought, okay, I'll just drop pod in to the to the, onto the roof, fall in with my tactical squads, have them grab the relic, and just haul ass and get the fuck out of there. So I'm playing my drop pod army, which is uh, two Leviathans and drop pods, two Contemptor Quartus and drop pods, two Legion Dreadnoughts and drop pods, uh, two tactical squads and drop pods, a Tech Marine in a drop pod, and he brings along a Praetor, or I'm sorry, a Delegatus and a, a Primus Medicae with him uh, inside. And they, they all ride in the Tech Marines drop pod. And I was playing against Daniel, and Daniel was running a Charybdis. He was running a Lorgar, Zardu, a squad of Galvorback, a squad of Cataphractic Terminators, Spartan, Spartan two, two, tax squads two tax squads and rhinos. And a chaplain. And a chaplain. And so, like, straight out the gate, like, he started his Spartan, like, against the door of the... Uh, it's Hammer and Anvil deployment. Yeah, it's Hammer and Anvil deployment, and the doors of the Zone Mortalis Bastion basically, like, 
touch the deployment zone. It's 28, yeah, the building's 28 inches by 28 inches. So. so so he was pretty much ready to, like, just spew his babies into the Zone Mortalis, which were his, you know, Gal Vorbach, I believe, were, were in the Spartan. And so he was, like, just ready to unload. And so first things first I did, I got first turn. And so we straight up, both my uh, drop pods came in. On top of the building, I because un- it's five inches from the uh, from the top of the building to the bottom of the the floor in Zombertalis. Okay, so we we talked about it. And we're like, okay, you need a five inch movement to get downstairs. So I used my six inch deploy to like basically like I landed on the hatch. I was like, bloop, like yeah, I'm inside, yay! Like this is so dangerous. And so immediately, like I was in there ready to take some fucking relics. And then uh, he got his turn, and man, what else did I deep strike in? I'm, I'm trying to because I took pictures the entire event. Let me try and uh, try and get some memory here. So long ago now, but basically, the whole game was was me inside there. Yeah, this is first turn. So first turn, I had Death Blossom Leviathan come in on the roof. Yep, another Death Blossom Leviathan. Was supposed to come on the roof, but didn't. So it was Death Blossom Leviathan outside. He was supposed to come on the roof. He scattered off to the right side of the Spartan behind the Rhino. Yep. And a Cortis came behind the other Rhino. And so I figured, okay, well, I'll just try and, you know, hole point out these Rhinos with my uh, with my assault cannons. So I hole pointed out with this, this Rhino with my assault cannons. So that was immediately dead. And then I <clears throat> definitely hole pointed out this rhino with a tax squad inside of it, with my uh, with my top death blossom. Yep. And then whenever they came out, I <laughs> killed the squad that was there with my other death blossom. With the gold one. Yeah. With my gold death blossom. And so, I mean, that was just first turn, two dead rhinos and a dead tax squad, and. Blood Angels ready for some relic taken. Yep. And so I'll post this picture online so y'all can see it, but it's pretty pretty evident what's going on. Uh, so then his uh, his turn two, he Daniel did not take no shit, man. Daniel unloaded his Galvor back and just started hauling ass inside the Zomortalis. He didn't want anything to do with my Death Blossom. He just wanted to murder my squads that were inside the uh that were inside the Zomortalis board. So he just booked it booked ass inside there and all I could do was think like fuck how do I take care of these Galvor back? So he moved them in, he didn't charge anything, he didn't shoot anything, and he brought his Charybdis in, which had Lorgar and some Terminators, and then he moved his last tax squad that was alive he moved it around to try and like I guess kind of get them out of like death spray from the death blossom just to like get them away and so that, that was pretty much his whole army that was left and so my turn came and all I could think was well I have these fancy phosphex dischargers so I might as well use them so I walked my death blossom over to the entrance of the zone mortalis and I unloaded my phosphex onto the Galvorback. And just completely 
annihilated the unit. Like I got 18 wounds on the unit and it was just, they, none of them could save their, with their five plus demon save to save their life. And like what really helped me out was because it was Phosphex and it was also Shred because of the Zone Mortalis rules. And so it was just as fucking brutal as you can imagine it could be. And so completely wiped out that entire Galvorback unit down to the last man, which was the, I guess whatever the start. The Dark Martyr. Dark Martyr. So like the last guy that was left with his power fist. And so, uh, so I cleared them out, and Lorgar, uh, um, the Cortis that I had behind your behind uh, his Spartan, which I was going to use to open up the Spartan, completely just got raped by uh, by missiles from the Charybdis. Like it wasn't even because his rear armor was showing to the Charybdis. Oh yeah, and so he just brat, like, get out of here, Cortis. So I was like, <laughs> oh poor guy. So I had I had nothing to do there. So, and on the second turn, I launched more Dreadnoughts into the battle. And unfortunately, like I launched a Cortis on the top of the roof as well because I was going to drop them through the hatch. And then I was la- I was launching Legion Dreadnoughts to try and get them on, on top of the roof. Yeah. And one Legion Dreadnought like completely scattered off the building. So he was on the side of the building and I was like, fuck, like, what are you going to do over here? There's nobody over here. So he was kind of like, he had to go for the long run around the building through the rest of the game. And my other one scattered onto the the third story of the uh, of the, the bastion. So yep. that means I had to walk him to the edge, and then I had to you know use a six-inch move to get him down, and then I had to use another move. Like It was like a whole process to get him off the fucking roof like where he scattered <laughs> over to. And so, like, that was a whole other thing. So, uh, turn three, man, uh, was, or I guess turn two involved my other Cortis, like, no, I guess this is like the, the hit, like, he got wiped out. He moved his people forward with his chaplain and everything. Lorgar's starting to run through. He moves to Spartan to the side. So, Lorgar's coming in to come fuck shit up. And so my turn three, I drop my Cortis through the ceiling and like he's ready to just like guard this, the attack Marines that have the relic. Like he's ready to just like hold position. And like during his turn three, he charged my Cortis, which was like with his chaplain with Zardu and this Dark Martyr. Yep. And they didn't give any fucks that it was a Cortis Dreadnought. They just fucking... Well, the Dark Martyr's strength 10 with the Power Fist, and then with the Chaplain, he's getting re-rolls to hit, and he's five attacks on the charge. Yeah, so absolutely fucking nothing that I could have, like, done. I with the, the Cortis Dreadnought just couldn't hang. So I had, you know, I had those two tax squads inside that, that, uh, that Zone Mortalis. All I could think was, okay, well, I got to sacrifice one of these tax squads to, <laughs> to slow this unit down. And while I'm doing that, the Leviathan I have on the roof, I'm moving him back to go drop him through the hole to, like, you know, make him another pit stop that they have to get through. So these three dudes are running forward, and behind him is Lorgar and all the fucking Terminators. Like, they're the next wave of assholes that are coming to, like, wreck. Well, since the Cataphracti can't run, they were just too slow for Lorgar. So Lorgar's like, fuck you, bitches. Like, he goes and, like, joins up with the other group of assholes that are kicking ass already. So 
they meet up, and at this point, all that matters is me getting Dreadnoughts into position where they can block Lorgar from from assaulting my my. Right. So what's boss. funny about the unit is it's Lorgar, a chaplain, yeah, Zardu, and a Dark Martyr all just attached together, and that was the unit. <laughs> and the shitty thing was is they're all different toughnesses. Lorgar six, the chaplain's four, Zardu's five, and the Dark. It, Zardu or, or one of them was dead because when I went in there you were down to three guys no it was one of them is uh, was iron arming right which changed the toughness to eight eight so it was like eight six four seven and so like when I'm shooting at them or like when I'm doing anything to them they're all toughness eight because it's like mixed Different, toughness yeah. and so you just use the highest and so I'm like fuck like I can't hurt these guys <laughs> they, don't, they don't give a shit so, like, I, I roadblocked them with this tactical squad right here. Like, just like, you know, this is before Lorgar joins up with them. I roadblocked them with the tax squad, and I dropped the Leviathan from the ceiling. And so they eat that tax squad for, like, lunch. Like, I, basically, I wasn't assaulting them. I was just unloading bolters, and then I'd wait for them during their assault phase to assault me. So, basically, I wouldn't feed them a free tax squad during my turn. Right. So... This is my dreadnought running around the building trying to get inside. <laughs> like, there's no entrance on the ground floor right. over there. So, we, like, and I figured, like, this is like eight inches to get up. So, it's just not possible to do. Right. And so, like, he's just like, I'm coming, guys. <laughs> just wait for me. And so, I have that other dreadnought that was on the roof. He moved over to the side of the building, came down, ran, like, Basically, it took so much to get him into position to accept his death charge. Like, yeah. basically, my dreadnoughts were just, just there to die and, like, become a roadblock to protect children. Like, you know, <laughs> like, get out of here. Go. <laughs> and so this is Lorgar trying to join up with that unit. Like, you see that tax squad just right. deleted. There's nothing. They stood no chance. And Leviathan's getting close to them so they don't get, like, max run. And then these dudes are just, like, gone. They're trying to book it, trying to get that relic right. out of there. Well, what sucks is on the outside here, your the Spartan is running with a full tax squad, like trying to intercept them on the outside. Oh, trying to get around the back. So okay. I know, like, my only saving grace is to hide over, like, in that corner, right? And like, just wait the game out. Like, right. <laughs> we run, got it, guys. Run the clock out. You got <laughs> so, a small lead, and it's the fourth quarter, and you're just trying to run the clock out. That's exactly what was happening. So, like. Lorgar and everybody give no fucks that it's a Leviathan, and this is where I fucking fucked up. This is where the fuck up starts. So you notice how my Dreadnought was over here? Yeah. And I moved him over here? Yeah. Like, in my mind, I was thinking, like, oh, I'll just start blocking with Dreadnoughts. Well, you should... Yeah, I see what you're saying. I should have moved him forward behind this Leviathan and then another one forward. That way it would have been, like... They would have only gotten two or three inches of movement. For three turns of combat, but instead... Now, I, when they do kill him, they do get to... Uh, sweep. Sweep. Well, not sweep. Um, damn it. Consolidate. Consolidate. But you can't... Like you're saying, they killed the Dreadnought and they were only going to be able to consolidate basically where the other one was at. Yeah. Yeah. So I move these dreadnoughts back, thinking like in my mind they're gonna like hold their arms out and protect the attack marines. Like, no, you can't get past. And instead, I move them towards the attack marines when I should have moved them towards Lorgar and all that. Right. And basically, I would have just bottlenecked Lorgar right here at this doorway for three turns. I would have just had like, like it would have been like a dreadnought door every turn that he would have ran into. Like, quit fucking dreadnoughting me. Right. So 
Instead, I moved him away, so I gave like Lorgar like a free seven inch move. You're lucky he wasn't Mortarian. Yeah, and Mortarian would just fucking use his cape to like go through the door. And, like, <laughs> Give me that relic, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody come pick this up because I'm not. I'm not scoring. <laughs> I'm not scoring. I'm not touching that fucking thing. So so yeah, man. So this was kind of the lat. Like, that unit of Lorgar and all them, they did not give a shit how tough of a Dreadnought you were. Like, they were going to beat the fuck... Like, he had so many redundancies in the unit. Like, it was like, oh, my strength 8 didn't... My strength 10 attacks didn't work? That's okay. I got strength 8 attacks. Or I got this attack. You know, I got smash. Yeah. It was like, everything in there, like, was dedicated to kill. It didn't matter what the fuck it was. And so, all the redundancies just fell on each other. And, like, they were just going through Dreadnoughts in one phase. Uh, sometimes before I could get attacks in. So, it was just... It was bad. So they go through that second, they go through the Leviathan, they go through the Dreadnought, and then I positioned my last Dreadnought like an idiot like this, when in reality, you know, I should have moved him forward and all that jazz. Right. And instead, he's just like, well, I'm just going to do a multi-charge, <laughs> like gets both the Dreadnought yeah. <laughs> and the attack squad. And yeah. I was like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's dumb. So he wipes both the Dreadnought and the unit out completely. Yep. And so the game ends, and... No one has the relic, because they can't pick it up. Nobody has the relic, and we both have the same amount of attrition on the table. Okay. And so it was kind of like, well, what do we go from here? So we ended up drawing the match. But, dude, that game was, like, heart-pounding the entire way. Because I immediately knew, like, once I saw what that unit was capable of, once I saw what Lorgar was capable of, I was like, there's no reason for me to, like, just, like load up and like try and like beat the shit out of Lorgar or something like that like there's just no point he's just gonna like wipe through and like wounds are gonna carry over he's just gonna clear stuff out I was like I gotta like split this out like to to not die and I think he's the most underrated Primark on the tabletop oh he's he's pretty good man he's pretty beefcake I mean I don't know if it's cause he had his boys with him like he's like well, top it, tier that's what I mean like with the ability to choose the psychic powers, if you're smart and choose the right powers and put him with the right unit, he's easily, in my opinion, the best primer on as far as rules wise, tabletop. He was brutal. The like, it it did take him a while to get him into playable on the table, but once he was on the table, I could feel every last bit of it. Like he gave no fucks if about any unit he was touching, which I think that would be most primarchs. Like, I don't think that there's any Primark out there besides maybe Korax that, like, a Dreadnought's going to give problems with. Or Fulgrim. Fulgrim's going to have issues with Dreadnoughts. Um, Curse can't hurt him. He's just string six. <coughs> so, like, that's... But Lorgar... Lorgar gave no fucks about any unit that was in front of him. If he touched the unit, it was going to wither and die. And it was fucking crazy. So, like, me and Daniel, though, me and Daniel had a badass game, dude. Like, we were both... Like, we hugged afterwards. Like, this is a fucking great game, dude. Like, let's... Yeah. Like, it, it was... It was so, like, because you could tell at the beginning, like, you could tell that, like, Daniel's like, well, I guess you're fucking winning now because you already have the relic. It's turn two. Yeah. And so he's kind of, like, a little bit, like, discouraged. And then once he started getting in there beating my ass, I was like, bro. Well, a lot of it was unfamiliar. Like, he's kind of unfamiliar with the list. Like, just showing you, you showing me what you, what he did and what you did, like, I, you, I know my, you know, I played that list a ton. I would have went about things different. Oh, I bet. Especially with the, with the ability that you had that Charybdis coming in. I thought he was going to bring that Charybdis on the roof. 
I would have dropped that. I would have drove my Spartan on this door and put the Charybdis on the other door. <laughs> and locked me inside. And just locked you inside and, oh. and put 10 Cataphracti on one end and the Galvorback and Lorgar on the other and just cleared that. I would have gone to the roof. That was my other thought was move to the roof and then have Dreadnoughts blocking the doorway over and over again every turn. Like just having people charge the door. Right. And just running my tactical squad to the third story and just waiting for a Thunderhawk to pick them up. <laughs> shooting flares like crazy. But see, if you do that, you can just get back in the Charybdis and fly on the roof. Yeah, that's true too. I'm just That, that was my thought was like, if, if things don't work out to where I have this free door opening, I just need to get to the fucking roof. Like I just got to right. get three stories up and just wait it out. Like that's all I could do at that point was... Like, my whole army's based on beating the shit out of you. And if I can't do that, then it's like, uh, we gotta go. That or drop the Charybdis on the roof and drop in on the back side of the relic and then bring the Terminators in from the front. Where it still sandwiches you, but you're on the route. You're... Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah. But, I don't know. I didn't play it. Daniel played it. It was a fun it's, game. And it anyway. so- sounds like he played it fine. Yeah, yeah. Lorgar walking through there just like with like a giant fuck you scythe kind of thing. Like like that's the only way I could think of. Just like dead, dead. <laughs> it was somehow a, a mace thing. Like, okay. So my second game I played against Mark. So well, just real quick, just to give you guys an overview. So after the first round, the loyalists were, because they already own more tables because of the way the points, because of the way the generals place points, I think they actually earned a few more. So they were firmly in control after round one. The yeah, we, we had the table that did double points, the Emperor's, Emperor's Palace. Yeah, the Governor's Palace. Governor's Palace. Yeah, we had that table that did double points for that one. Yeah. Well, you guys already start because every game, that was the one mission I was concerned with that I didn't know how good the rules would work is the convoy mission. And I'm like, eh, it may not even get played. Yeah, I got played every round of the <laughs> Dude, people were always, like, everybody on the Loyalist side was strategizing how they were going to play that mission. Like, we were, like, picking people who would be best to play that mission. And I was like, well, I can drop pod around it, and I could shroud it the convoy. Or, like, you know, yeah. like people, it's like, well, I run nothing but tanks, so I can just block the block line of sight for this convoy. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, such a cool idea to me. I was like, dude, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, you're running, like an armored column or you're running armored spearhead or anything like that or yeah. like even people that run a bunch of land raiders just block line of sight to it and just surround it with AV-14 and just like fucking uh, uh, Mighty Ducks it or through yeah. the table. the Flying V. So that yeah. happened with knights. Somebody, uh, Lemmy was playing an Imperial Knight list and he took the convoy mission and he had like the convoy surrounded by knights. Oh, God. <laughs> Badass Lemmy. For the loyalists. <laughs> So, but anyway, so that was at the end of round one, the Loyalists had pretty firm control at that point. Yeah. So we already had a foothold in after round one. So round two, my Blood Angels got to play against Emperor's Children, which was was played by Mark. And Mark ran a, the the classic ride of war for, for. uh, The Marascara? The Marascara, yeah. So he ran two tactical squads, a Scorpius Whirlwind, he ran a jet bike squadron, and he ran a command bike squadron. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with Kami Meltas all throughout it. Fulgrim in a Spartan with Phoenix Terminators. Yep. And the Command Bike Squadron, the Jet Bike Squadron, and the Phoenix Terminators and Spartan with Fulgrim were all Maraskara Turn 2. I think is how that worked out. Okay. So they were all going to come in Turn 2 and like... So... Uh, so first turn, he places his two rhinos at each corner, right? Uh, each corner of his deployment zone and a whirlwind Scorpius right in the middle. And so <laughs> I guess I kind of fucked up his whole plan. Cause like I straight up seize the initiative, bam, got it, got it from there. So I deployed a death blossom against his right tactical squad a death blossom against his whirlwind scorpius and a quartus dreadnought and a legion dreadnought against no it was it was just a quartus dreadnought against his uh uh rhino and my two tax squads i deployed them because it was a maelstrom mission and so we drew five cards at the beginning of the game and they went down one card every every turn. We draw more cards, but you can only have as much as your hand as like minus one based on the turn count. Yeah, it's re- it's reverse of the turn count. So you actually yeah. start with six. Yeah, and then and then it goes. Then the next turn, your hand limits five, and then the next turn, your hand limits four, and then three, and then it goes down. Yeah. So it was like my immediately my first hand. And we were was, using the Adepticon Heresy themed Maelstrom deck. Yeah. And so, so the, my first like cards I was looking at in my hand, it was like uh, capture objective two and capture objective six. If they're twelve outside of twelve inches of your deployment zone, if you hold them at the end of your turn and they're outside twelve inches, they're worth two victory points. And I was like, drop pod, drop pod, <laughs> boop boop onto both of those objectives. Yeah, and just like hunkered down. I wiped his whirlwind Scorpius. I wiped his Rhino. His boy spilled out, and I wiped his other Rhinos, and his boy spilled out. Well, I didn't. I put whole points on this left Rhino. And because uh, all I had was assault cannons, I had no way of opening up the rhino fully, like dependently. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I just like put whole points on it. So his turn two comes. He had. It's, it, I mean, his turn one comes. He can't bring anything else on. So all he does is just uh, uses his tax squad to like stand there on the right side of the table, and then on the left side of the table he. Uh, uh, he pops smoke on his uh, rhino just to help it live. And so immediately at the start of the game, I'm four points up just like out the gate. And then I draw my new cards and then they're like control this objective and control this objective. So during my turn two, I'm rushing to the next objective to go get, you know, the point. And like I have both these task squads who have full run of the field for two turns and they can go wherever the fuck they want without worrying about getting shot at by this Scorpius whirlwind and the rest of my dreadnoughts come on like the only thing that didn't come on was my command squad it was the only thing that didn't I couldn't roll for and what was crazy about that is the traders actually had a table that was giving us minus one to our reserves and so I had to roll fours and I still rolled all fours to bring all the rest of my dreadnoughts on and I brought them all to the left side of the field to wipe that tactical squad out and I did one legion dreadnought on the right side of the field just in case my death blossom couldn't kill off the uh, um, tactical squad 
And so I ended up wiping all but three of the tactical squad on the right side with my death blossom just because they were in cover mm-hmm. and they were going to ground. They were like, we're not dying. Yeah. And so I wiped all but three of them off. And then on the left side of the field, I opened up the rhino with assault cannons and then death blossom off the unit. Like I just, you know, two twin storm cannon attack squad's not living through it. Yeah. So I ended up doing that. But the problem is I put so many dreadnoughts. I put two Cortis, a Legion dreadnought, a Leviathan dreadnought, all on the way left side of the field. And a Leviathan and a normal dreadnought on the other side of the field. There was nothing on the right side of the field that was like it was very like everything was on that side of the field so right. like, it was very one sided so <clears throat> so he had, at the end of my second turn i assaulted that last three mans on the tax squad killed them off and my like i my leviathan i didn't think to consolidate him properly so i just like oh you're dead and like I kind of was like, all right, well, you go to your second turn. So I didn't consolidate my Leviathan by turning him around and like having him face the other way. <laughs> so his ass was just showing to the entire board. So when Mark Mara Sakara, everything came in, like he he rolled like all fives, which was like when you, you get, get a choose. Outflank, you get to choose. He just brought everything in on the the left side of the table where I had like two dreadnoughts. Yep. And immediately just like immobilize my leviathan so facing the board edge like face facing the board edge like looking out into what the netherworld and uh and just you know there's there's nothing else to do at that point and so like i'm still like pretty much the rest of the game from here is just like the uh the command uh the command squad shot all their combi meltas against the leviathan and he lived. He got mobilized out of it, but he did live. His four plus of vulnerable state is just ridiculous when you really think about it. Like, I, out of all the games I played at this event, I think about like how okay, because I run three types of dreadnoughts. I run the Leviathan, I run the Legion dreadnought, and I run a Cortis. Yep. And out of all those, I love the Leviathan and the Legion dreadnought the most. But the Cortis has that five plus and vulnerable save against the front arc. And I think, like, man, like, that saved my ass so much. Yeah. But the Legion Dreadnought has Weapon Skill Bliss Skill 5, and that saved my ass so much. Just because the the needing twos for things. But he doesn't have an invulnerable save. Yeah. And so the Legion Dreadnought just, every time, just getting his ass whooped. Like, just something makes it through, you're helpless. And, like, it sucks so much because you're so used to every other Dreadnought. It's like, oh, let me just go ahead and four up that real quick. Or, yeah, let me five up that real quick. Legion Dreadnought just like, oh, I'm dead. Like, yep. So I'm still trying to play with if I, how I want to run Legion Dreadnought's box treads. Or, but anyway, besides the point. Uh, so he marred the car at me on, the, on my side of the table with only two Dreadnoughts. And pretty much the entire game was me running my Dreadnoughts back to the other side of the table to try and just, like, help out. Yeah. Uh, I charged my little lone Legion Dreadnought into the unit of jet bikes yep and just started beating ass dude yep. like it was so brutal i could only imagine like the visual of what was happening with like grabbing these legion jet bikes and just like slinging them around like <laughs> like an angry gorilla yeah and so like finally the command squad had to come in there and melt a bomb him they're like you know yeah. get out of here like <laughs> like just stop killing our guys 
And so finally he was like destroyed. And I was like, God dang, he did so good. He earned all those little skulls on the side of his Yeah. Head. He just like, like I'm telling you, like an angry baby gorilla. Like, so the rest of my units, man, like are just still capping. Every time I'm drawing cards, I'm drawing cards like with objectives. And they're pretty close to each other. So I'm just like running to each objective at the end of my turn. Just like capping, 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 capping. Running my Dreadnoughts from the other side of the table. They're never going to make it. No matter how many game turns we play, they're never going to get to the side of the table where the action is. And so, I mean, besides that, you know, I I deep struck my command squad into kind of the middle of the table where Fulgrim was because I wanted to see what a Perdition Blade was going to do. Like, because I've never actually played with it. Well, not against Fulgrim. He's going <laughs> to fight first with a million attacks and just kill that guy. So, at this point, I'm like 10 to 2 on Maelstrom points. Yeah. So, I was like, I got to see what, Ful- what Fulgrim and a Perdition... Like, I, like, it was totally like... It wasn't the greatest decision I made because not only was it Fulgrim, but it was a squad of Phoenix Terminators. <laughs> and so, like, I was like... <coughs> Let me go ahead and bring this bad boy in. Let me go and see what happens. So, I drop pot him in to, like take on Fulgrim in this unit and there wasn't even really a chance like it was like no it was kind of just like feeding him yep. a squad and I was like oh that was dumb and then I was like alright Dreadnought get in there <laughs> and so like my Dreadnought gets in there and avenges his like his master right so like once Legion Dreadnought's in there with Fulgrim and Phoenix Terminators it's like a child in a room of glass like he's just right. like woo yeah. <laughs> he's just going crazy like, even, like, the smallest Legion Dreadnought that I have, like, just a little box dread. Yeah. He goes ape shit on Phoenix Terminators. Like yeah. Like, yeah. the only thing he had was a Primus Medicaid with a Power Fist that could do anything. But besides that, it was just like, eat a dick, eat a dick. And Fulgrim has Smash. But. I don't even think Primus Medicaid can take Power Fist. Oh, well. Oh, well. But anyway, so, yeah. So, like, it was almost to the point, like, in... He may have the older book they could in the... I, I locked up that unit, right? Like, that unit was locked the fuck up. And so I'm still just running around, capping objectives, you know, having fun. And that's pretty much how the game ends. But when I see Phoenix Terminators on the table, I laugh so much. Because, like, I know, like, I'm going to put a Dreadnought in there. And yeah. you're going to have to use the... Our weapons are useless. Like, you're going to have to use that at some point. Yep. And so... Well, they can't with Fulgrim attached because they're fearless. Oh, God. <laughs> stuck. So... Uh, it's like play things, dude. Like, it's well, like, I used to do that with. Um, I had a friend that would run like a full ten man unit of red butchers with uh, the devourer guy. Yeah, and he's the only one with chain fist. I would just assault it with casting Dracos out of the dreadnought drop pod. And the funny thing about casting Dracos is he's a character. Oh wow! So I can just challenge out the chain fist guy and smash him, and then they, he's got nine, like. 40, 50 point models that are just now tied up with Cast and Dracos that are fearless and can't leave. <laughs> and Cast and Dracos just slowly chews through the unit. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. I just, I can't hurt him. I just imagine like a, like, you know, when kids like pull the wings off of flies and like just like slowly, <laughs> yeah. slowly taking them apart. Like, I imagine that's what Cast and Dracos does to like. Red Butcher just like yeah. picks him up, like peels their legs off, and, and then it's like even if that chain fist guy does survive, like or they have Angron in the unit or whatever, that armor he's immune to armor bane, oh. so they're straight. So they need like sixes just to glance him. <laughs> so so I learned that game 
don't feed Fulgrim a Perdition Blade because he'll just eat it. Like, he won't give yeah. a fuck about it. But uh, I also learned that uh, if I'm playing against a Mars Scar unit, I need to drop pod. Like, I drop potted way too close to this tax squad because I thought, eh, if I have to assault them, I'll just assault them. When in reality, I knew that they were going to die from shooting. Like, I knew I wasn't going to have to assault them. But I guess next game, deploy closer to the middle of the table because... Even though Dreadnoughts can run and they can, you know, move and all that stuff, they're really fucking slow when it's a six-foot table. <laughs> like, yep. Like, getting to the other side was just ridiculous. And, you know, I've always worried about my tackle squads. I've always worried about ha- not having enough scoring units. Yeah. And this was, like, the exact situation I worried about was there being a whirlwind Scorpius on the table just clearing out both my tackle squads and... You know, it's like... Yeah, but you were able to take it out yeah, before. Yeah, take it out before my boys are even on the table. And, I mean, if for whatever reason I didn't take it out first turn, I had two turns to take it out and the option of another, like, four Dreadnoughts to take it out. If, like, I was, like, really panicking, it's like, yeah. oh, God, I didn't take it out. Like, more Dreadnoughts, send more Dreadnoughts at it. Yeah. So, so yeah, a lot less worried about that. So... So yeah, that was my second game with Mark. That was a good game, dude. It was like me really like seeing my list like shine. Right. So So my last game, this one was like So hang on, real quick. Now I gotta give the overall. Oh yeah. So okay. in this in this round, Michael won his game, but the traders actually came back. So the traders uh, were up on the loyalists by one table after round two. So where the loyalists had held the advantage, the the traders um, ended up uh, with the advantage after round two. But and what was funny was some of the tables, like the governor's palace, uh, the Grunwald forest, and the uh, uh, Phasalia jungle. And there was another table. So like four of the ten tables, Ferrograd, I think, was the other one were essentially the score, because the max points you could score in a round were three, and all those tables had a four-point or more gap. Those were essentially locked into place. So um, at that point, those tables were essentially like whatever, whoever controlled them, you know, couldn't lose control of them just with one round left. So... But the other ones were, like, very closely contested by a point, and the traders, like I said, held one more overall table. So the last round was definitely, you know, going to have to determine the winner. So I like that the event, you know, came down. It wasn't, like, you know, locked in stone by any means after the two rounds where the third round you were just basically going through the motions. Yeah, I like how it was, like, so close because, like, sometimes when you play events and they come out and say, all right, everybody, the traders lead by 24 points, you're like, Oh, son of a bitch. Like, you know, even though it's like that's probably like as a whole the number of points and like 24 points is like nothing in the grand scheme of things. But it just sounds so shitty. You're like, it's like, oh, God, we're never going to make it. By the way, we're drinking that chocolate milk right now. So it's so good. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. So. So my third game. I was really happy because British Dave was like, hey, do you want to play a team game with Samson? I was like, of course I fucking do. Like, yes. uh, 
British Dave, we call him British Dave because we got we got several Daves at the game club. Um, he's the guy that does perpetual painting. Um, he was the uh, loyalist general. And you can actually see that all the stuff he painted for this event on the yeah he paints a lot of our game club stuff you know obviously because he's local and you know we he we're friends with him obviously so you know we want to give him business and stuff and a lot of these guys that want their paints you know stuff painted uh we i mean he's he's reliable we see him every week you know when he gets stuff done so fast uh as far as my local guys go i think he painted like three or four of the armies that were here for this event for the event so we took all the models that um, he had painted for the event and stacked them all and it, like basically filled an entire four by six table. It was pretty funny. We'll throw that on the picture dump, guys, so y'all can see. Like, and we'll 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 put that it's perpetual Dave. Yeah, perpetual painting. So he was actually my loyalist general. So like he was assigning missions and all that. So he put me with with David Sampson, and David Sampson was running a White Scars. Uh, arm, is it armor breakthrough? Yeah. Yeah. Armor breakthrough right of war, so it was like all predators. His his uh, warlord was a Sakaran. He had a lightning dude. He had a, a just a ridiculously badass like quick predator army. It was so much. It was such a cool army to see. And then he took a typhon just like I guess to you know clear out certain. He blames that army on me. That's a hashtag. Kimmel made me do an army. Oh, it's so much. It was such a cool. There's supposed army. to be jet bikes in it, but I don't think he had them ready. Yeah, he didn't bring any jet bikes. So we were playing against your word bearers, different player, Wyatt was playing your word bearers, and then we were playing Scott, who was playing an Iron Fire, uh, Iron nope, Warriors. Nope. He was playing Pride of the Legion. No, he's playing Iron Iron Fire. Oh, because his list, sorry, yeah, because his 2,500 point list was Pride of the Legion and his 2,000 point list was Iron Fire for yeah. team. And they had some special... Loyalist, or I'm sorry, some special trader advantage where they have to deep strike every unit. They have to deep strike whatever unit they wanted. Oh, maybe they had the, um, they were probably holding the starport. Okay, so they got to deep strike whatever they wanted. And so, like, when you put in Iron Fire with uh, deep striking task squads with Uncio boxes, like, yeah. things get a little wonky. All yeah. right? <laughs> so, I think it was one unit per player, so they had two deep striking. Units, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Like, what was so crazy about that game is like when you think about like a tournament game or like a like an event game, this felt more like a pickup game. Like we were just kind of like like we were having such a good time. We were just like, yeah, fine, that's fine, okay, whatever. And like we were like our shit was getting fucked up on both sides, but we were kind of like, yeah, okay. So it was word bearers and iron warriors. And we're playing on your Istvan table, and your Istvan table is what, 8 by 4? 8 by 6? It's two 6 by 4s pushed together, so it's 8 by 6. So 8 by 6. Okay. So you think about it, that's a fucking big ass table. Yep. And for some reason, when they deployed, they decided to deploy the full scope of the table. Yep. And when you thin something out that much, it's like, well, you know, what are you going to do at that point? Right. You, You can't defend everything. So our whole purpose of this game was to kill the warlords. That was a primary objective, and secondary objective was attrition. So whoever had more units left on the table. And so they were playing very elite armies, elitist armies. And so, you know, it's like, uh, okay, well, you're running like a bunch of turn, Like you're running men's squads and all that. Well, I have both 
drop pods and dreadnoughts that come down. Like, you know, so at the end of the day, like I have what, like, mm, I have 10 drop pods in my army. Each of those has a unit inside of it. Plus I have three characters. So I like have like 13 stuff on the table, 13 units on the table. Like yeah. Whenever it's all said and done. So attrition, like attrition's like very helpful for me. If, right. If I were to, you know, count drop pods and all that. Well, anyway, so uh, they spread everything out, and I tell Samson, I'm like, okay, Samson, this is the plan. We kill the word bears. <laughs> like, that was like, <laughs> like, pretty much like, don't go near that side of the table where the iron warriors are. Like, just, yeah. just stay the fuck away from them. I'll kill all their long range with my death blossom and everything like that. And then we'll just stay over here. We'll beat the fuck out of Lorgar or like whoever comes out. And like, well, Lorgar wasn't, wasn't in the list. Wasn't even, yeah, he wasn't yeah. even running Lorgar. I just assumed he was. I forgot he'd like drop down 500 points. So he was only running uh, Zardu, and uh, so I was like, "Okay, just stay on this side of the table, and we'll just like tag team. We'll we'll play four thousand against two thousand, and then if we get to the point where we're able to go kill the Iron Warriors, we'll kill it. But we'll just keep our warlords away from them. Like we'll just our warlords will watch from like a balcony. Like mm, yes, yeah. So we put our warlords like in this corner, and like we we really even. I told Samson, I was like, just hold everything in reserve until." turn two because he has a limited bombardment he has a limited range bombardment yeah let me try and clear that stuff out before he's able to use it so first turn i death blossom leviathan in my 2000 point list i only have one death blossom so uh i I deep struck him in and he was supposed to go on top of the like the big mountain face the, thing? The, the big mountain face, but he scattered off of it and scattered like right next to Perturabo. And I was like, fuck. And so when I deployed him, I used your tactic from Adepticon. I was like, okay, let me move him underneath this little overhang. The garage door area. The garage door area. So like he can't bombard me with everything because it'll be he'll, like in that like underneath that overhang, he had a quad mortar squad. Right. sitting right there so i was like he can't bombard me if i'm underneath his own quad mortar squad right. and so like I, I i made it so where my death blossom couldn't be bombarded didn't help so much against tyrant terminators waiting for me so. right so i deep struck him there and then i was like well i gotta take out these quad mortars well i didn't have to i thought in my head i did so i had to take out these quad mortars so i deep struck a legion dreadnought on top and got intercepted twice and it was just very painful for my dreadnought and then on this side of the table, I put a Cortis Dreadnought in front of the Spartan and a Cortis Dreadnought behind the Spartan. So I got four Dreadnoughts on my 2,000-point list on first turn because yeah. I had eight drop pods. So basically, I was like – I just like made him think that he couldn't move. And though, even though he knew he could move, he's kind of like, oh, like they're here already. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, turn one comes and uh, – like I, oh oh by the way, um, so when it's come time to seize the initiative, Samson goes, Michael seize the initiative. I was like, what do you want me to roll six? You want me to roll a six like this? And I throw the dice and I rolled a six. I was like, so you seize twice yeah. in your three games? Yeah. Okay. Like a boss. Yeah. <laughs> so I seize the initiative. So we got like first turn, and then that's when like all hell broke loose because it was like bam 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 drop out drop out drop out like shit. Well, and Samson's army's very shooty. Yeah, it's very shooty. Uh, so we like uh, first turn. I phosphex the tyrant terminators like just out the gate. I think I took out like I think there was eight of them, and I think I took out five of them. 
So it was like a really good like points back for the Leviathan <laughs> just real quick. Yeah. And uh, at that point, you know, he unloaded his storm cannons and everything like that. I unloaded everything that that tyrant that that Leviathan had into Perturabo, and Perturabo didn't give a fuck. Like nope. he's just like. Ow. Yeah, he's a two up, three up. He's pretty tough. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> like he was brutal. Like the Death Blossom cannot do nothing against Perturabo. Maybe with his Phosphex, but so he, he was very brutal. So I was like, oh well. You know, I took out those Tyrant Terminators. They have forty eight range missiles with fucking uh, a tank hunter because he had the Siege Master or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, at least I got rid of those for Samson before like the game progressed because that's right. pretty long range for tank hunter well that and again like because samson's got a bunch of predators and they have split fire and all that stuff so he could potentially you know crack two predators a turn yeah so like that was like immediately like neutered the iron warriors like got him like and so everything else he had was like quad mortars and medusas yeah so all of that's 36 inch range and i was like we'll just stay out of 36 inch range just don't well the the quad mortars are 60 if you shoot the strength five rounds which he was not doing Right. Which would not have helped anyway. Right. So. He was probably using shatter rounds on all your guys' vehicles. Or trying to. Trying to. But we were just so far out of The table's so fucking huge that right. we're just like out of range of shatter rounds. He did get to use them against my dreadnoughts though. Yeah. Like, I intercept, he intercepted my my uh, Legion dreadnought that came in. My little box dread came in and was ready to just go beat the fuck out of quad mortars and hopefully run its way into the Medusas. Right. But he intercepted it. And then next turn the one quad mortar that didn't intercept... Just straight up beat the fuck out of that dreadnought, even with his cover save and all that stuff. He just boom, 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 boom. I was like, oh, god dang it. All right, fine. So, and I wasn't going to put any more, uh, I wasn't going to put any more investment into killing the quad mortars knowing how out of range they were. So everything else I just deep struck over to the, uh, word bearer's side. to the word bearer side. And so pretty much the entire game was just, uh, us beating the shit out of word bears. I mean, that's pretty much like we, I lost a Cortis to attack squad, like a, um, Sergeant with a melt bomb. No, uh, bolter rounds, rear armor 10 oh, okay. on the Cortis. They, uh, they furied my ass. Like, and I, <laughs> I guess I'm so used to running normal contemptors. I forgot that like his ass was vulnerable to bolter shots. Yeah. And they're like, uh, Wyatt goes, Hey, what's the rear armor of a Cortis? I was like, uh, I was like, I think it's 11. I was like, no, wait, it's 10. I was like, it's a, it's a, it's ten. He goes, all right, I'm a bolt. I'm a fury of the legion. I was like, no. <laughs> like, I have no like five up save nope. for my ass. So nope. it's just like, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> so like, totally just fuck my world up. And so like, the rest of the game, I had to like run my, run my cortices like a crab. You know, like <laughs> crab walk. Yeah. I had to crab walk everywhere. Like after that, it's like you're traumatized. Like crab walk, cortis, crab, crab walk. So. uh so we, we ended up, uh, Samson got probably one of the luckiest shots I've ever seen on the, uh, Charybdis. The Charybdis. He shot it with a single last cannon shot mm-hmm. and it jinked and it's night fight. So it gets a three up jink. They failed the jink and then he rolled a six and it exploded. Yep. One single last cannon shot. One single last cannon shot. <laughs> Pew! Like he used the force, blew up the Death Star, and then out came. I want to say it was a Terminator squad or is it's it? a Galvorback. I didn't get to see them because as soon as they came out, he typhoned them and they were gone. Yeah. And so like I didn't know what was in there. I was like, whatever that was, it's gone now. Like, all right, cool. Let's just yeah. go about this game. So just immediately was done. 
uh, I ended up cracking open the Spartan. So I unloaded all the loose bits and out came all the cataphracti and the, uh, the chaplain, the chaplain. And so they came out, it was an assault vehicle so they could charge into my tactical squad. They actually did a multiple charge where they did, they charged my tactical squad, a dreadnought drop pod and a Levi and my, uh, my Legion dreadnought. It was kind of odd, which I've never actually done before. And I've never thought about doing, but what he was doing is he was putting his chaplain against my dreadnought drop pod, and because he was doing glancing points on it, like which is guaranteed, he's like, it counts for combat resolution against the tactical marines. Yeah, yeah. I've never done that. And that, oh, like, that ha- yeah, that happens all the time. Like it's so cr- like it like it's very smart. I get why he did it, and I was like, oh shit! I was like, this is a legit ch- tactic that he's doing yeah. here. But I mean, he wasn't competing combat resolution with my fucking Legion Dreadnought. Like, my Legion Dreadnought, although he had three Chain Fists in the unit, the Chain Fists were so spread out that they had to go against the Tax Squad guys. And so, like, I was fighting, like, one Chain Fist at a time, and I was just like, dead. <laughs> Poof, dead. And I was just so happy he wasn't rolling good enough to to kill me. But, uh, which he, he in every, every, math-wise, he should have murdered that Dreadnought with any Chain Fist. But, yeah. But uh, he happened to live. And so, like, what's crazy about Wyatt is the entire time he was fighting me, he was, like, super fucking confident. So, like, when like you, when you play a, a, a player with, like, that good of a poker face, like, it makes you feel kind of, like, like, fuck, dude. Like, he's, like, super confident. So, like, I'm getting, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Like, I don't, like, I, he, I'm seeing something, like, he sees something I don't, and it was worrying me. Yeah. And, like, I, so, like, I kept, like, throwing more and more shit into, like, this combat, like, thinking, oh, this chaplain's gonna, like, blow up and strike D or something. I don't, know what, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And so, like, he's, like, super confident in, like, the way he's playing. And, like, he's, like, he's like I, I see this little, like, move where he's, like, beating the shit out of my Dreadnought drop pod and, like, getting points to combat resolution. I'm, like, I'm, like, fuck, dude. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, this guy's really good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, he's just, like, well, Scott, he's, like, I think we're fucked. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, what? Like, like, and so, like, immediately I was like, oh, I was like, shit, he's just like, he's got a badass poker face. Like, right. And so, anyway, so I kill, Zar- kill Zardu or the chaplain, whatever his warlord was. The dreadnought just squishes him, it's done. Well, me and Samson hid our, um, we hid our warlords like bitches. Like, we hid them in the very far right corner of the board because yeah. we knew that the, uh, the word bearers didn't have any uh, range, and so we, we hid them over there, and this is when Scott came in and just, like, aced the game for them without, like... Like, he aced the game for them in, like, one round of shooting. He... Because they had the deep strike, so they deep struck two tax squads in with Nuncio boxes, and because he's running Iron Fire... They don't scatter or something. Like, yeah. They don't scatter if you're within so many inches of this unit that yeah. have iron fire. So two tax squads just like deep struck perfectly into right next to our warlords. Yeah. And then he used he had a he had Perturabo, he had two uh and he had two masters of the signal. So then he unlimited bombardment onto our edge of the table. Killed his Spartan warlord and then killed my warlord who was standing out in the open. Sakaran warlord. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Sakaran warlord. 
and my because uh, my warlord comes in on drop pod, so immediately he's like just out in the open. Yeah, the Delegatus. So the yeah. Delegatus. So like, I don't even have him in artificer armor because like no. Well, wait, it's Pedarabo's bombardment strength nine, AP two. Yeah. Anyway, so so I mean, and I think he used that against the uh, he used that against the Zakarin because it's D three. Oh, and then he yeah. So well, and then he yeah. It's D three, and then the the master of signals the same thing. It's D three, but it's strength eight AP three, which will kill your delegatus. Yeah. So it was like nine nine nine. Boop boop boop. Sakaran dead, and then it was eight 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 eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just immediately like these super focused bombardments, like onto two warlords <laughs> from space, and it was like, oh my god, <laughs> like immediately just iced us. And so, like, at that point, I think we were on turn three. And so, like, because his second turn, he didn't roll to get any reserves in. He failed both his reserve rolls. Yeah. So that could have happened earlier, but it didn't. And that would have been really fucking bad. Like, morally devastating. Yeah. <laughs> like, morale-wise. But uh, but it, it, it wasn't. So, like, it was, uh, it was turn three, and we had already, like, the game lasted a long time. So we had 20 minutes left. And so all I could think was, I was like, okay... All we can do from here is just last cannon the fuck out of Perturabo with like because David has like what like I think he has five or six predators and they're all last cannon predators. So yeah, so it's at least ten last cannons on predator sponsons. I was like, okay, David, it's like you just unload all ten of your last cannons onto Perturabo. I was like, eventually it's gonna kill him. Like, I mean, he's gonna fail at some point. But I said it, it, we could do that, and that would last till turn turn six. But the closer, like, Perturabo could just run, like, up to safety of, like, the shatter shells and all that stuff. And yeah. Then we'll start losing, uh, then we'll start losing Predators. And so at that point, uh, I think you had walked by and you were, like, 20 minutes left, guys. And so we were, like, okay, well, this is kind of, we'll just stop at this turn. And y'all have primary objective. And we have secondary objective. Right. And so that's how the game ended. But, like, it was so, like. It was such a fun game, dude. It was, like, easily my favorite game out of all three games. Okay. And, like, it was just, like, the fact that, like, these super-focused bombardments, like, like, Perturabo's, like, so calculated. He's like, what's the mission? Kill the warlords? Where are they? (laughs) 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 On both sides. Each of them. Job done. (laughs) Job done. Let's get out of here. Drops (laughs) Mike. Walks off. (laughs) Like, he didn't have to get his armor dirty. Like, The Iron Warriors, like, the entire game were just, like, untouched. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, like he, he swept the game in, like, one move. <laughs> <laughs> Are the Warlords on the table yet? Yes, sir. They've come out of reserve. Kill them. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, that was my last game. What, what were the points at the end of that game? Uh, so, there's the final score. So, you guys were on table five there. And then... Uh, at the top, next to the loyalist side and the traitor side, there I have it circled what the final score was. So the one of the tables, the governor's palace, is worth double points, so it was worth two. So if you count there, the uh, the loyalist would have won anyway. They had six tables to four, but one of the tables was worth two, so they actually won seven to four. The loyalist side did. Of course we did. <laughs> so I do, I do want to throw this out there just because it's funny. So my favorite, because I was walking around, I got to see a little bit of every game. Mm-hmm. The coolest moment or like funniest thing, like whatever to me, was there was a game on the convoy table where 
two guys had uh, quad mortars. So they, there was a quad mortar unit on one side and a quad mortar unit on the other side. And they had collectively, like, blown the shit out of each other and, like, some other stuff that killed guys. Phrasing. So, what did I say? <laughs> blown the shit out of each other. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, they, uh, anyway, they, they each ended up with one uh, quad mortar crew member left. Okay. So there was just like a dude standing, you know, has the goofy backpack with like the telescope thing on it with a bolt gun. Yeah. So that like one guy, one player had one and one guy had the other. And for whatever reason, the way, because the deployment was at Vanguard Strikes, so somebody had put theirs like all the way to their one end and it had been like mirror, so they didn't start that far apart. So over the last couple turns, they had kind of been moving around, you know, trying to do something with these guys. Well, they end up in assault. With quad mortars? With qu- no, not the guns, because the guns are dead. It's just a, a crew member left from each quad mortar on one on one side and one on the other. So somehow these two quad mortar crews that their guns have been destroyed earlier get into an assault. Where where else are you going to see that? Like, <laughs> so the odds of a quad mortar crew fighting in an assault against another quad mortar crew, like you know when you've gotten down to that, part of the game that there's been a lot of shit die (laughs) (laughs) how desperate do you have to be to assault a quad mortar crew with your own quad Quad mortar crew (laughs) so and what was funny was they stayed locked in combat through like five and a half turns because they couldn't kill each other because it was just like a single marine with one attack fighting another single marine with one attack dude i'm telling you like that's like like i'm pretty sure they didn't even attack each other like Game-wise, they did attack each other, but in real life, they were just, like, talking, like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, man, no hard feelings. Like, I yeah. get it. So, so what do you think overall of the event? I had a blast, dude. Like, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a game I didn't enjoy. I got to run my list, and, like, it does very well. Like, it, you know, it's a very fun list to run, and, like, everybody I met was cool as shit. Like, it's, everybody was, like, down. So, so at the end of the event, like I said, Loyalist won. I only gave away two set prizes. I had, like, Best Loyalist and Best Trader, and it was a combination of sportsmanship, painting, and winning games. It was, like, you know, threefold. So the guy that won for the Loyalist was uh, Jeff Crowley, the guy who actually, he runs the Michigan GT event. Okay. So uh, I met him up in Michigan and invited him down, and him and uh, another guy named Brian that plays up there at the, the, with the Michigan crew, they came down. So he, uh, Jeff plays Imperial Fists that are beautifully painted. Yes, they're gorgeously painted. Uh, so he ended up uh, winning uh, Best Loyalist. And then Scott, the guy that you played in the last game, Scott Schweitzer, uh, he, with the Iron Warriors, he won Best Trader. Okay. So uh, they got to pick their prizes. And then all the other prizes, the way we did it was over the event, depending on different uh, things you could do, you could earn raffle tickets. Right, and we basically just everybody earned raffle tickets for doing certain things, like you know, Brian painted armies. Uh, I had a wheel that had like fifteen different you know things written on it, and we'd spin it three times before each round. And each of those uh, things that we spun, like if you did those things during that round, you would earn more tickets. That way, it, it took the focus off for individual prizes. It totally took the focus away from like winning because right. like. You could everything I had on the wheel. You could achieve whether you won that game or lost, and both players were able to achieve it. So, 
you basically everybody essentially got an equal shot at the prizes other you know other than the two guys that won the best in show for loyalist and trader everybody else beyond that point had you know a chance to win yeah something. first round you got extra tickets if you made three units fail a morale check or a pinning check or fear or fear check Second. And there was uh, also the team that had the most table control at that point all got extra tickets. Okay. And then um, there was a third thing. I forget what it was. Oh, it was if you were wearing uh, any type of 30K right. swag, like a shirt or something like that. Yeah. And then second game was killing off all, all of the, the independent characters. Yep. In the and army. answering a trivia question. And answering a trivia question. And... <laughs> Which what? I totally gave that to Mark by, like, feeding him that Perdition Squad. Like I was like, hey! Oh, yeah, <laughs> they all died. I forget what the last one... There was a, another thing. I don't remember what we got. And then the last round, you had to kill three vehicles or monstrous creatures in a single shooting phase. Yeah. Or... It was three squads or vehicles or... Yeah. Any unit kill three squads in a single shooting phase. Right. Which we totally did. And then there with was... Charybdis, uh, with the Charybdis shot. There was something else, too. Oh, it was win your primary objective by double the amount of points of your opponent. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure they got that. And then the, then it, we also spun the whoever controlled the most tables again. Okay. So the, the one side or the other got them. So you could earn tickets that way. If you brought a fully painted army, you earned tickets. And then when... Anybody voted for you for best sportsman or voted for you for one of the top three painted loyalists or trader armies, you also got tickets there. So then we gave all the other prizes away uh, just via raffle ticket draws. Very dope. It was such a cool cool way to run things, Ryan. I liked it. I, I thought it came out well. Uh, everybody liked the food, the lunch that was provided. Uh, everybody seemed to be happy with the amount of prizes. Uh Everybody liked the missions. The only I kept asking people, "Well, what do you think of the missions?" And the only thing they kept complaining about were the table traits, <laughs> which I don't feel bad about because I didn't write those. I just took the table traits out of the book four campaign system and just applied them to tables. So I'm like, "Well, write an email to Forge World because I didn't write that. <laughs> like <laughs> I just used it." <laughs> so um, I don't know. I was happy with it. I, I thought it. It turned out well. It sounded like everybody had fun. I didn't really, I didn't get any negative feedback. I didn't have a single problem with table traits or any table problems that I had. The only thing that like would have messed me up at all was the rad phage thing that was going on on the second table. Yeah. But that only affected my tax squad. Yeah. So it's good stuff. So, tell them what happened during the, uh, right near the end of the event that kind of, uh... So, near the, like, the third round, actually, while we're playing the third round, I was already feeling kind of shitty. I was like, dude, I was like, I don't know, I guess I'm getting sick or something. Like, I must have got something for the train or, you know. Like, I got some sort of stomach bug. And I, like, I felt it. Like, I felt like my stomach was all inflated, like, crampy. I was like, man, dude, I was like, I'm getting sick. It's like, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna beat it down like a... Like a champ, iron gut it. So about third round, uh, I was chewing on a bottle cap, <laughs> and like, like a kid, like what do you know, like a fucking child. <laughs> I was chewing on this bottle cap, and like it like touched my uvula, I guess, and I was like, <laughs> and like I was like, oh man, I was like, 
almost fucked me up. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh man, is this going to start a chain reaction? Is this going to happen? Is this going to blow up? And immediately I was like, I'm glad you had a bathroom like right there. I was like, I'm going to throw the phone. <laughs> like, so I immediately ran to the bathroom, vomited out all of your uh, delicious cooking. And like, and if it makes you feel any better, it tasted just as good coming up as it did, like, going down. Like it tasted like great. I was like, oh, this, is, this isn't bad. This isn't, this isn't bad throwing this up. It's like, and then like. So you're going to tell my wife that her cooking tastes like vomit. Okay, cool. <laughs> Both ways. <laughs> coming in and going out. Same exact taste. It tastes great. Like, it tastes great coming up. So, like, that was a benefit of yarfing, ralphing out the food I had just eaten. So, I threw up all that food. And, like, you know how, like, when you throw up, you're like, hey, I feel great now. No problem. That's all this stuff. And so, I went back, like, cleaned up the bathroom and all that jazz. Like, Clorox the shit out of myself. And, like, you know, just, like, cleaned up in general. And went back to playing. And everybody, like, that was at the game with us was, like, real concerned. They are like, dude, did you just, like vomit I'm like yeah <laughs> I was like I hit my I hit my uh, uh, my uh, what's he called my gag reflex and then that was just a bad idea because I was so full and so anyway that was like yeah and I'm like oh, okay cool as long as you're not dying I was like yeah I'm not dying I was wrong I was dying <laughs> <laughs> so third game ends and starts going into prizes and stuff and like I start like going on the downward slope of like starting to feel like shit and so like i go lay on the couch and then i'm just kind of like feeling real shitty and all this stuff and then or make like everybody starts leaving the event like they, they hand out prizes they do all that stuff and everybody starts packing up and all that stuff and immediately i know i'm sick so i tell ryan and david i'm like hey guys i'm gonna go sleep i'm gonna go to bed because the so- plan was michael for whatever reason has never gotten a white castle no, yeah, I've never been to White Castle. And he's mentioned that, and I was like, well, after the event, because it's going to be late, we'll White Castle's open 24 hours, so we'll go and eat late night White Castle, which is when you're supposed to eat the shit anyway. Yeah, and so I was like really looking forward to eating this late night White Castle, but I was I was feeling so shitty and so sick that I was like, I'm just going to go to bed, y'all go to White Castle, like, y'all just go do y'all's thing without me. Like, Right. And so I ended up... Going to the room, crashing out. I think y'all went to Steak and Shake, right? Yeah, Steak and Shake and White Castle are right next to each other. And since you weren't going, we you know we were going to go to White Castle for you. And I asked those guys what they wanted, and they said, "Ah, well, we'd rather go because Steak and Shake because they wait on you. You know what okay, I mean? It's, yeah. it's more like a sit down. So uh, we all went in there. It was me, uh, Samson, and Joe from Tennessee, and then uh, my buddy Chris Duncan and Jay. That are, you know, they're local guys. Right. They, they they just went with us. So it was six of us went. Damn, and, that sounds badass. That sounds like a badass. And then we closer. just basically, you know, sat and bullshitted about the event for a couple hours and watched uh, Joe and Samson uh, argue like a married couple. And they had Chris Duncan in tears. They were just fighting so much back and forth. About what? Just silly, just being mean to each other, like <laughs> how you do with your guy friends, busting each other's balls. Nice. And just saying silly shit. And Chris Duncan was. Then I got involved, like, hammering on both of them and agging them on and getting my shit-stirring stick out. And we had the... It was a good time. You missed out. It was pretty funny. I did miss out. So so I figured, ah, Michael's just not feeling well. He'll be better in the morning. uh, Because, you know, we were going to go eat at the Oasis Diner. We were going to get up, go to the... Go do some things here in town. Well, here, we can go into that because we did do some of it. Yeah, so, like, if you listen to the previous podcast, the plan was we're going to go to this, like, insane hill, 
We're going to go eat this giant-ass pork tenderloin. Go to the candy store. Basically, all the stuff we've talked about on the podcast before, like, I was going to, like, take Michael to it so he could, like, see that it wasn't bullshit and, you know, just so we could report on it that, yeah, it's a real thing. We really did do it, basically. Yeah. So we had, like, a a bucket, a Martinsville bucket list of things I was going to take you to do. Yeah. So I wake up in the morning and, like, I'm probably at, like, 55%. I feel like would be a good number. <laughs> I'm like shitting and throwing up. Like, well, just shitting at that point. Like, I had nothing to throw up. I was just drinking a bunch of fluids. So I was pretty much still sick. Like, pretty, like, solid sick. Like, I had no appetite. I didn't eat anything yesterday except for the... You ate, like, three bites of soup and drank, like, a little bit of chocolate milk. Yeah, so that was my dinner. That was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner all yesterday. Like, that's how right. my body was like, no. So the, the we had to, because things didn't open, but we were already up, so I wanted to take him over to the park to see this hill, the sledding hill that I joked about that killed a guy. I was like, we can stand where this guy died. Like, And we did. And we, we did. We went to this hill, and there's, like, signs that, like, are up. It's like, don't sled over here. <laughs> It doesn't say that you'll die, but it implies it pretty hard. Like, yeah. like no sledding here. Like, you will die. Yeah. Like, they don't want to scare the kids, but, like, just letting them know. Like, they should put that. Like, it's a legitimate thing. If you were to slide down that hill and go fly into that, like, giant, like... The playground equipment? Well, that, that's what happened. That's that, how the guy... Well, I'm thinking about, like, that, that metal, like, that jungle gym thing that's, like, that metal wire. Could you imagine going 40 into that metal wire? Yeah, you'd be in trouble. You'd snap all sorts of necks and yeah. <laughs> vertebrae. So we get to this massive hill, right? And it's fucking huge, guys. And like, there's, there's a very you have to have some level of uh, athleticism to get up this hill. Like, I can't. <laughs> I want to say there's ninety percent of our United States population that can get up that hill. The other ten percent can't. Like, I want to say like there's a good number of people that cannot get up this hill. Not from that direction. You can yeah. take a really long walk to get there from a flatter trajectory, but yeah, where we walked up was the steepest point. Yeah. So we walked up the steepest point of the hill, and keep in mind, I'm pretty fucking sick still. And I felt bad. I was like, dude, you can wait in the car. Like, because <laughs> like, the, the whole idea was just like, you know, marking things off this list because we've talked about it. Plus, when you get to the top of this hill, they have like a really nice uh, thing you can sit in up there with some park benches and things. And you can see literally my entire town. Like yeah. they, they've they've cut all the trees back off this hill, and it's actually a really cool view. You can see the entire town. So yeah. So anyway, so we get to the top of this hill. It's a it's, it's a badass hill. And like I died at the top. Like I was like trying to climb. Like just trying to live. <laughs> like I was. You'd have thought it was Everest. It was like a really dramatic moment. I'm like, <laughs> we can't leave Michael. We have to go back for him. <laughs> I was like, I was like Ryan, I had trouble climbing your stairs at the house. Like I cannot imagine, <laughs> like trying to climb this steep ass fucking hill. So we get to the top, and like we see the town, man. We see all sorts of graffiti written. It was badass. It was a badass experience getting up there. But good lord, like it was fucking rough. So we get off top of the hill. We go down the hill through the easy way. Yep. Which was also kind of scary because there's like mole mole soft spots and stuff so you think you're gonna like just break an ankle or something going down but we go down the hill i finally make it to my tomato pie cup with all my water in it suck down all that water and then we go to uh the oasis diner yeah that's the next thing on the list there yep so i know we've been talking about this like big ass pork tenderloin that ryan's gonna feed me right 
and we get to this Oasis Diner, and, like, I have no appetite, like, for Oasis. Like, I know if I eat this, it'll just, like, come back up. Like, there's, like, yeah. my body's rejecting all food right now. And so, like, or, or then, and all I could think is, like, dude, I cannot eat this giant-ass pork. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, my body isn't ready for this. So, I end up ordering, like, tomato basil soup because it was, like, the only soup they had. Like, and that's, like, the worst soup you can eat while you're sick. Like, it's, like, pasta sauce. And so, I had, like, three bites of that and, like, Ryan had his giant ass pork tenderloin. He cut off a slice of it. I ate that. It was so fucking good. And then Samson's eating this. It's called loaded biscuits and gravy. Loaded biscuits and gravy, dude. Like it looked so fucking good. Dude. All I can look was like I was looking at him, like, dude. I was like, I know I'm sick, and I have no appetite for that. But like I'm looking at it objectively right now. <laughs> I know that normal Michael would fall. Like, would love that. Like it looked so good, dude. I was like, ugh. I need that. <laughs> and like this morning I was thinking about it. I'm like, dude, I need We're that. We're going to go. We're going to, after, after we record, we're, when we get done recording this, I got to uh, take Michael over to the airport. I'm going to, if he's feeling better today, we're going to get him some loaded biscuits and gravy. Oh, I'm feeling better. I'm ready for that biscuits so, and gravy. So I had a slice of the pork tenderloin, so it was great. Like I can't. Like, he can't claim that he's under honorary uh, Hoosier yet until <laughs> he eats a full one. So no. he's going to have to come back another time to do that. But he did at least try it, a little bit of it. Yeah. So after we had the pork tenderloin, uh, Samson had to take off, dude. Was, so him and Joe left. Yep. Yeah, it was cool hanging out with Samson in, in person. And then uh, we ended up going to the candy kitchen after that. Yeah, we got a local like candy shop that they make all their own stuff there. They have like a little like all the marble tops and stuff in the back, and they're they're getting ready, they're gearing up for Christmas. So what they're known for is making candy canes. They I can't I can't tell you the number of candy canes they make every year, but it's an astronomical <laughs> number. But they make other they make all candies like all different kinds of candies and chocolate there. But that's like what they're known for. So we went to the candy kitchen and like. I had to, like, choose what candy... Because this is something I could put in a bag and eat later. So I had to, like, choose stuff that made sense that, like, was, like, Michael, future Michael would like, not sick Michael would like. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Michael likes uh, well, orange cream dream popsicles. So that orange cream dream bark sounds good. He likes almonds and chocolate. So that almonds and chocolate bark. So, like, I picked out all the, like, a pound's worth of candy that was, like... <laughs> That I thought I would like. And, like, now that I'm getting my appetite back, I was like, you did good, Michael. Like, you did. <laughs> I'm happy. You did good. So, and all, everything there looked fucking great. Like, like what sucks is, like, I was sick. But, like, if I wasn't sick, I would have gotten sick from, like, the amount of stuff I would have eaten. Because they had, like, <laughs> you know, Cokes behind, homemade Cokes. They had, like, you know. Yeah, it's like a soda fountain shop. They have a ice cream parlor in there. And then they got the big candy I wouldn't have controlled myself. I wouldn't have known how to control myself. I would have just, like, gone ape shit on, like, all this stuff everywhere. <laughs> so, I'm not an adult when it comes to food or candy or anything like that. So, anyway, after the candy kitchen, man, that's when we did Big Cat. The Big Cat. Uh, the Exotic Cat Rescue Center. Exotic Cat Rescue Center, which is probably, like, one of the craziest, like, experiences I've had. Because I've seen tigers and I've seen lions and stuff like that, like in zoos. And the thing about a zoo is you got like at least 
40 to 50 feet between you and the big cats. Like, you yeah. know, there's like a, you got a glass and then a moat and then like you're, they're out there and you're like, Oh, I see the tiger. There he is. Look, he's behind the fucking thing. Yeah. This is a chain link fence <laughs> separating you from a tiger, a Bengal fucking tiger or a Siberian massive ass tiger. Or lions or mountain lions or <laughs> whom like the Siberian tigers were only bred for their size. Like in this game, like they're, they're like Siberian Bengal hybrids that they yeah. had. And like breeders apparently breed them for like size. And like, well, they're trying to get white tigers. Yeah. Well, for like uh, Vegas shows and stuff. Yeah. And they mix them for whatever reason, where they're all basically mutts. Like they're they're genet- Like they're they're from two different places, and they said that they don't. But breeders don't really care. They just want the whites. Yeah. So it's just whatever tigers they can get a hold of. So all the tigers there are basically mutts. They said that you can't. They're not really Siberian or Bengal anymore because they're just mixed. Mixed DNA. So these are like 500 pound massive ass tigers. So the biggest one there is like a little over 600 pounds. Yeah, the Caesar. Caesar. Yeah, yeah, Caesar. So there's these massive ass tigers, and there are like it's you, it's a trail, and it's a chain link fence. And the chain link fence you could touch. Like there's not a barrier or anything stopping you. Like imagine like a chain link fence that like is a yard, like somebody's yard. And you're on the sidewalk next to that yard. Like, there's nothing stopping you from petting a dog that's in that chain, that that yard. If you're a, if you're a total asshole, <laughs> there is nothing stopping you from literally sticking your arm right through the fence and touching a tiger and, if you want. And touching a tiger. And these tigers lay against the fucking fence. Like they're well, like, they they like people. Like the, these tigers are raised with people, so they like have no. Like, it's super fucking dangerous because they're unpredictable. They're, you know, murder uh, killers, but they're, like, straight up unpredictable. Like, it's you, you could pet these tigers, and some of them want you to pet them. Like, it's, it's one of the weirdest things yeah. that you could ever have to deal It's, like, one of the hardest decisions you have to make in your life is to not pet these tigers. And, like, well, it's not hard. <laughs> you, you just don't do it. <laughs> Like there's some points where you're like, well, I mean, I could just pet that little patch right yeah. there. I mean, they obviously <laughs> tell you not to do it. Even the keepers there don't touch them anymore. But what it is is because they've been rescued. Yeah. They were living in a situation where their owners did, you know, give them attention and like tried to treat them like a cat, like a normal cat, until they get two or 300 pounds and they can't control them anymore. And then this rescue place steps in. So they're used to people, you know, when they're, they're pretty chill, but obviously... When they get make it to this rescue center, they put them in with other lions and tigers, tigers and put them in their enclosure. And then from that point on, they're they're treated as much like a wild animal as they can be treated. Where you know they no longer touch them or interact them interact with them in that way, regardless of you know how docile they seem. How many how many big cats do you think we saw? I think they said there's like between 50 and 80 on the tour at any given time but they have well over 200 there the ones that they take off the tour um, are ones that have displayed uh, like aggressive behavior and that are more unpredictable they keep though you know they treat you know they take care of them there but they just take them off the tour because that guy has a bunch of property and it's all enclosures like what you saw but they're just not on you know the paths where they bring the people in to actually, you know, where you can see them and all that. So the ones that are on the tour are the ones that are, the, you know, the most docile and aren't bothered by people. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, she was talking about how, like, uh, that one that one tiger, uh, oh, what was her name? 
I want to say it was Kiara, who would like slam against the fence. Yeah, she wanted to play. She wanted to play, so she'd like like full sprint against the fence and slam her body against it. And, like, and the know, fence was bowed out. And the, like you get to that fence, and the fence is bowed out, where like she slammed her full body weight against it. And you're just like, God, I hope she just wanted to play. <laughs> like in my mind, though, I was thinking like, dude, like I want to see the tigers that like like test the fences. You know, I want to see the tigers. <laughs> well, those are the ones that aren't on the tour. <laughs> like, but in my mind, I was like, man, dude, that'd be some shit. Like that'd be like real scary if like. Okay, guys, this is the, this is the like the tour you pay extra for. Yeah. <laughs> so like, where like we can't guarantee your safety because these are the tigers that like uh, that are like you could see like f- like soul in their eyes and you can see them thinking like trying to figure yeah. out like how they're gonna get out of here. Like I want to see those tigers. I want to see like the. It was pretty cool to see your reaction because I you like we get there and you're like man these are just chain link fence and then you get and you walk walk around that first corner and there's lions is like well, the first yeah. thing you see. And you turn that corner, and there's literally a lion like leaning right up against the fence, and you're like, I don't know, a foot away from it. And Michael's like, "Holy shit, it's right, it's right there!" <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking out because I'm so used to like zoos, where you like look out in the distance. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's a lion over there, a badass." And then like I look down, and like right, like a foot away from my foot is a fucking lion. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, there's a lion!" <laughs> like, oh man, that's like what. I think what was like the coolest thing like out of all of that was like hearing the lion roar like the like apparently guys like lions and Harleys like something about the Harley tone makes lions roar yeah which I don't know why Harley's not capitalizing on that because that's a t-shirt if I ever heard one yeah so like this dude pulls up in a Harley the people there at the cat center tell you if you come riding in on a bike if you have a Harley they tell you to do it they tell you to fucking rev and so this dude just and I actually recorded. I guess I could play it. Yeah. For the for the listeners out there. So what happens is it got all these like lions hot and bothered and all this stuff. And so they just started roaring. And like I, I don't feel like you're gonna get the same like appreciation for a lion's roar like I did, like in the middle of like standing amongst you, yeah, they're all around you because you're like on the path and there's pins all around you and they all, you know, start roaring. So I'm going to play this for you guys. When you're close, if they do that, She was explaining there that she was saying that they don't know why um, they do that. They respond that way to Harley uh, Harley's tones. tones, but it's only a Harley. They said they've tried it with other motorcycles and whatever, but it's only Harleys that do that. So, like, you hear that, and all you can think is, like, fuck. <laughs> like, you know, like, he revved his engine, but, like, you didn't know that, like, it was, like had anything to do with the lions you just kind of assumed, i did because yeah. i've been there before but yeah <laughs> so all i hear is lions going ape shit around me and like the fucking like the roar is like like there's a primeval instinct inside of you that like panics at the sound <laughs> of that noise like it just knows it's like this is how i die like this, <laughs> like i should not be hearing this sound like i'm in danger and so, like, then she explained everything, but still, like, god dang, lion's roar. We got there during feeding time, too, which was cool. That's why I wanted to go later in the day, because they feed them later in the day. They were eating chickens and horse heads and cow legs and, like, 
fucking everything. Like, they were just, like, munching. It was crazy. Like, I got pictures for you guys for the picture dump where, like, I'm, like, two feet from a lion eating a chicken. And all I can think is, like, oh, is he going to get mad? Like, I know when dogs get mad, like, when you're too close to the food, they're like, like, I was like, oh, please don't get mad, tiger. And, like, these tigers are, like, so, like, chill. He's like, what's up, bro? Got my chicken. Like, yeah. Thanks, bud. So, but we went over to the one fence and the one tiger they have there, Caesar, when he's just standing on all fours with his head at normal position, he's about as tall. Like the woman that did the tour was probably five foot five and he was as tall as her. No, oh, he's so fucking big. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool place to go. And all, uh, they basically charge 10 bucks a head to, you know, do, do the tour and all the money, uh, all the money goes towards, uh, you know, housing the cats and, you know, just making sure that they have a, a good life because they're they're not ones that can be reintroduced into the wild, um, you know, just because they were raised by people that have no hunting instincts. They said that uh, they only feed them, like, uh, you know, things that are dead already. And mostly, like, when they buy it, when they feed them chickens, they literally just go to the supermarket and buy, like, frozen chicken, like you would eat, but they just give them the whole thing. When they do horse or cow... Typically what it is is it's a horse that's died of old age or one that's been injured that had to be put down or, you know, cows the same way. And even every once in a while they do roadkill if it's fresh. The uh, the local fire and police department, if somebody hits a deer and they have an accident, if, if it's not too mangled or whatever, they'll take it there and process it. So, like, most of the meat they eat is, you know, it's horse, cow, or deer, and it's all stuff donated from local farmers in the highway department and stuff like that to feed them. And then all the money that, uh, like, you know, that they take in from people coming to look at them or whatever just goes basically, you know, to rescue more cats. So it's a good thing that they're doing. And I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking, well, Michael and Ryan, I know that those people have wildlife in Indiana. What happens when something gets in the cage? Is it just like a mall fest 2015-16? No, it's not. (laughs) These tigers don't know how to kill or hunt and all that stuff. So, like, there's cages in there where, like, the tigers are living with, like, a rabbit or something that yeah. got in the cage with them. And they don't know what to do with it. Like, they don't see it as food or anything. <laughs> they just let it run around. <laughs> so, they just let it run around. They actually it. gave them, they wanted a, like, they had a, like, they had a live chicken once. And they wanted to, like. Try live, introduce live feeding to them. Yeah, to see, like, maybe, because they didn't really know. And so they put a live chicken in there, and the, they didn't do anything with it. So they actually became like buddies. So this lion had like, or lion or tiger one had like a chicken buddy. <laughs> the chicken just like died of natural causes. Like they just like lived in the pen with the lion and tiger. While this, this lion ate fucking like chicken every day, and he just had like a chicken buddy. Like, hey, dude, you ever tried this? It's fucking great. And the chicken's just like nervous. Nope. <laughs> But the, the cool thing, because I've been there several times, but they uh, they have a Canadian Lynx, but yes. it's usually like in its, uh, like they have like, even though they're on the tour, they have like these like dividers up in these boxes where if the tiger or lion or whatever cat in there just doesn't feel like, you know, being around people or whatever, it can just walk in the back and chill. And the Lynx has always been in the box, in the box or where you can't see it very well, but they just fed it so it was out getting to eat something there it's weird looking looks like some kind of weird alien creature it's pretty cool it is dude it's weird it's got a weird head it's got weird ears weird big floppy paws like 
So we went and did that. I think Michael liked that. That probably lived up to the hype. I, I think it's pretty wild. You don't typically get – you get a real – it's kind of a shock the first time you go. Like be, like you said, being able to get that close to – The biggest shock wasn't so much like seeing the live cats. Like that was like a big shock. The biggest shock was the stories she was telling for each cat. Those like, oh, these two jaguars were in an apartment with four kids. Like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's legal to own big cats in 23 states. And, you know, oh, this this lion was purchased for $250 at a, at a, at a steak and shake. At a steak and shake. I was like, what? And then, like, that poor fucking lion, uh, Max and, uh, and Kisa. Yeah. Kisa was a, a... A roadside carnival lion. That was a, uh, like, that you would pet. Yeah. And he was feeding her cat food, kitten food. And so she didn't get the uh, proper protein. So she has ataxia, which is like a nerve disorder. So she's not, she kind of walks like she's got bad equilibrium. Almost like somebody, it almost looks like somebody, ha- like if you've ever seen anybody with uh, Parkinson, like advanced Parkinson's. Like how the fuck do you think you can feed a lion kitten food? Like I don't get, like what the shit? Oh man, dude, like all the stories, like uh, like every lion in there, every big cat in there is like a testament to how shitty humans are. Like, that's all it is. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, and then, like, there's another testament because they get brought in and raised by good people, but good Lord. Like, right. There's just such shitty people out there. <laughs> like, and they have them all fixed. They don't, like, breed or anything. She said that every once in a while they'll rescue some that are already pregnant or whatever, and they had one accident one time because they had a tiger uh, they fixed. fixed. They got, gave it a vasectomy. And then put it back in with the pen thinking, well, this is done with. And they, I guess they have viable sperm for like 30 days. 30 days. And it knocked, of course, it knocked up the female uh, <laughs> in that window. So, almost my so that's the only time that they've actually, you know, bred tigers, but it was a, an accident. It wasn't. So that they, now that they know that they've never had an incident like that again. Yeah. There was that one, those two tigers that like he, that dude walked around on leashes. Like, 50 miles away from a... Oh, it was closer than that. Like, he was... So, some asshole owned two tigers and would walk them on leashes, like, in a school zone. Yeah. And, like, like 300, 400-pound tigers. Like, these were full-grown tigers. They weren't, like, cubs or anything like that. Yeah. These were fully fucking grown tigers. He'd walk in a school zone on leashes, and there's no way he could control these fucking tigers. Well, it's, yeah, it's a 400-pound cat. And so, like, it was funny because she said, like, did you notice that that, that, that little kid was running around with us? Every time he'd come near the tiger cages and all that, they'd, like, get down because they, they wanted to pounce on this child. Yeah. And she's like, she even said, she goes, have y'all been noticing that this, you know, the tigers, like, get down whenever, like, they're around the kids? It's because they're stalking them. Like, that's what tigers do. Like, they, they stalk little kids. And she's like, it's just natural instincts. There's no, you can't control it. She's like, so this idiot holding these two tigers on leashes and walking through school zones, like an elementary school, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Oh, it's fucking nuts, dude. All the stories you hear about these tigers are like ridiculous. Like, it's it's fucking crazy to me. So apparently, uh, you can buy a tiger for two hundred fifty dollars at Steak and Shake at Steak and Shake parking lot in a Steak and Shake parking lot. That's what we that's what we learned. So after that, we uh, got done there, and uh, we came back to my house, and we were supposed to go uh, out to eat that night and record this last night. Right. 
and Michael was still sick, so still fucked up. But I feel better now. So we ended up going to bed fairly early and got up early this morning to record this. So that's been the trip so far. Now we got to go eat some of that biscuits and gravy. I'm going to take him back to Oasis so we can get his biscuits and gravy and then uh, drop him off at the airport and head into work. Yeah. I had a train ticket to ride back today but because uh, I was feeling like shit. I didn't want to risk riding the train feeling like total shit, so I bought a plane ticket, so I'm going to fly back. But if any of you are living somewhere in the nation and you're wondering, like, hey, man, should I take a train up to Adepticon or, you know, like, I, I really don't want to spend the – I don't want to – for one, probably spend the price on a plane ticket because it's probably like a $600, $700 back and forth trip where you could spend a $200 ticket back and forth on a train. Uh, you just have to have fucking two days extra to do that. Uh, it's totally worth it. I mean, it was just, it, it's, it's a viable way to travel in America. And I feel like they took better care of my army than what, it, what has been on planes. Yeah. But, so, give it a thought, guys. Just make sure you bring a pillow. You definitely want to bring a pillow. <laughs> so, anyway. So, that's all I got. That's pretty much it. So, we will uh, catch you guys later. Hopefully, you can enjoy Ben Porter's sweet outro and uh, some sweet music, guys. See you guys later. This has been a broadcast from Radio Free Isvan. Fight on, brothers. Follow the Imperium. The Emperor protects. Thank <laughs> you.